2: It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with...
3: The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, April 22nd, 2013. It is so great to be back here with you on another eh, maybe two and a half, maybe three. Who knows, maybe even three and a half hour. Edition of the Mixed Martial Arts Hour. We've got a lot to talk about. Just got back from San Jose, California. UFC on Fox 7. What a show it was! Probably not. Probably it was the best uh, Fox card thus far. When you include the prelims, the FX prelims, even the Facebook prelims, and then the main card. Yes, I said it. The fans got spoiled during the Cormier-Mir fight. I thought it was an interesting fight. Was it as interesting? Was it as exciting as Cormier knocking out Bigfoot Silva? No. But it was still fun. It was interesting to see him and and see how he performed. And let's not forget, in my opinion, he dominated a former two-time champion. He dominated a guy who's been in this sport a long time and who has dominated the UFC heavyweight division for a long time. So let's relax on the criticism. It was a great card top to bottom, a little controversy at the top. We'll talk about that, of course. And uh, looking forward to hearing from you as well, as I know you guys have been hitting me up on Twitter using the hashtag DMMAHour. Uh, We'll we'll answer some of your questions actually in the first hour, some of them in the third hour. And this week on the show, our prize is this book, George St. Pierre, The Way of the Fight. Now, we were actually supposed to have GSP on this episode of the MMA Hour, and he canceled at the 11th hour. And just to prove that I am not the kind of guy who holds a grudge, just to prove that I am extending an olive branch to George. If he wants to call in today, sure, he can. Uh, but I'm going to guess that he's not calling in. But anyway, he has this book coming out. You can get it in stores, Amazon.com, all that stuff. And uh, I got an extra copy, so I figured I'd hook you guys up. So that's, that's the prize for the best question of the day. We're also doing our pose of the day. And some of these, and I said it on Twitter, I think we may have to retire the pose of the day contest because I, I don't know if we could top what's going on right now. It's big country pose hashtag big country pose and we are getting some of the best ones ever. Uh, this the, the, there's really no way we can top this. It's unbelievable. Uh, the the best one of the day will get a special prize as well. Probably the uh, the Benson Henderson drawing that we gave out. We have a couple extra of those in honor of the champ, defended his title against Gilbert Melendez. Of course, that's the controversy I was referring to. So the 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 best big country pose. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that. And if you want to submit yours, you still have another two hours or so. It's hashtag Big Country Post. All right, we're joining the back, as always, uh, Buzzkill, uh, Will, Mike, New York Rick, who is a little down today. Should I, should, should I go there? Maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll get to New York Rick a little later on, of course, as we recap UFC on Fox 7 and perhaps look ahead to UFC 159. Now, Uh, who else is stopping by on this show? Well, in the second hour, in the third hour, actually, we'll be talking to Malkikawa, who is the manager to the likes of Benson Henderson, who won on Saturday night, of John Jones, who fights this Saturday. Of course, UFC 159 in Newark, New Jersey. The best part about it all is I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to go on a plane. I'm so happy that the UFC is back in the tri-state area, and it's a pretty solid card. Just found out that uh, uh, El Gojito, Eric Perez injured. Johnny Bedford now fighting Brian Carvey. That's according to Mr. Bedford himself on Twitter. But it's a solid card. Belcher Bisping will be talking to some of the big names on that card a little later on. Dwayne Bang Ludwig he'll be stopping by. He had uh, he was arguably the star of UFC on Fox Seven. What was it? Uh, uh, Men Men Venitas Shaw, Chad Mendez, Joseph Benavides, T.J. Dillashaw, looking fantastic. Ever since he became the head coach over at Team Alpha Male, he has uh, rejuvenated that team. So Bang will stop by at around 2.40 to talk about his new gig over in Sacramento. Vinny Magalesh, he stops by. He faces Phil Davis. As you know, they've been going back and forth for quite some time. That fight takes place this Saturday at UFC 159. Interesting light heavyweight bout. At 2 o'clock, we'll be listening in on the UFC 159 conference call. Chael Sonnen will be on it. Dana White will be on it. Uh, John Jones, of course, will be on it. Alan Belcher will be on it. Michael Bisping will be on it. And I'm expecting something here. I mean, a, a conference call with Chael, John, their beef. I'm expecting something. We'll listen in on it for the first 20 or so minutes. Hopefully it lives up to the hype. Um, we'll take some of your questions, as I mentioned, at around 140. Also do Rick's picks. Sarah McMahon will be stopping by as well. She makes her, her uh, UFC debut on Saturday against Sheila Gaff. So a lot to, to discuss. But first... Let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in a man who will be making his UFC debut on Saturday night, a very important lightweight bout. He faces Jim Miller. He is Bam Bam Healy. Pat Healy joins us via the magic of Skype. Pat, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Ariel. Thanks a bunch for having me on the show.
3: Oh, it is a pleasure, my friend. I see the beard is is still going strong. You're still rocking it, right?
1: Yeah, man. its uh, I'll say it's a lifestyle, man. I don't just do it for fights. I ain't been clean shaven in I don't know how long, so many years. But it's a lifestyle for me, not just a fight thing.
3: So here you are, uh, less than a week away from making your UFC debut. You started your MMA journey 12 years ago. You've been all over the place. A lot of fights canceled, a lot of uh, uncertainty some some small organizations some big organizations how how can you describe this that what this means to you five or so days out about to make your octagon debut in your opponent's home state this is a very big deal describe it for us
1: i can't tell you how excited i am man i mean uh i've never had this feeling of excitement um going into a fight uh you know a few few weeks ago, when the nerves started to hit me, and I, you know, I like to start thinking about the fight early, kind of get those nerves out of the way. Um, I kind of realized, man, this is where everybody wants to be. This is what everybody in MMA is working towards: a main card of a pay per view, uh, you know, in the UFC with a, a big headliner with Shell and uh, John Jones. So. I'm just super excited and, and ready to show people what I can really do.
3: So were you feeling more nervous than you usually feel before your fights? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I felt the nerves. Like, when I first started thinking about it, you know, I try to really force myself to think about it early and kind of get get those out of the way. Because I think if you put it off and, you know, you show up that, that weekend, man, that's when it can really hit you if, you if you try to put it in the back of your mind. They're going to come. Everybody gets a little nervous, so why not feel that early, you know, and, and embrace it, man,
3: and just get it out of the way. What did you think when they offered you, Jim Miller? Because I must say, when I saw that this fight was put together, I'll be honest, I was happy for you. Because I know you, you were frustrated not getting the Melendez fight. You had to settle for Kurt Hollibaugh. You weren't happy with that in the last strike force event. And this feels like a big deal, Miller coming off a very big win in December in his home state, as I mentioned, on pay-per-view. It seemed like, okay, it's not a title fight, but this is a, a very, very strong way to make your UFC debut. And by the way, a lot of the Strike Force guys are kind of on the prelims fighting other strike force guys. It feels like they're giving you some respect here. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah,
1: I definitely feel. I couldn't be happier with the fight. Um, I'm, I certainly didn't even hesitate when they offered it to me. Um, i asked for a top 10 opponent and you know I, i think jim miller is every bit of that and you know i think he's you know proven that he's a top guy in the ufc and you know i need to know where i'm at in there uh there's so many good lightweights in the ufc i'd much rather fight a guy with a a big name than just a tough guy in the middle of the pack you know
3: did you watch ufc on fox 7 on Saturday?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've definitely watched
3: it. Yeah, I'm sure you were very interested in the main event. What did you think of the main event? Who do you think won?
1: Uh, you know, I thought Gil pulled it out. Um, I thought with the round system, he won the first, second, and the last round. Um, I thought Benson did more damage, but, uh, I mean, the way the fights are scored, uh, I gave him those rounds, and, I mean, I could certainly see it going either way, Um and I'm not shocked that Benson got it, and I don't think it's a bad decision necessarily. Um, some of those rounds were super close, and I just felt kind of Gil edged it out.
3: You know, I agree with you. I thought he won 1-2. I thought Benson won 4-5. Uh, excuse me, 3-4. 5 is a really hard round to, to score. I watched it again last night, and I could see why someone would have given it to Gil. I could see why someone would have given it to Ben. It was very close. I kind of feel like, they deserve to have an immediate rematch. Uh, and, and I don't know if it was it hard for you to watch, considering what you have said about Gilbert, considering the fact that, you know, you thought he was maybe ducking you, et cetera. Was it hard for you to sit there and enjoy? Because maybe if you would have beaten him, you'd be in that spot.
1: Uh, not really. You know, I, I've always kind of said, I thought Gil made a business decision and he made the right business decision to, to, you know, to immediately get in there and fight for the, the title I mean that shows he was uh, made a smart decision um, so I, it wasn't hard for me to watch I was you know I thought if he won it would definitely uh, uh, help me get you know win my next fight maybe I'd be looking at that title shot with him but um, no it wasn't hard to watch I mean I don't hold anything against uh, Gil I'm not like mad at him I, you know I want to see the strike force guys do well and you know, I think he did pretty dang
3: well. So are you rooting for those guys? Is it a, is it a fraternity in your opinion?
1: Uh, at least to me it is. I know, uh, you know, I know a lot of those guys, you know, you kind of develop, you know, a relationship with them. Uh, I've trained with Josh Thompson, you know, a number, a couple of times now, and I was certainly rooting for him and I, I was rooting for, yeah. I mean, I think it is a little bit of a fraternity. You want to see them do well. And, uh, you know, everybody in Strike Force, I think, kind of felt that they were, not by the organization, but by kind of the fans treated as second-rate athletes. Uh, the whole time we were in Strike Force, we were all being compared. Oh, they couldn't match up to the UFC guys. So I think uh, we're showing that uh, we're every bit as good as any of them.
3: So, you know, right now, as I mentioned, you're about to make your UFC debut against Jim Miller, but I remember when you won your last fight in Strikeforce, you were actually asking for Joe Lozon, who's the guy Jim Miller beat in that great fight at UFC 155. Were you bummed that you didn't get Lozon?
1: No, I mean, to be honest, man, I hadn't really thought that far ahead. (laughs) And uh, when, you know, you, you get those questions right after, I was like, uh, and I just thought of, their fight, I mean, that was an awesome fight they had. And I think it was only a few weeks before yeah. uh, I had fought. So I just thought of that fight and I was like, well, Joe Lozon, you know, I, it wasn't like <laughs> I had anything personal against him or, uh, you know, I just wanted somebody. I like both of the way those guys fight and either of them take a step back. And I think, you know, especially making this debut at 155, I want, you know, somebody who's going to be an exciting fight and i think either of those guys uh you know especially joe or dan or uh, miller would have <laughs> made a great fight
3: win or lose on saturday do you want gill do you, do you still want that fight
1: no nah, i mean i don't have anything like a uh, hinkering to fight gill i just wanted the title in strike force that's okay. what i was working for it was like one of my goals i had written on my my walls, right when I got into force win the belt in 2012, and it kind of was lining up, I thought, perfectly for that. So it was never anything personal for Gil. I, w- I want the belt. I want the belt in the UFC. That's what I'm working for. I don't care who has it. You know, that's what I'm coming for.
3: It's interesting times in the UFC. As you know, They they need to trim the roster, and actually lightweight is one of the more... I guess I could say obese divisions, right? They, they have a lot of guys at one hundred and fifty-five. Is this a must win for you? Do you, do you have to win this fight to stick around? You have seen your opinion. Uh,
1: I'm not really sure. I'm trying not to put that type of uh, pressure on myself. Uh, I think, uh, what's really important is I need to have a good performance. I need to have an exciting fight. That's kind of what I've been focusing on. Uh, not really, you know. Obviously, I'm, you know, want I'm going in there to win. I'm going to win this fight. But I think the most important thing is that I go out there, let it all hang out, you know, making an exciting fight and um, and and get some people turn turn some heads. You know.
3: Was there ever a point where you thought, you know, what it's it, it's it's a good career? I had some big wins. Fought all over the place. I may not ever get to the UFC, and that's okay. Did you ever have to come to grips with the fact that you may never fight inside the octagon?
1: Uh, I might have had a couple of moments where I was like, man, is this ever going to happen? But, uh, no, I mean, I'm in this for the long run, man. I mean, I'm not in this sport like a lot of other people. I'm in this sport because I love to fight, man. That is the bottom line. I'm not in it to be popular. I'm not in it to make friends. I'm not in it to... I mean, the money's nice, but I'm not in it for money. I'm in it because I love to fight. And if it wasn't for fighting you know, MMA, I, I'd be fighting all the time on the streets, and that's not a very <laughs> good thing to do. So uh, I, I love to fight, and uh, anyone who knows me my whole life can, can verify that. And uh, I'm just glad that MMA is a popular sport now, and I can do it in the, the, the
3: octagon. But then what do you do when you're done? If you love to fight so much... There's going to come a time where you can't fight anymore. Have you thought of that?
1: Uh yeah, and uh you know, I just got to rely on on doing jiu-jitsu. I mean, I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu will always be a part of my life uh and you know, the older I get, you know, you know, the the I I don't want to I don't like his fighting as much as I did when I was like 17, 18, so <laughs> uh, I think the older I get, it'll it'll kind of, uh, start to fade. And, uh, as long as I keep, you know, combat sports in my life, Brazilian jiu uh, you know, all this training, um, I don't think that'll be a problem.
3: I see you're wearing a a BJ Penn shirt proudly. Where did you train for this fight? I know you've trained with BJ in the past. Uh, where did you train for this particular fight?
1: Uh, I trained, uh, I'm now with, uh, the sports lab here in uh, Portland. So I trained the whole time here, uh, It's been a kind of a great change for me. It's feel like it's, although I've been winning, you know, it kind of rejuvenated me and, uh, um, you know, I think they have everything that you need from massage therapists to uh, it's the whole game, you know, strength and conditioning coaches have multiple striking coaches that I work consistently with. And, you know, I think that's a huge asset.
3: So they, but you do everything else there too. That's where you do your MMA training, right? Yeah, yeah. Who's the head coach there?
1: Phil Claude and he's uh the, he is a strength and conditioning coach, but he kind of coordinates everything. He puts, you know, all the workouts together, uh, you know, sets you up working with the other coaches. So I do my uh the only thing I my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I do it at Nemesis and uh, Jiu-Jitsu here in Portland and they work very closely with Sports Lab too. So it's like a, a big team, a conglomerate of coaches, and everybody kind of works together.
3: So why do you feel rejuvenated?
1: Uh, you know, I just think, um, I don't know if it's my personality or what, but, you know, you get being in the same place, working with the same people uh, for a long time. like it, Things can get a little stale, and, you know, like having a change, and, Working with new people just kind of brought all that excitement back to me.
3: So was this your first camp with them 100% full time at this camp?
1: Yeah, uh, I worked with them with the Holabaugh, uh fight um, also, but it wasn't the whole time. I was out in Hawaii working with BJ for some of that time too. So this is the first time I've worked all, the entire camp with them.
3: Needless to say, you're going to stick around there for a bit.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I'll always be going to Hawaii and training with those guys, BJ and them, and, uh, you know, it's Hawaii's a tough place not to fall in love right. with and want to be there all the time, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I'm really enjoying it right now. I lo- I'm loving Sports Lab.
3: You know, when I think of this fight, I think of two guys wearing a hard hat, bringing their lunch to work, blue collar type of fight. I mean, y- you both have that sort of gritty, tough style. You don't go away easily. You're just so dominant. You're so tough to finish. Um, and, and it just seems like a fun matchup. Like, uh, it's like the, the, the irresistible force meets the immovable object. Like, who, who's who's going who's gonna to be able to break the other guy? And, and will he be able to? Or, or, or will it go to the, the judges and whatnot? But when you, when you think of Jim Miller, how do you beat this guy? I mean, he's had some very, very impressive performances. Look at that fight against Joe Loza and all the blood and all that. I mean, he's just hes just such a tough, gritty, blue-collar type of fighter like yourself. In your opinion, how do you beat him?
1: Uh, I just got to make him fight my fight. I mean, uh, he he comes forward. We're going to meet in the center, and I don't think either of us will take, take a step back. But I think there's some positions I can take advantage of, and uh, I need to force him into those positions and and make it my style of fight, I, I have a pretty good feeling that he's going to try to uh, mix it up mostly on his feet and, and use his, uh, his, like, I know he's shorter than me, but kind of that range uh, uh, of him staying in the pocket and swinging like he likes to do, and especially showed in uh, his fight with Joe. Um, so I think I just got to force my positions, and, uh, you know, we're both going to grind. I don't expect to break him mentally, like uh, I've done to some of my last opponents. Uh, and they have just got to fight a smart fight.
3: Do you feel like you'll be able to have a chance to smell the roses? You know, you get there probably tomorrow, right? In New Jersey, is that when you go out? Yep. The whole process, being inside the Octagon on pay-per-view, uh, almost sold-out arena, it may be sold out come Saturday. W- will you take a moment to enjoy how far you've come?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think the most of the, the best part of a sport we do is the experiences we get to go with it, you know, and, uh, you know, I want to soak those experiences up and, you know, I always kind of think of, um, Clay Guida, you know, he's a friend of mine and when he made his, uh, UFC debut, man, he was in that moment, he looked like he was having such a great time and, uh, I remember looking back on that being like, man, like, that's what you need to do and, uh, that's what I'm going to try to do, just live in the moment, enjoy every aspect of it, and uh, hopefully I can have some time to to pick up some shoes and do some shoe shopping while I'm out in Brooklyn.
3: Huh? Oh, nice. You're going to Brooklyn as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Newark, but uh, I heard <laughs> Brooklyn is a good place to go, so uh, I'm, I'm looking to, to get over there. And uh, I'm a big fan of shoes, man, so uh, i got to find the shoe. I've already been doing some research on the internet. Finding the good
3: shoe shops. Oh, man, you got to talk to me. I know all the good shoe shops. I live in Brooklyn. I don't know if you know this, but uh, New Uh, York is my adopted hometown now. So if you need any tips, I will hook you up, my friend.
1: Oh, I I definitely will be taking you up on that.
3: Awesome. Well, I'm happy for you, man. Uh, Congratulations on making it to the UFC. I know you're not just content on making it. You want to have a big showing on Saturday. Very much looking forward to your fight against Jim Miller. We'll see you out in New Jersey this coming week.
1: Thanks a ton, Ariel, for having me on, man. It's always good to be on the big <laughs> show with
3: you. Always a pleasure, my friend. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you. There he is, Pat Bam Bam Healy. He meets Jim Miller. It's the opening fight on the pay-per-view on Saturday, and it's a great one. It's a very important one at 155 pounds. Pat making his UFC debut, and he's he's been doing this for a while. So it's cool to see. That's one of the, the, the great parts of strike force merger with the UFC, guys like him who for whatever reason were just kind of, you know, organization to organization, we call them journeymen, right? And now due to the sale and then due to the merger, they get a chance that they're almost forcing the UFC to give them a shot. And then you get great stories like that. Josh Thompson returning, Gilbert's great fight. And our next guest is part of that great story. Uh, Of course, I think I remember saying this. In December on UFC Tonight, the story of 2013 will be the UFC's introduction of the women's division. And I think thus far, almost five months into the year, that is the story of the year. The women are taking everyone by storm. They're going to be on the Ultimate Fighter. The first two fights have been spectacular. And fight number three goes down this Saturday. It's on the FX prelims at the Prudential Center in New Jersey. Sheila Gaff versus our next guest, Sarah McMahon. Sarah, how are you?
4: I'm
5: doing great. How are you
3: doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. I want to I want to ask you the same question I just asked Pat. You know, for someone who's been around combat sports for so long, and your 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 position is different than his because for a while women didn't have this opportunity, but now you do. What's it like knowing that in five days you will officially be a UFC fighter? You will have fought inside the octagon.
5: I think it's really awesome. I'm excited for the opportunities that come with being with the UFC and. You know, for my coaches, and this is like a dream come true for them, too, to be able to coach people at the highest level. So, you know, everybody's benefiting from it. It's awesome.
3: When you got into MMA, this wasn't a possibility. Were you okay with that, or in the back of your mind, were you hoping at some point you may get this shot?
5: Um, I was okay with it. Um, I know that that kind of thing is really more out of our control. You know, like, and I, I mean, I came into it, and Dana White was pretty adamantly against it. So I thought, uh, it doesn't seem like he's changing his mind anytime soon, but I'm, I'm very happy that he decided to and that, you know, he looked closer at women's fighting and um, specifically that my weight class is one of the ones that get chosen. You know, if I'd have been higher or lower, I just would have been, you know, still fighting in other organizations.
3: Can someone who's fight like a 115-pounder, a 105-pounder, uh, even a 145-pounder, can you make a good living being a women's MMA fighter in 2013 if you're not fighting in the UFC?
5: I think you have to fight fairly frequently. Um, it would also, I mean, that also is if you're young and you're not getting injured as much, but most people supplement it through training other people or teaching classes or, you know, in some kind of form of coaching, so it's pretty flexible too, but it's tough to do that, you know? it's. I mean, you have to have excellent sponsors behind you locally.
3: You know, I mentioned the first two fights thus far in the UFC have been great. I know you were in Anaheim for the Ronda Rousey-Liz Carmouche fight in February. And then just a couple of weeks ago, we had the amazing Misha Tate-Katsangano fight. You're, you're, you're on deck now. You're third up. And, you know, those are some pretty good footsteps to follow. And in, in fact, they're, they're huge ones. I mean, the expectations now seem to have risen since before those two fights ever happened. Have you noticed that? Like, it feels to me like everyone's now expecting something spectacular and people are just watching and and they're so attentive during the women's fights in the UFC thus far, it feels like the the spotlight is really on you guys as opposed to when, you know, the men are fighting. Have you noticed that? Do you feel that pressure?
5: I, I don't really feel it as much because I think that it's, I've seen that in women's fighting all along. Like maybe the UFC, you know, crowd or the rest of the world is just now noticing. But if you watch women's fights, almost all of them look like that. Like, that's just how we fight. We go after things, you know, we attack, you know, very, you know, very frequently. We set a high pace, you know, and it's a dog fight and it's a scrap. And you look at the Invicta cards and you're going to see the same thing, you know, so it's not like, you know, they did, they rose above what their normal level is. When I heard those fights were going to be announced, I knew that's exactly how those fights were going to go. So, I think that UFC has done a good job so far too of you know matching up some really great fights, and Invicta does that also. But they should have high expectations, and all the girls are going to bring it.
3: Why do you think people are so interested in the women's fights? Why is it so hot right now?
5: I have no idea. Maybe it just could be like a novelty thing. Um, I know I fought on some good good cards whenever I was an amateur and when I was you know young in my pro career, and everybody remembers the chick fight. Like people would remember me. You know, two years later, and they're like, I saw you fight. And I know that they don't remember all the fights on that card, but I think it's kind of interesting and it's new. And, you know, I think that they're taken aback when they think like chick fight, they don't expect us to be as skilled and as tough as we are. And then they see, you know, what we already knew is that we've been training for years and years to become as good as we have. You know, we have excellent skill sets. And, you know, they're kind of taken aback. So I think that's what stands out more.
3: Did you I'm sure you did but did you watch the uh, the Tate Zingano fight? Yes, I did. What do you think of the stoppage?
5: I actually think it was a good stoppage. I know other people might disagree but you know with that many knees and elbows, I mean those are those were hard strikes and they were unanswered and when and when she dropped, I I didn't think she was going for a takedown. I thought she fell. I thought she, you know, her knees gave out. She so I think as far as like you know, protecting the the athletes. I think it was a good stoppage. You know, it was right on time because any more hits and you know she would have been taking unnecessary damage.
3: I know in that fight, Kim Winslow was the referee, obviously a woman. But do you feel like sometimes the referees are quicker to pull a trigger on a women's fight as opposed to a men's fight for whatever reason they 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 think I don't know you can't you can't take the damage that they're, they're just kind of instinctual. Like, do you you feel like that's the case or is that just, you know, something that people talk about?
5: I think that that it is all more like in the referees, you know, discretion, because when I fought for pro elite, I got kicked in the face whenever I was still grounded. And I looked at the referee and he's like, it's okay. So I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and kept fighting. And then um, when I fought Raquel Paolo, you know, even other referees came up, and they were like, wow, I would have stopped that fight, you know, two different times because I was just, like, striking her, and I had full mount, and I was just, you know, going to town. And, but it was an old-school old little Japanese pride referee, and I apparently you have to, like, you know, scar somebody for him to stop it. He's just <laughs> like, ah, eh, she's fine. <laughs> so I was actually a little surprised. So I think that it really depends on an each different referee. You know, some people let it go a little bit longer, and some people – step in right away. And, um, I, I really do it as fighters. It sucks, but if you are in that position where you are getting struck and you aren't defending yourself or protecting yourself, you're putting that, you're putting the decision in their hands, you know, like move more, protect yourself more. You can hear them, you know, when you're in those positions and they say, you know, you got to protect yourself. When you hear that, that should be, you know, your signal to do whatever it takes to get out of the position you're in because you're about to have the fight stop.
3: You know, they announced that the the Misha Tate Zingano fight, uh, Kat Gano fight, the winner would be a coach on the Ultimate Fighter season 18, opposite Ronda. After the fight was uh, already announced, was that something that you were hoping to get?
5: Yeah, I thought. Um, well, part of me thought that would be really cool. You know, like, and that would obviously help with like things with like sponsorship and, you know, I mean, I just thought it would be a, a cool thing to do. But then, part of me also—I um, have a hard time being away from my daughter that long. Like it's a little bit different. And then also, I—I don't, I don't know if I'm actually cut out for reality TV. So <laughs> maybe Why like not? Misha or Kat would have been.
4: <laughs>
5: I'm, I'm more like—I don't know, just regular, and I'm gonna say exactly what I think, and I'm not gonna. You know, be sensational or outrageous or pretend. You know, I think that sometimes with reality TV, it's not exactly as real, and I'm kind of against that. So,
3: but I'm that's actually good. good. That that's player. reality. That's the way it should be.
5: <laughs> yes, but sometimes reality is boring. You know, and they're like, mm. oh, well, what do you think people should do? And they want, really what they want to hear to become a great fighter is, oh, I'm gonna give you this top secret quick way to become the best fighter. But really, that's not it. Dedicate 15 to 20 years of your life becoming great at one of the martial arts or all of them. That's how you become a great fighter. But nobody wants to hear that. That's not, it's not as wonderful.
3: <laughs> so do you think that you can only become a great fighter if you do just that, 15 to 20 years of your life dedicated to the martial arts? Like for someone who gets in, you know, you have people who just get into the sport and five years later, they're fantastic. They they may have God-given ability. Do you, do, you, do you think that those people aren't great?
5: No, I don't, I don't think that they're not great, but I think that that is the exception rather than the rule. If somebody were just asking me for a regular person, I would say, you know, to be successful at the highest level when everybody is talented and everybody trains hard, it takes a lot of time, it takes muscle memory, and it takes experience. But there are people out there that are just unbelievably gifted that can go out and do it in five years. And I say more power to them that is awesome but you know like if you look at most of the great athletes in the world they started when they were very young or they've been doing this for like a, a really long time i think that's more the that's more typical
3: so when this all happened, with the, the, the force merger, and there was even some talk of you fighting Ronda at some point, or people were clamoring for it, especially before the Carmouche fight, and when that, that was announced, and we had the whole thing of people turning it down, even though they didn't really turn it down, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Sheila Gaff wasn't really in the mix, and then they announced, we didn't even know she was signed to the UFC. How much did you know about her before she was signed, and how much do you feel like you know about her now?
5: Um, I knew a little bit about her because I'd kind of seen her name in the rankings, um, but I'd already I'd always seen her at 125. So uh, that definitely, like when my manager is like, "Hey, you're going to be fighting Sheila Gap," I was like, "Really? Is she even my weight?" You know, and um, I know a lot more about her now. You know, like having watched her other fights and knowing that she fought at 145. So it's not such a huge stretch that she would, you know, meet in the middle and go 135 and be comfortable with that. And,
3: when, when speaking of your manager, you're talking of uh, Monty Cox, right? Yes. You know, I remember talking to him when this all happened, when they were searching for the first Ronda opponent, and he was very against you getting that opportunity right away, only because he felt like this is a fight that should be built up. You know, two, three more fights, tell your story, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you agree with him on that?
5: I do. We talked about it, and um, I, I really trust his judgment on things. He's been around for a really long time, and. I really try to to separate that out of my life. I just focus more on training and becoming the best athlete I can. And he takes care of all of my stuff with my opponents, my purse, I mean, everything, he arranges that. And um, Hector Castor does all my sponsorship, and I try to have minimal to do with that. You know, I just don't think that some fighters, I think, are good at being in the mix of those things and having a hand in it but for me i think it deters from me focusing on my my part of the agreement. So i just i decided I picked out who i wanted and i trust him and he explained it to me and i said you know what you've been doing this a long time and you know helping people make careers out of this i'm i'm down with the plan.
3: You know what i like about this fight it just feels like a fight on the card it, it's not like you know, I don't think we need a celebration every time there's a women's fight because that makes it seem like you guys are getting special treatment. I think you deserve to be there, like the the bantamweights and the flyweights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that being said, it's getting way less attention than the first two because of you know what was at stake. Are you okay with that?
4: Yeah,
5: I actually am. Um, part of it is that it's really rare that I get to watch the other fights on the card as a spectator, and so I'm excited about that. But I, I'm just, I. I don't really need that much attention, you know. Like, I'm not. I'm a little more low maintenance. I want to go out there and I want to compete. And whether it's the first fight or the last fight or whatever, anyone in between, I'm totally fine with that. I just want to get out there and get my turn. And truthfully, I would rather it be sooner than later. If I was the first fight on the card, oh really? I would be a-okay. Yeah, I think it's just my impatience. I'm like, okay, my turn. Get out of the cage. I'm going to get in there and compete.
3: <laughs> so you don't care about the spotlight of being main event, whatever. You just want to get the actual competition out of the way.
5: Yes, that's what I That's what I love about it, you know. It's just a when it's time for me to go out there and compete, it's, you know, all my focus is on that. I'm not, I don't feel like, I don't know, like slighted or... Oh, they don't think I'm so wonderful. I never even fought on Strikeforce. You know, like, I never had the Force undercard that the other girls had fought on and stuff like that. Like, people really don't know me as well. And, you know, there are guys who are out there that, you know, have fought for a long time and deserve to be higher up on the card and, you know, to get that different sp- sponsorship opportunity and stuff. So I don't want it to be where it, just because I'm a female, I, I get exceptions that other fighters, you know, would have to pay their dues for.
3: So obviously you love competition. I mean, we know about your background, silver medalist, 2004 Summer Olympic Games and, and wrestling, of course. Um, so it sounds like you, you love this. this th- you're not in it for those other reasons, much like Pat Healy, but you haven't fought since July. Uh, and a big part of that is the strike force merger and you were, you were supposed to fight in November, the card got canceled, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how frustrating has that been for you? You, you, couldn't, you, you, know, you couldn't get that that, that, that buzz of... Competition. Has that been hard for you?
5: Yeah, I definitely would like to fight more frequently. Um, but I've kind of pacified that little part of myself by going up to try start a train and training at Marcelo Garcia's because when you step in those two environments, it, it feels like competition. You know, like you're there. You know that you're a new person in the room. People are watching you. People are testing your skills. And, and it's all very healthy competition but they're going to come after you and they're going to push you. And, you know, like, you kind of have to prove your worth when you're there. So it, it's like all the benefits of having a competition without, you know, like the serious risk of injury. So, I mean, I feel like I don't feel like I haven't competed in it for a while.
3: You know, when when the UFC first brought the women to the UFC, they, they, Dana White said this is the Ronda Rousey show. She was the one that got him interested. But now with the ultimate fighter coming up, and of course she's going to be on it, but it seems like they're investing in talent and you know, the, the, the fighters that they're bringing in, like the Sheila Gaffs, the Rosie Sexton's, uh, ones that weren't fighting in Force or at least signed to Strike Force, It makes me feel like they've now seen the light and it's not just the Ronda Rousey show. Ronda may have brought them to the dance, but now they're finding out that there are a lot of other women who are able to dance as well. Is that your take on all this? Do you feel the same way?
5: I do feel the same way. I think that um, another thing that's helped that is Invicta. Mm. You know, like, the fight that they put on, the way they're able to match those girls up. Like, you can take two girls that are, like, kind of middle tier or younger and up-and-coming and and match them against each other and make a fight of the night. I mean, they've done an excellent job of showcasing women's fighting, and I think that that has... You know, along with the things that Rhonda's doing, she most certainly deserves the credit for, you know, catching Dana's eye and, you know, pushing us to the forefront. You know, this could have taken a couple more years for him to realize if she, you know, hadn't done the things that she did. But, um, you know, I do think that they are now starting to see that there are a lot of very tough women's fighters out there and that there's definitely even at other weight classes too. So I'm glad that they're looking, you know, above and below 135 to find the talent.
3: When you look at everyone in the UFC's bantamweight division right now, do you feel like you are the only one who has a shot of beating her?
5: Um, no, I think that uh, you know, Alexis Davis is has is very good on the ground, you know, so I think that she'd be somebody that, you know, would have a more of a possibility of stopping the iron bar and, you know, the same thing with like Kazengano, you know, very skilled ground fighters, so And there might be a couple other girls. I think that somebody who's very strong in jujitsu would be able to stop the arm bar better than somebody, like, not really, like, being, you know, offensive towards a striker. But sometimes they invest so much in their striking skill set that it's very difficult for them to become accustomed to the weight of the ground, you know, the feel for it and the, the grind and the different way your muscles feel whenever you're having a strong ground battle.
3: But what about a wrestler? She hasn't fought a wrestler with your 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 resume, your pedigree, right? How about can't she take that person to the ground? If that's one of the questions we're asking, right?
5: Well, I have pretty solid takedown defense considering, you know, I have sixteen years of, you know, (laughs) like competing in wrestling to stop people from taking me down and throwing me. But um, you know, like so I feel really confident in that aspect of my fighting career too. So, I mean, I think that they all lend to the advantage towards me. And I think that, but other girls, I think even if it does, if she's able to take it to the ground, I think there are some other girls that are very strong on the ground that, you know, might be able to gain position or, you know, like capitalize off of her armbar attempts.
3: You've competed all over the world on many different platforms uh, as far as wrestling is concerned. Of course, the Olympics. Getting that silver medal a huge deal for you and, and your country in 2004. Where does this compare as far as achievements? You haven't done it yet, but you're you're very close to doing so. Getting to the UFC, fighting in the UFC, and who knows what else happens. But just getting this moment and getting this fight, how does that compare to the other stuff that you've achieved in your career?
5: I think it feels to me like a like a going to a world championships. Okay. Um, you know, like extremely important, extremely good. You know. Uh, you know, goals you know, that set your goals on it and you work very hard to achieve it and you do everything right and you have to be in top notch form when you get there, you know. And but I competed in like six, seven world championships. The Olympics was different, you know, like it was just a level above and I suspect that, you know, fighting for the title will probably rival more the Olympic finals
0: in See- my mind.
5: I'm not sure, but there's going to be there's going to be nerves. There's going to be you know different situations you're going to have to work through and stuff. And uh, but I've done it a lot in my life.
3: Do you feel like this maybe makes you more prepared than some of the other women because for them, just getting to the UFC could be their Olympic finals. But because you've been on those big stages, you don't put that kind of pressure on yourself.
5: No, I think that I, that's exactly what it is. There's pressure there, but I don't put the pressure on myself. Um, and I even tell myself, like, strange things. Like, people wouldn't probably believe the way I have myself talk is before fights to reduce the pressure. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, you know what? Every fighter has a loss in their career. Like, hmm. any way I can minimalize losing being that, you know, scary of a monster, it takes pressure off of me. i like... You know what? Uh, GSP's lost, and Anderson Silva, and they're phenomenal. They just had to take a little bit longer road, a, a detour on their way to the top. So, if I, when I really feel those things, and I think, I take away that humongous fear of what a loss could mean, and I make it like not such a bad thing, but like something I still don't want to happen, then I'm free. To go out and perform to the best of my ability, I think.
3: Wow, that's fascinating. So you almost prepare yourself for the loss just to calm yourself down.
5: Yeah, just to say, you know what, I'm not going to be beheaded. I'm not going to be, you know, you know, thrown to wolves or whatever afterwards. A couple of people are going to say, "Oh, that was a great fight," and sucks that she lost. And some people are going to say, "Yay, we're glad she lost." And that's the worst that's going to happen. My pay will probably change a little bit, or my sponsorship might change a little bit, but. Even that, I mean, if you're someone that wants to reach the top, you know that they're going to be stumbling along the way, hard fights, uh, you know just it's not going to be a smooth, straight path. so you know, I accept that, and then I think that it makes me fight without fear, you know, if you go in there and you fear losing. You can be a little bit stiffer, you can be, you know, your timing can be off, you're thinking about the outcome and not what you should do at each moment in the fight, and that is your enemy more than an actual loss.
3: You know, the next title fight is probably going to happen in December, uh, given the Ultimate Fighter and whatnot. Realistically, how many fights do you think you are away from being in that discussion now?
5: I, you know, like, I don't really even know. I don't talk to anybody like I've never talked to Dana White. I don't like I'm pretty sure he could pick me out of a lineup, but like I don't know him really. And I don't I mean, I've met Joe Silva and Sean Shelby before, but everything is through my manager. So they might he might have an idea, but my job, I think, is just to train to get better and to be ready when those opportunities come up. So
3: and he hasn't told hopefully you soon. he hasn't said they've told me this or whatever
5: no he's, i mean cuz I, I didn't even know, we didn't even know at first they were, like who they were going to have with the ultimate fighter or things like that you know like i think there's a lot of different things that go on behind closed doors and some of it is you know it's out of your control so i i take the things that i can control and i try to focus on them which is my level of improvement and when i if they told me tomorrow oh it's going to be the next fight then i get ready that's that's just the way I kind of work.
3: How do you beat Sheila on Saturday?
5: Um, I think that my... I, I mean, I want it to be a good stand-up fight, you know, and for her to feel what it's like when other people attack back on the feet. But, you know, like, I i think that also I want to be able to do a lot of damage on the ground, too. So, I mean, if it ends up being on the feet, it'll be... A good little war because I know she's going to keep she's going to keep striking and keep attacking. If it goes to the ground, I want to finish.
3: You know, one of the fun things about this uh, strike force merger with the UFC is seeing the Dana Whites of the world uh, notice new fighters. And I remember at one fifty six. You know, guys like Bobby Green and Tyron Woodley got to go to the back afterwards. Some, some big wins, and, you know, Dana's kind of glowing. It's like this, this breath of fresh air. And, and, and hopefully for yourself on Saturday, you get to be in that position as well. Uh, making the UFC brass notice you, making the UFC fans notice you on a, a very big platform like FX prior to a, a major pay-per-view for the company. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fantastic fight, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you finally debut in the UFC. Good luck to you on Saturday, Sarah. Thank you so much for stopping by, and we will see you on Saturday night as well. All right, thanks a lot. All right, there she is, Sarah McMahon, who of course makes her octagon debut on Saturday against Sheila Gaff. Uh, UFC 159, like I said, it's on the FX prelims, and she comes to the UFC with a a very impressive resume. Like I said, uh, 2004 Summer Olympic Games, silver medal, and that's why if she did potentially fight Ronda Rousey one day, it would be so huge from a pure athletic standpoint, a bronze medalist in the Olympics in judo, Ronda Rousey versus a silver medalist in wrestling and Sarah McMahon. And of course, she's won a bunch of different titles. And, uh, you know, as she mentioned, the world championships and whatnot in wrestling. And then finally, uh, a pretty young in her MMA career, fought in the uh, pro elites and the Invictus of the world, comes over to Strike Force, never actually gets to fight there. She was actually supposed to fight Liz Carmouche in November in Oklahoma City. That card got canceled. They, they, they make her stick around, and she's fighting Sheila Gaff, the German. So uh, it should be a very fun fight, and I'm looking forward to it. And I kind of like the fact that it's not getting – it's weird. I think it should be getting more attention, but it's, it's, a, it's almost a bit refreshing that it's not because they're just on the card, and that's it. And I don't think we need to throw a party every time. Um, but it is so great to have the women in the UFC. I, I find it to be a, a, fr- a breath of fresh air, and I do find it to be the story of the year thus far. Now, before we proceed, I have to apologize to Pat Healy. I am a huge idiot, a massive idiot. It did, the, the story has a nice silver lining, but throughout the interview, I was mentioning that this was going to be his UFC debut. This is not his UFC debut. In fact, he fought at UFC Fight Night 8 many moons ago against Anthony Torres, lost the fight via first-round submission, and I completely oh, forgot that. It, it completely slipped my mind. And I, I I appreciate some people on Twitter mentioning this to me. Uh, I pride myself on my facts on knowing my facts. Uh, I used to be a fact-checker back in the day, and I am incredibly embarrassed that I made that mistake. I do feel a little better because I was texting briefly with Pat, and he said to me, and I apologize profusely. And he had a very good line. He said, No worries. As far as I'm concerned, this is my UFC debut. I want to erase that last one from my memory. So I guess he's happy I didn't bring it up. That being said, uh, that's a huge mistake on my part. And I, and I apologize profusely to him and to you guys. Major oversight. Um, I, I should have known that. I did know that. And I can't believe I forgot. So uh, my apologies times a million. This is a guy who's fought the likes of Carlos Condit, and he fought in strike force against some tough guys, Jake Ellenberger, Ryan Ford, TJ Wahlberger. I mean, a very impressive record. He's been around for a very long time, Paul Daly, Chris Lytle. The list goes on and on, and uh, that was just a mistake, and I apologize. So if you're listening still, Mr. Pat Healy, I apologize for forgetting your loss in 2006, but apparently you wanted me to forget, so maybe that's why I did it. Maybe it was a bit of a gentleman's agreement. Anyway, looking forward to 159. we We'll talk more about it in the second hour uh, with the conference call coming up in 10 minutes. And then, of course, uh, Vinny Magalesh and uh, Dwayne Ludwig stopping by as well, Malki Kawa. Now, let us go to uh, Rick's picks uh, as we have 10 or so minutes before the conference call coming up. And we'll probably get your questions now in the third hour uh, because we went a little longer with Sarah had a little more time there. And uh, as you may recall, we have been doing this, this Rick's Picks challenge for, what, three, three or so months now. Started in January because a lot of people were questioning whether or not Eric in the back really knew how to bet, if he really understood how to make money as far as betting on MMA is concerned. So we decided, all right, there's only one way to find out. We'll get some fake money. We'll give him $100, and he has to turn that into four. Some of you complained that it was too much. Some of you thought it was fair. Bottom line is there were 10 or so UFC events. And we got to last week where he had what what did you have? Like 150, 125? I had uh, 115. 115. So from January to April, you only won $15. Of course, you went all the way down to like 50 or something. You had your, 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 your nickel Rick day. Um, but at the end of the day leading up to UFC on Fox 7, you only had $15, right? 115. Well, yeah, but I gave you $100, so you only won. You were only plus 15 Correct. Okay. Uh, and then you decided what? I decided on, I believe it was
2: Wednesday night, um, to put it all on Gilbert Melendez in the title fight. Why? Well, initially, when I broke down the fights on Monday, um, I had said that I really liked Benson in this fight. And, and that didn't really change much um, until by Wednesday. What had happened was the line changed, and um, Gilbert had climbed all the way up to plus 255 at the time that I bet it. Um, And if I had, I bet the whole 115, and at that point, that would have given me a a little over the 400. I believe it would have equaled to about 410 um, if Gilbert had won. Now, as I said, I I did favor Benson in that fight, but at that point, I thought that the odds were so far off, um, Benson had crept up to minus 300, I believe, um, in terms of being a favorite, that... Gilbert was my best bet um, to hit a home run to get it all in one shot there were guys like Chail Sonnen and who we will have on the show later Vinny um, left but I thought that Gilbert was the best of that bunch and the one who gave me the best shot to win it all at once um, so I put it all on him and and I actually think that he did get it done but it was close enough that, you know, there's no outrage or anything like that.
3: So why did you feel like you needed a home run? Why couldn't you have done, like, half well, this week? Well, people were asking me why
2: didn't I put it on Thompson, who I was very confident in and who ultimately ended up looking like, you know, aces um, last on Saturday. Uh, I, I saw the opportunity to to get it all in one shot, whereas if I had put it on Thompson, I'd have maybe $100 left to go. And my thinking was... Let me try and get it let me try and get it all in one shot. My best shot, um, because you don't want to put it on parlays, you don't want to put it on multiple fights because you never know with MMA judges and just the volatility of the sport. Any guy can lose on any night, and it's just the more fights you you the more fights you spread it out over, the more chances you give yourself to win, but also the more chances you give yourself to lose. So I said, let me put it all on Gilbert, who I think has a decent shot to win, um, but at those odds has a great shot to win, and ultimately it ultimately it looked like a pretty decent bet um wait, but, so
3: if you would have put it all on Josh, would you have won or it would only gone you I would have had
2: about a hundred dollars left to get oh okay, um so I would have had to make that up on on this card one fifty nine um and and my thinking, as I said, was the more fights, the more chances for the judges to screw it up, the ref to screw it up, somebody to get injured, uh, and somebody to just have an impressive victory that I didn't foresee. So I thought, let me distill it down to one shot, um, one home run swing, and that was Gilbert Melendez.
3: And, of course, Gilbert looked great. Some people, like you said, thought that he won. Uh, And I I remember when you, you announced this Wednesday night, there were a lot of people who thought you were crazy, Um, And he almost pulled it off. But at the end of the day, when you look at the one loss record, the champion, the reigning and defending champion, the and still champion is Benson Smooth Henderson, which means hit the music.
6: The wicked old witch
4: at last is dead.
3: That's right. Brick's picks is done. No more. We don't have to listen to the nonsense. It's over. I was right. He was wrong. He doesn't know how to bet. $100, $200. Can he double it? Can he triple it? He can't do anything. He's zero. What do you got to say for yourself? Uh,
2: I could only make myself look worse um, <laughs> compared to that dancing. So I'm, I'm just going to let that speak for itself. It's just so great. I mean we gave you this opportunity, opportunity of a lifetime. Well here here's the thing about the opportunity. If the goal was to just make profit, I would have Oh you I would've be, this is like it's, it's not an excuse, it's just the it's just the truth. Uh, Tito um, Ortiz, is that you? I came oh. out. I came out with a profit, and I and I could have continued to to make a profit over the course of this. Um, but the goal was four hundred, so I had to go for broke. I went for four hundred. So you
3: think if it was two hundred, if it was three hundred? No, I mean, well, two hundred is not a year. Come on. I, I think
2: that there shouldn't have been a number. Why, why? is there a number? How about just profit? It continues, and, and I make the money. For example, I would have bet on Thompson and made and made yeah, a lot of then money. Yeah, but would have been five hundred.
3: I would have what? You, like, like, okay, okay. So if your record's twenty six and fourteen or twenty six and twenty, I mean, at the end of the day, we wanted to know: could you rise to the occasion? If you were given this challenge, as we dubbed it, could you prove that you could take this money and turn it into that money? No, uh, for sure. That, that I fell short. Um, un, that's there's no debate there. In hindsight, in hindsight, was your approach wrong? No, it wasn't wrong. No, doing the five dollar picks
2: here. That I mean, here here's what happened. In the beginning, I was just losing. I was making bad bets. Right. Um, toward the end, I mean, I went from I believe my lowest was like sixty something. I turned that back into over one sixty, a, mo- a little over one sixty. So I had a hundred at first at a certain run. Um, I was plus a hundred from where I was. Um, at a, at one point. Right, but you lost a lot of money. What do you mean? Like you, you you had to kind of dig yourself out of a hole. Right, I dug a hole right. and then I got back out of it, um, and and that's because I started making better picks. It had nothing to do with the numbers I was betting or anything like that. At the end, um, I had to I had to try to go for a home run. So you have no regrets? No, 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 no regrets. Um, Wouldn't it have been amazing if if Gilbert won? I Holy I mo- think he won, but but that's that's you know I've I won some on Sanchez right. where. Um, Gomi clearly won that fight in my opinion um so that just happens in betting sometimes the judges sometimes the judges make the right call sometimes the judges make the wrong call sometimes it's so close that there is no right or wrong call and everybody has a case um and I think that this is one of those times where it could have gone to either guy imagine Uh, if
3: Chael or Vinny wins this weekend
2: yeah that would be rough (laughs) uh, um who would you have betted on Vinny over Chael for for sure. sure okay um, I think that Vinny has a great chance to win this fight, and and his odds right now look even better. So I I, I think it would have been on Vinny, Um but it would have been fun to. What were on you Shale. thinking
3: when when it looked like Gilbert was going to win?
2: I thought that I won, that was it. <laughs> I thought it was wrapped up.
3: And what you would have loved that that would have been a
2: great moment for well, you. Well, I mean, it came down to this. It, did, it does it really prove anything if I even had won it? I made one final bet where I had to, I had, my point was making profit is different than, oh, this is the number you have to make, um, win or lose. Because does it really prove anything that I put it all on Gilbert Melendez and he wins? It's the same as if he loses. It it proves that I made one bet, turned out to be a decent bet, um, but it doesn't prove much of anything. Going for X number doesn't really prove much of anything.
3: So where do you go from here? What's next?
2: I don't know. My <laughs> life is in shambles. Well, I mean... well, Oh, actually, can we, can we do something first? Oh,
3: yes. Oh, it's very apropos, of course. We had, we had a
2: fantastic artist named Chris, Chris Rennie, come into the studio, and he made this at, in tribute to my picks. Unbelievable. As you can see, there's a nickel right here. It's For great. Nickel Rick. Um, this is my classic pose. In fact, I'm in it <laughs> pretty much right now. Very appropriate
3: um, that he would give it to you today as kind of a consolation The timing, prize.
2: Is, it couldn't have been better. Uh, just if you're, if you're interested in his art, yeah. he's fantastic. You can find him. He, he does work for Fightland. He does a, 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 an article, of story, a feature every week yeah. almost uh, called Defining Moment where he carves things into wood. Um, that are from UFC past, very have have some significance in the UFC, and you can check those out there. Um, his Twitter is at Rini MMA, RiniMMA, R I N I and his website is
3: thisdayinmma.com. dot com. There you go. Well, it was a valiant effort. You you, you gave it the old college try. Um, but unfortunately, there's no second place here. You, you, you were shooting for 400, and as a result, you would have been on the MMA beat. Unfortunately, uh, you failed.
2: I'll one make f- it to the MMA beat one. Yeah? Right. Oh, yeah.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for now, we need to call into the conference call. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss this more. Um, so let me know when the conference call starts. But uh, I will tell you that I still haven't really – I still haven't figured out – because here's the thing. There was something at stake, right? If you would have won – he would get on the MMA beat. And, of course, you get the bragging rights and all that stuff. But if you would have lost, what's at stake? We never really quite figured that out. I mean, it goes without saying that, I mean, we can't have someone on the show making picks when, you know, they were given a challenge and they failed. Not just failed, but, you know, didn't even crack the 200 mark. I may have to turn to the people. I may have to ask the people, ask you, what what do you think we should what do you think we should do with Mr. Rick? I mean, certainly he's a valued member of the team. He'll be in the back there. But is it time to put him on timeout as far as airtime is concerned? Is that the punishment? I don't know. Not a punishment. But, the, you know, what do I gain from this at the end of the day? I was going to put him on the MMA beat. So feel free to let us know on Twitter. I know a lot of you are rallying, rallying for Rick, so to speak. But uh, end of the day, it started January twelfth with Strikeforce. I thought, I thought the, the the approach was wrong. I thought going five dollars here, six dollars there. I, I just didn't think it was the right approach when your back was against the wall, especially during the lean times of February. Or so, but slowly but surely started to creep up. But to go for the home run swing like that, I don't know.
2: So we're still on hold for the conference call.
3: We're still on hold. Okay. Yep. Um. <laughs> I'm getting some, some people uh, giving me their thoughts. Uh, <laughs> that dance was so awesome. Give Rick $17. Parlay of Vinny Chail wins $400. Um, you are a cruel, heartless, evil monster. This is blasphemy. I quit. Uh, give Milan the chance. Let, let the public decide the facial hair Rick has to sport for a month. Oh, I forgot. We, we have an earring. I, oh, yeah. I promised. Oh, yeah. I promised that. What was that? I, I just pro- said that we
2: the, the fans could vote on what earring <laughs> I have to wear, um, and I'll wear it on next week's show, I suppose. Um, so send some submissions. Um,
3: someone, we'll someone says, and this is true, uh, you said he'd compete each week with someone for control of the picks if yep. he lost. But you know what? I don't know how to pull that off, It's,
2: it's going to be difficult to, to try and figure it out. Um, I'm not sure how to do that. Yeah, I don't know. Um we might be able to use like a, a secondary service where they where they keep track of stuff like that. This
3: is a great one. You'll keep Rick's picks because his analysis is interesting. You'll gloat unprofessionally first though, of course. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> What's that? I don't, what was that? <laughs> is <laughs> that a better like, question. <laughs> That's all the fans crying. No more Rick's picks. I guess you could do it on Twitter, but maybe I should can I put a lockdown on the Twitter? I mean A lockdown? What do you mean? Well, I mean you could go behind our back and make your picks there. Oh, well, here's the thing. I'm not going to officially make any betting picks. Um, Until you're reinstated? Well,
2: I, I don't, I don't want to be reinstated. Oh, really? I'm done with this game. Oh. We play by my rules now. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, no, I'm just, you know, if, if people want to ask me something, tweet me. That, that you know, But I'm not going to be every week bef- after weigh-in saying this is the picks. It, and, it was getting to be a burden. No, no, no! It was it was fun. I I, I thought it was a great competition and, and it was fun.
3: Oh, the conference call is starting, by the way. Okay, let's jump into all it. right. UFC one fifty nine conference call. We'll finish this up uh, uh, later on in the show, but here it is. John Jones, Dana White, Chael Al. And we'll go first
7: to AJ Perez with Sports
3: Sports dot com. This is for Chael. Um,
8: I, I, Dana White told us last uh, a few days ago that you had kind of had a run in with a fan at the tough finale. Could you talk a little little bit about that and what transpired and kind of how how that went down you know i really can't i don't know a ton about it there was a lot of people around uh and i and, and my my focus was just in, in five different directions uh including on him ultimately uh, you know, he got upset and, and he, we went to take a punch and security grabbed him and, and, and they took him out. I didn't miss a beat. I mean, I was, I was, I was doing a few other things. Uh, I didn't like seeing him have to leave. He had, uh, he had very expensive and good seats and I, I wish he would have seen the show. But, uh, you know, at the same time, he, he, he can't do that behavior. Exactly. Do you see yourself? No. Do you... I know you you, you don't want to become a target, but obviously you're very well spoken and you can promote. And sometimes, I guess, maybe in this case, it rubs someone the wrong way. Do you ever think about that perception that maybe some people have of you? Well, I don't promote fights, but I do pick fights. And yes, I do. I am well aware of that perception and I enjoy it.
7: And we'll take our next question from Michael Cohen, which the he chose Standard.
9: Hey, this question is for John. Uh, John, this is about as close as you can get to fighting in your home state. You know, what would it mean if you could ever eventually fight in New York and, and have your home fans see you up close? Oh, man, Madison Square Garden is a... Uh, it's, a uh, it's like the metro place for fighting, I believe. You know, like Muhammad Ali got to fight there. Um, Mike Tyson got to fight there and I think it's like, uh, I just think it's like a surreal place to be. I'm actually honored that I get to do the, um, the open workouts at the garden because it's it's just a dream of mine. So, um, to fight there, it will mean a lot to me and, uh, can't wait for the possibility. With the success that you and your brothers have had, what's the support been like in the central New York area with all the ties to Syracuse and Binghamton and Rochester? Man, it, it's phenomenal, man. It's um, it's surreal. You know, sometimes I don't think I realize how much of what we have. You know, I don't really, um, you know, it's just it's huge. You know, it's bigger than it's bigger than I am. I'm, I'm able to like stop and and realize. Um, and it's a great thing. You know, I think when I retire from fighting, I'll open a gym probably in the Rochester area because it is where I was born. And I think I have a pretty uh pretty successful program. So yeah, it's just it's overwhelming, you know. Syracuse working heavily, uh, so I get the football fans supporting me, and uh, and they get you know MMA fans. It, it, it's it's a, it's a lot of cross marketing going on between me and my brother. And last one, real quick, John. You know, this is the time of year again where the state assembly has that chance to pass the vote. You know, and and you know, there's been talk of that Madison Square Garden fight in November. What's your thought process this time around? You you really hoping this is it? Yeah, man, it will be awesome if, if they go through with it. And um, if uh, if I come out of this fight, unscathed, uh, uh I would love and uh, get right back to camp and, uh, you know, be be active. Thanks, John, for, for the November part. Yeah, thank you.
7: As a reminder to our phone audience, that is star one at this time if you have any questions. And we'll go next to Damon Martin with BleacherReport.com.
4: Uh, yeah.
10: First question is for John. Uh, You know, John, throughout your career, you really avoided getting into emotional uh, battles with your opponents, no matter how much they tried to goad you in outside of maybe Rashad Evans. And we kind of know why that happened. Has this fight with Chael ever become personal? I know Dana made that comment. I think it was last week where he said you told him you really wanted to hurt Chael and and things like that. Can you kind of expand and talk about that a little bit?
9: Yeah, I really don't want to talk about the comment. It's something that I said, um, but my emotions aren't like overly involved. Well, actually, no, they're really not. You know, I uh, I study Chill a lot. I study his interviews, I study his personality and and everything. And you know, he's being himself. I'm comfortable with him. I'm, I'm, I've familiarized myself with who he is and what he needs to do and what he tries to be. And uh it is just another situation. Uh, when I get in the fight, you know, I never fight um, over-aggressively. I always stay calm and relaxed and composed, and uh, and that's what it will be. You know, no matter what I say before a fight, what my opponent says, no matter if I appear to let someone in my head, which I enjoy doing, because, I mean, that's that's what the project is. You know, it's a huge home assignment that I have, so he should be in my head. Uh, but when it comes to fight night, you know, it's it's relaxation, it's beauty, it's peace, it, it's uh, it, it's it's uh, it's martial arts. is what God put me on this planet to do. And
10: you you've said obviously in the past that you have long term goals of you know becoming one of the greatest champions, if not the greatest champion in the past or in the future. Excuse me. Uh, what do you feel like the fight with Shell does for your legacy?
9: Uh, w- w- this fight with Shell, it it, uh, it ties me with two Ortiz.
10: As far as the the, the career, the, 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 the greatest light heavyweight champion as far as career
7: defenses?
9: Yeah.
7: Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. As a reminder, that is star one if you would like to ask a question, and we'll go next to Dale D'Souza with the MMA Corner.
8: Hi, right, right. hi. Uh, first question for John. Uh, John, uh, we've seen a lot in the past,
11: uh, you know,
8: as far as chaos fights, I mean, like,
12: he loves to use his wrestling. And uh, if he sees an opening for a submission, he'll obviously take it. I mean, has his wrestling been a concern for you at all this entire camp?
4: And
9: so, I, um, I want to say I'm concerned with his wrestling. You know, I, I think I've worked on my bottom game a lot more than I have in any other camp. Uh, because um, where I've fought lots of wrestlers in the past, I think I have been able to mesmerize them and make them not use their wrestling, where Chael is a guy who shoots without really putting much thought into it. He almost does it automatically. He has great timing. Uh, So I have become comfortable with the ideal fighting off my back, and uh, I'm prepared to do so. But, you know, the storyline is always his wrestling, his wrestling, his wrestling. It was that way with Matt Chyshenko, Ryan Bader, Rashad Evans. And I don't think no one respects the wrestling at all. No one respects it at all. Um, so, uh, you know, I have a lot of pride going into this fight, and maybe I'll take him down more than he take me down. You never know. You know, so I just, I just I'm just, i excited to go out there and prove my critics wrong again about me being this inferior wrestler. I don't think people give uh, my junior college accolade. Respect, and I'm going to earn respect in this fight. I have great takedowns, and I'm excited to see what he has learned off of his back. You know, even the ground upon. You know, Joe doesn't really damage anyone with his ground upon. Uh, Anderson's face was fine. All of all of his opponents, face was fine. I think Brian Baker was the only guy who made bleed with his ground upon. Everyone that I take down, I cut them open right away. So I don't think anyone respects my grappling, my ground upon, or my wrestling. I'm sci- and I'm excited to go out there and uh show people I do. Uh,
12: excellent John. And uh question for Cheryl. Uh Chale, uh, you know, obviously there's been a lot of talk about this uh both good and bad as it relates to uh, you know, uh your challenging uh, John. Uh do you feel any pressure at all uh to really challenge the critics that say that you really don't deserve to be in there with John?
8: Uh yeah yeah there's 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 always pressure uh you know that pressure is earned if you've never done anything in, in this sport you're not gonna have any pressure if you won a whole bunch of fights and been a marquee fighter you're you're gonna move to the top you know I want to talk about something John said earlier though I, I always find it uh you, you know as great as John is I don't think he understands how good he is you know for him to pay tribute to Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali earlier was a very nice thing for him to do. The reality is John Jones could beat up Mike Tyson and Muhammad Ali in the same day. And when he, when he says he wants to be the best ever, John, newsflash, buddy, you are the best. And, and as far as tying Peter Ortiz, yeah, maybe, maybe he had a couple of more wins, but he hasn't had the competition that you faced. And, uh, you know, that, that's not a secret. I, I'm not going to degrade John or what he's done. He's the world champion. He's the best in the weight class, and, and he's the best the weight class has ever seen. So if you're asking me if I feel pressure, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, this, this, this is a tough guy in a tough environment, but, you know, that's the sport. That's what it is. And it, 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 you're saying I don't deserve the shot or however. Look, look, I don't earn title shots. Title shots earn me. I, I don't go after main events. Main events come after me. Uh, and that's it. And whether I, I earned it or not or, or, or deserve it, I, I'm a Republican. I don't talk in those terms. I take what I want, and that's it.
12: All right. Excellent, yeah. Thanks, thanks,
7: guys. As a reminder to our phone audience, that is star one at this time if you have any questions. And we'll go next to Stephen Morocco with MMAJunkie.com. Hey,
13: John. Pretty uh, nice uh, things chill just had to say about you. What do you, what do you make of those? You think he's... Uh, think they're genuine or
9: you think he's trying to sort of play, play games? I, I can't afford to, to worry or, or, or feel any type of feelings of him try, being kind or anything. You know, the thought of someone taking my nickname away from me, and that nickname is Champs, um, I take that very personally. I take that with a grain of salt. Um, and, uh, and that's the way I need to keep my attitude. I need to keep my focus. Someone's trying to take away my dream. Um, you know, the thought of going home without my belt, uh, it, it keeps me angry. And uh, so i if someone says something nice about me.
13: And a quick follow-up. Do you have any uh, number in mind when you think of the number of title defenses uh, you'd like to have as ch- champion before you maybe start to think about other things? For instance, maybe a move up to the heavyweight division?
9: Well, um one thing I've been contemplating is, is first, uh, tying Tito Ortiz, and then, um, and then, uh, and then, uh, establishing that record of the most wins in my next fight, maybe in in November, and after that fight in November, uh, entertaining super fights and heavyweight fights.
13: Would the would the Anderson Silva fight be the
9: Super fight, you'd, you'd target? I said what I said.
13: Okay, thanks. Thank you.
7: As a reminder, if you have a question, please press star one. We'll go next to Jordan Curran with MMA. Plus.
6: Hi, this is MMA. Plus. Uh, I've just got a quick question for Chael. Uh I understand you've been doing a a lot of training with Luke Barnett recently. He's a big name over here when you came in my Wondering if you could talk about the work you've been doing with him.
8: Yeah, I've worked out with him every day. I think I'm hearing an English accent there. We also got uh, John McGuire out here uh, in Oregon. And, yeah, we're working hard. You know, I I never thought that a reach mattered, Uh, uh, but it's a problem. You know, I I felt it going with Luke, and, and there is something there, and I'm glad I got the work in. Uh but yeah, he's great. He works hard. He goes twice a day every day. Uh there's really nothing more you can ask for a workout partner.
6: Well, thanks a lot. That's great.
7: And we'll take our next question from Dave DeBert with Post Media News.
14: Hi you guys, thanks for the call. Uh first one uh from Michael. Um you uh, you talked recently um, about uh, about some nerve uh, issues uh, in in your neck in your arm, uh, and I'm wondering how uh, how you're doing uh, health wise at this point going uh, going into the fight.
6: Health wise, going into this fight, I'm I'm fantastic. You know, um, fighters train hard. You know, and, and we accumulate injuries over the years, but um, nothing that is going to stop me from destroying Alan Belcher. Uh, come next Saturday night. Uh, I've had a great camp. I feel fantastic. Yes, you know, as I said, all fighters kind of carry a couple of injuries here and there, but there's nothing that's hin- going to hinder my performance, and nothing on this planet that's going to help Alan Belcher. What,
14: uh, what, what do you see a uh, win uh, uh, if you know if it were to come on uh, on Saturday? What does that do for you in the division?
6: Well, obviously, it puts me back in the win column. It eradicates
14: my last loss.
6: You know, you're only as good as your last. Fight and uh, you know my last fight was a loss and uh, I don't take that too well you know I want to I want to win fights I'm, I'm a natural competitor and um, you know a win over Alan Belcher puts me back in the win column um, as I say I get redemption from my last fight it's a win over a top ten opponent and uh, it gets me back in the mix for the title shot you know that's what I want and then as as long as there's blood sorry uh, life in my body. I will continue to try and get that title shot. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a fighter. I want to be the world champion and I ain't stopping until as long as my body can do it.
14: I'm going to keep trying. All right. Thank you, Michael. Um, Alan, what, uh, I guess along those same, uh, you know, thought process, what does a win, uh, over Michael do for you? Uh, it
8: puts me in the, in the back in the top of, of the division and, and, uh, yeah, we're both coming off of losses. We both have losses in our career, wins in our career. And now we're going to see who the best is out of us, too. I don't care. I'm not really thinking about the rinks. I'm not thinking about what the fans think or um, about how confident
6: Michael is. I'm just thinking about beating him Saturday night. Let me just add to that. A win over me for Alan Belcher will be by far the biggest win of his pathetic career. Okay. There you go. If a, if a win... Don't no give a fuck time. about Alan Belcher. Yeah, that's, that's right. So you better not lose to me. otherwise. otherwise hey, bro, I, I ain't going to lose to you, mate. It's in the bag. All I've got to do is, it's a formality. i just got to show up, slap your little face, take my check, and go home. Yeah, we'll see Saturday night. Yeah, we bloody will, mate, because you know it's coming, big man. Yep, I know exactly what's coming.
14: Yeah. Oh... <laughs> Alan, uh, you know, I guess uh, you know Michael. He um, always, you know, very, uh, very colorful. Always is going into his fights. Is it? Uh, is it? Is it going to be difficult? You know, separating. You know, any emotions. Uh, you know, and, and staying, staying calm in the cage, and not letting. You know, any uh, any lingering emotions affect you.
8: The question for me.
6: Yeah, you're using too many big words there. You got to simplify it for Alan. Yeah, no, no, it is emotional for me, and that's whenever I, that's whenever I perform at
8: my highest. I have the most pressure on me. I'm the most nervous for this fight ever. The only fights that I've ever, I've ever lost are the are the fights that that uh, I wasn't very excited for. So this one, no. No. I want it worse than any fight in my my whole career, and I'm focused on it, and I'll perform at my highest.
14: Okay. Thanks. Uh, and if I could, just one, uh, one quick one for Chael. You, uh, you, you mentioned earlier how you think uh, you, John. Uh, you know, I don't know if you were talking just the light heavyweight division or, or overall when you said uh, when you said best ever. But uh, you know, you've looked at him a lot leading up to this. Uh, you've been in the cage twice with Anderson. Um, who, who's the better of the two?
8: You know, it's it's a tough sell, man. Uh, you know, y- y- look. Here's the reality with Anderson. I stomped that guy. And you can pick up his little arm as many times as you want and call him the winner. But the fact is I whipped his ass for 30 minutes. He got to jump on me for less than 30 seconds. He never knocked me down. I fell down. They say Anderson's the best pound for pound. He's not the best round for round. I have three 10-8 rounds in my entire career. I fought 49 men. Three rounds of my whole life are 10-8. That's gymnastics equivalent to a perfect 10. It doesn't happen in this sport. I doubt anyone on this call even has a 10-8 run. i got three of them. They're all against Anderson Silva. So if you think John and Anderson are even close, I will run through John because I ran through Anderson. Now, I don't think they're close. I think John is considerably uh, better than Anderson. But, but uh, you know, sometimes I hear that I, I don't deserve this fight or I'm not the right guy, but then I hear that Anderson could beat him. Well, you gotta be kidding me! I stomped Anderson Silva twice.
14: Okay, all right. Uh, thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks, you guys.
7: We'll go next to Zeus King with MMAOpinion.co.uk. Yeah, uh, you
4: know, my first question
8: is for Chael. Um, your uh, your catchphrase, "Beat me if you can." Do you like that more to? The Portland Portland's Grappler or to Taz from ECW. Let me start with giving you a little business advice. Do not have a website called blah, 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 dot, com, dot, backslash, UK. You need to simplify things. And secondly, I'm going to give that to the Grappler. His name is Len Denton, and good for you for recognizing it. Thank you very much. I appreciate the business advice. You're uh, very well. The next one... The next one for uh, for Alan Belcher.
13: Um, a lot
3: of, lot of snipe talk here from Michael. All right, there's the uh, UFC 159 conference call. It started off a little strange with Chael Sonnen giving props and respect and complimenting John Jones, and it seemed like John, I don't know, John says he wanted a new nickname, he wants to be called the champ. Looking, the most interesting thing at the at the beginning, looking to break Tito Ortiz's record he would tie Tito Ortiz's light heavyweight title defenses five on Saturday if he went. he wants to break it in November MSG I don't know and then look at some super fights or heavyweight fights um and there wasn't much there only when Anderson Silva's name came up did Chael seem to wake up and start to get some fire under him i don't know if he's playing mind games but he continues to compliment John Jones Michael Bisping saving the day from a drama perspective and saying that uh, a win for alan belcher over him would be the biggest win of belcher's pathetic career and that no one cares about belcher and that's michael bisping being michael bisping that's that's how you promote a fight that that was tremendous stuff out of out of bisping so i'm looking forward to that fight very much just looking forward to the main event at this point just want to see the fight actually happen and we can move on at this point but uh that was that was a little bizarre um let us move along now in one of the interesting fights when you talk about a grudge match if you will some heat there i think there's that in this fight unless they're going to flip the script on me on this one as well uh we've got a light heavyweight bout between phil mr wonderful davis and vinny Magalesh, and he joins us right now via the magic of skype vinny how are you
15: yeah what about you are y'all
3: the biggest troll in mma joins us <laughs> wow
15: like that is you're talking about me or yourself
3: <laughs> look at you i, lo- I love it what, what where where did this is this is this chael's is this chael's influence when did you become this way because you're just nonstop over there on twitter and whatnot uh,
15: no it's nothing to do with chael like really <laughs> like that was before when i started to, like you know being myself a little bit more i think it was uh before my last fight for m1 i think that's when i started to like speak up a little bit more you know like let my words go a little bit more and there is nothing to do with Chael. Of course, like, you know, sometimes Chael try to give him like, some advices, But, like, I don't think some of them are the best. Like, there was one time that Chael said that I should be calling out Little Nog. And I was like, look, Chael, I cannot be calling out a guy from Brazil because, you know, I'm never going to be welcome there again. So that's not going to happen. That's the only time that Chael tried to give me, like, any kind of, like, you know, consulting to be calling somebody out. But as far as, like, this fight against Phil, like, Chael was not part of it at all. Why Little Nog? Why did he want you to call it Little Nog? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think Che was trying to mix things up, like, uh, <laughs> like beef that I was supposed, supposedly had uh, with uh, Big Nog. So I think he's just trying to mix things up, and uh, that's why he's suggesting me to be calling a Little Nog out. But I, I don't think like, you know, I should be doing it. It's just like, you know, it's not a good thing. Like, it Probably if I do that, I'm not going to be like, back to Brazil ever again.
3: So you're saying that you were always this way, but you just, you just allowed us to enter your world to see the real you. This is nothing new. <laughs> No,
15: I'm not I'm not actually this, you know. Well, big, it's like
3: you know, it started pushback. you you put your 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 belt on eBay, right? And then you're yeah, like, that, "Oh no, I'm not really putting it up on eBay." eBay. That's that's a troll move, right?
15: It is. It is. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to do what you're, you know what you have to do to to get what you want. Okay. You know, like and then it's like with the whole like uh thing with the belt. Like I think it turned out pretty well, you know, like it got signed back to the UFC. Uh, I was really happy with the contract that, that Joe offered to me. So I think like things just turned down to be like perfect. And, uh, I think the same thing happened with this fight against Phil, you know, at first I just wanted to fight. It was nothing personal. Like I didn't mean to like be like, you know, insulting like Phil Davis. I didn't mean to like be like taking anything personal. I just wanted to fight. And I think that was the way that I found, found, found to take the fight, to get the fight. And he just like fell for it. And then of course it, after I'll be honest with you, he became personal just because like he couldn't control himself. And then he starts like saying like nonsense things, and uh, and then he becomes a little personal, you know. Like when he says like uh, I can not remember like what he said, I, I know that he was saying like, oh, things like oh I'm a chump, and uh, what else? Jiu-jitsu is better than wrestling, and it is, and that. Uh, I'm not one of those guys that defends jiu-jitsu like you know at all costs, but I think he just said like really dumb things, and I'm like more than willing to prove him wrong. So you think he crossed the line? as far as like you know comparing skills i think you know, anybody's gonna be defending like their skills i think just the way he said it like and plus like to be honest with you when the guy like phil david said that he's gonna submit me that's a trip that's like him like being like super delusional like he's not gonna submit me. i've never been submitted like in a nogi match and that's the closest you can get like in an mma fight of course in a grappling match there is no uh there's no like punches but here's the thing like when you go to a grappling match, when you actually want to engage to grappling in an MMA fight, there's no punches either. You cannot, like, let go a choke to, like, start to punch people. You cannot, like, let go an armboard to start to punch people. Once you engage to a submission, it's pure submission grappling, no matter if that's an MMA fight, if that's, like, a grappling match. And in that case, there's no way, there's just, like, no way that Phil Davis can get a submission on me. So for him to say that, I think he's crossed the line there. Uh, as far as being delusional, it's not a fa- about, like, respecting me or being, like, disrespectful to me. Just as far as being delusional, when he said that he's going to submit me, that's a trip.
3: Why did you zero in on him? I mean, there are, there are tons of guys that you could have called out, and, and, and you really went on the offensive, and it worked. So congratulations. As I said to you, 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 you proved to everyone how to get a fight. But why him?
15: Uh, here's the thing. Like, both of us are still developing our striking game. Uh, you know, like, I'm still, like, getting better at my striking. Phil is still getting better as well. And, uh, you know, and then he has one thing that puts, him, like, puts himself into my game, which is wrestling. As far as, as much as people think that, well, like, you know, usually, like, uh, high-level wrestling controls jujitsu, yes, usually. But when you're talking about guys like Demian Maia, uh, Fabrice Verdun, myself, Roger Gracie, I don't think there's any advantage, like, in wrestling as far as wrestling versus jiu-jitsu. When you get, like, those, you know, the guys at the highest level. And I'm one of those guys, you know. It's not about, like, bragging. It's just, like, the results tell that, you know, tell that. And uh, I don't think, like, his wrestling would be, like, any kind of advantage on me. And if it is for, for, for us to keep the fight standing, I feel like I have a slight advantage in that area, too. So I think that's just the perfect match. That's why I, I want him to fight him. He's had some funky
3: submissions. What do you think of his grappling?
15: He's good. You know, he's good, but he's not, like, excellent as people think he is. Especially, like, excellent at a point that people think he, he can submit me. That's just, like, ridiculous. And for him to say that, it's ridiculous. And for, for whoever agrees with him, it's even more ridiculous. Because these guys just don't know what they're talking about. It's just, like... <laughs> to, to have an idea, Ariel, like, the only guy in a submission grappling match that was ever, like, closest to submit me was Fabricio Then He was the only guy who ever, like, locked me in a submission, like, in a, in a grappling match. I'm not talking about gear. I'm not talking about sure. wearing pajamas and, and <laughs> holding the gear. I'm talking about, like, you know, the, the closest thing to, like, MMA fight. And uh, Fabricio Verdun was the only guy who was actually locked me in a submission. The, you know, that was the closest. And we're talking about a guy who has been dominating ATC for the last eight years, and way heavier than me, And you now like uh, being a black belt since I was a blue belt. So he's like, you know, talking about the highest level. And just no, it's just like, you know, Phil's not at that level. And nowhere close to that level. So, you know, why would I worry about him? Do you think you deserve this
3: fight in the sense that, like, with the rankings and where you're at in your career, his career, do you think you deserve this fight?
15: Uh, there is a fight in this car, Chael versus John Jones. And, uh... I don't think John Chair has fought a like, light like heavyweight uh, in five years, six years. I don't know. So I don't know what we're talking about as far as rankings. You know, there's no such a thing Ariel. a real. It's, it's fighting, you know. Like when you're asked to fight somebody, if they want to take the fight, they take the fight. It's not to do with rankings.
3: So there, there, was a, there was a story that Phil put out that they actually offered you this fight at 155 back in December. Is that true?
15: That's a lie. That's a lie. Here, here's what happened. Uh, he thinks I called him out like after he fought Prado. Uh, I did post on my Twitter one thing. I would like to fight Phil Davis at some point, which I meant like, you know, like eventually I want to fight him, especially knowing that he's a well ranked. So eventually I want to fight Phil Davis. I didn't say that I want that to be my next fight. I didn't say that I want to, you know, to be like fighting like next month or anything like that. Anyways. Uh, so force got hurt. And, uh, when I found out that fire got hurt, like I just like tested Joseph and Dana, like at the same, same time I told him like, look, I cannot take this fight. Uh, in three weeks notice but if you guys want to make to for uh to match up like Phil against somebody just give him like two months and then I can fight him uh and that was it that was the, the whole thing with the 155 It was me offering myself to fight him like in you know in the near future and uh so uh Phil comes up and says well Vinny got offered to fight at 155 it's like that's a lie you know I offered myself to fight him like you know since he if he didn't find an opponent for 155 and there was never, like, the you know the thing, like, Vinny, you want to take this fight or not? And first, if he had, like, I would say no. I'm not going to take a fight in three in three weeks' notice and weighing, like, two, 245 pounds. There's no way, especially against a guy, like, who's good. Like, you know, he's a, he's a skilled athlete. Uh, I'm not going to take, like, much things away from him, but many things away from him. He's a skilled athlete. But uh, I'm not going to take a fight against a guy who's a really good athlete, who had, like, a full training camp to fight. When I had, like, three weeks and I was completely out of shape would just make no sense to me. It's not to do with, like, running from him. If that was the case, I would not be fighting him now. But uh, I, would, I would just have to make smart decisions for my career. Why haven't you fought since September? Uh, well, uh, I was supposed to fight. I'll, I was trying to fight in December. I was trying to fight in December. And since Joe said there was no fights. there was no fights for December, I just relaxed a little bit. Then I started to help Chael like, on the show. And I had a class to teach at Syndicate MMA. And I was just busy teaching and, like, helping chair on the show. So no fights for me in December. And uh, I wanted to fight in February, but that's when Phil was saying that, you know, he couldn't fight because he had, like, some other plans, family plans. Like, you know, he had to do some charity event, like, uh, out of the country. So he couldn't do it. So that's why I decided to wait for him. I did, at, at that point, I didn't want to find anybody else, you know, because, especially because Phil was already saying that I was running from him. So I was like, well, you know, I might as well just wait for him now and just prove that I'm not running for him and that I can fight him at any time.
3: You know what's interesting about this? And, you know, I joked, you know, troll, whatever, and you called him out. But it seems to me now this is a personal fight for you. The way you're talking, you know, I've had you on the show before. We've talked to you before. You seem fired up. Is, is this personal to you now?
15: It's more for the fact that, you know, that he's using lies to say that, you know, uh, that I didn't want to fight him, like, in you know, a 155. He's, like, he's lying when he's trying to convince himself that he can submit me. Like, he's lying to people when he says that, you know, wrestling it's always going to beat jiu-jitsu. Like, it's just, like, so many things that, you know, if you put it together, it kind of upsets me, makes me want to prove a point. And uh, I think that's why it gets personal. And I don't know if it's going to be personal after the fight, you know, but uh, during the fight, for sure. Uh, I would, like, hope they could have, like, two referees, like, in a cage, you know, because if I get a chance, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop his arm. Uh, I did that against, against Igor. I tapped him out, and I kept holding him. And I think it's gonna—it's not gonna be any different to Phil, you know. If I get him something, I'm gonna hurt him too. Wow. So
3: you're looking—you're looking to break his arm.
15: I'm not saying breaking. I'm just gonna like you know make him feel for a week. Because, like uh, when I fought when I fought Igor. Like uh, I think three hours later, he was still, like putting ice on his elbow. So I think it's not gonna be any different with Phil.
3: But why? Because of what he said about you? Because let's—you started this, right? You were the one that called him out.
15: Well, but I never questioned his skills. Right. You know, when I called him out, it was just because I wanted to fight. And then he starts to question my skills. So, like, you know, it's more for me to prove a point. that He shouldn't be talking, like, so much.
3: So how do you want to finish him? Do you have a specific way that you'd like to submit him?
15: I, I just want to finish him. There's no such a thing as for me like how I want to finish I just want to finish him. And I feel like I have the skills to, to, to do so, you know. Uh, I can get him in a leg lock. I can choke him. I can submit him with an iron bar. I can knock him out. Like, anything can happen. And as far as, like, winning this fight, I don't think I'm, I'm going to win a decision, to be honest. I'm not looking to win a decision. Uh, all my wins is like the ultimate fighter. All my wins is like my professional career. I have all like, been by, by finish. So, like, I, I'm just, that's how I want.
3: Do you prefer submission, though, over a TKO or knockout?
15: Uh, I prefer myself, but I feel like, you know, uh, it's, it's getting to a point if I don't knock somebody out, like, you know, sooner like sooner or later, like, people are going to start to be questioning if I'm, like, involved in, like, my game. So I feel like a, a knockout needs to happen, like, at some time. You know, it could be in this fight, could not, well, who knows. But uh, a knockout has to happen. So, like, you know, it's going to give, like, a little push into my career as far as, like, you know, showing to the fans that I have improved. Like, a lot of people didn't see, like, uh, two of my last three fights for M1 when I, when I knocked some, uh, two guys down. And people never saw this fight, so they don't know that I have, like, you know, got better. And uh, so I think I feel like I need to do that in the UFC. But, but, you know, it doesn't have to be in this fight. And if it is, cool. If not, like, you know, as long as I get a finish, that's what matters. I know you dismissed the rankings
3: before, and I haven't done mine in a while, but I think last time I did them, he was, like, five or six for me. He's only lost once to Rashad Evans, all that stuff. Um, You know what he's done. Do do you feel like he's
15: overrated? Uh, I'm going to spend a little time with this uh, ranking subject. Look, (laughs) uh, uh, there's, there's like, Ryan Bader, right? Uh, Ryan Bader is, like, on the official rankings. He's number nine. Phil is number eight in the official UFC rankings. Who has uh, Ryan Bader beat to be a number nine? He beat Rampage, who was a former champion. He beat Leroy Nog, who's like, you know, he's been number 10. Like, he's been, like, top 10 for the, like you know for a while. Uh, and how can Bader be behind Phil Davis if Phil Davis has never been a champion like, or a former champion like in his career? The only guys that he beat at a top 10 were Leroy which also Bader beat, and I think Bader was way more dominant in that fight than, than Phil was. Um, and... He beat Gustafson when Gustafson was not even wasn't even ranked before. He was like in his second fight in the UFC. He was not even top ten, and that's the two guys that Phil beat like in the top ten. Then he's got like you know top ten uh, at middleweight, which is Brian Stann, which was like you know he became a middleweight top ten like way after fighting Phil. Same thing with Tim Boch. a middleweight who just became like top ten after fighting Phil. So like, how can those ranks don't mean anything. Because, like, you know, how can Phil be, like, ahead of, like, Bader if Bader has, like, better wins in his in his uh, record? Just because Bader has, like, losses and Phil doesn't, it's like Bader just lost to former champions too. He lost to Jones, current champion. Uh, he lost to Machida, and uh, he lost to Tito, even though, like, you know, losing to Tito, like, nowadays, might not be so great. <laughs> yeah. You. But yeah. he's still a still former champion. He's, like, one of the most dominant champions, like, in a division ever. So, like, you know... It, those rankings don't mean anything. And a guy who I really like, uh Glover Texter, he's now number f- I think number four or five in the official rankings. He fought Mauro nada He fought Kyle Kingsbury. And then he fought Rampage, who also better beat. And how can can be a Glover like number four? Yeah. So how can he explain those rankings to me? You know, like well, he's rank- like yeah. almost like the last guy in the ranking and Glover with like less impressive wins, it's number four or five. So it's like those ranks don't mean anything, in real. It's more like you know what people think, like or people like that they, they buy the hype, so they give the numbers, and you know. So that's why, that's why I don't care. Like I'm gonna call like whoever I want to call out. Could then be like you know? I'll be honest with you. Let's say that I feel like after fighting Phil, I'm gonna have better matchup against the guy who's number like 34. I'm gonna be like beating Phil, who's number eight, and I'm gonna call in out like the, the, the number 34. I don't care. You know, I just want to get, like, easy fights. just want to get, like, you know, get matchups for me. So you, you
3: consider this an easy fight?
15: Style-wise, it is. Style-wise, it is. It can it could just go there and, like, you know, have, like, a horrible fight. Uh, like my fight against Mikhail Zayats, I went to the fight, I think it was going to be an easy fight. And I suffered until I got, like, you know, until I got the TKO. But, you know, I was having a horrible fight. So it could happen in this fight, too. But uh, as far as the style goes, I think that's an easy fight.
3: Do you have any idea who your next target will
15: be after this fight? Uh, Not really. You know, I'm just thinking about Phil Davis right now. But, uh, you know, I, of course, like, you know, I have plans. But, uh, no, I don't have names for now.
3: By the way, I don't know how much you follow this show, but we've been doing this competition on the show called uh, Rick's Picks Challenge where uh, one of the guys who works in the back who's actually a fan of yours, I gave him $100, and he had to turn that into $400. He had to bet on fights, and, uh, you know, based on how he did – If he got the four hundred dollars, he would win some kind of prize. And he was down. And the 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 competition ended after one fifty nine. So it ended April twenty eighth, right? And he had hundred and fifteen dollars left with two weeks left. And it came down to, as you just said earlier in the show, it came down to either you know doing a home run shot on Gilbert because he was the underdog, Chael or you. And as of last week, he was thinking about you, but for whatever reason, he went with Gilbert. And we know Gilbert lost. How stupid is he to not bet on you? Because if he would have bet on you with that all that money,
15: he would have won. He would have made that money. Like, uh, here's the thing, too. Like I've told a lot of people, Like even like my, my father-in-law, he's going to be betting on me. I'm going to be putting some money on myself before I leave Vegas, too. <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> How much? You
15: know, I think, How much? I don't know. So like, you know I, I'm not rich, so I cannot put a lot of money. But I'm going to be putting some money on me, for sure. <laughs>
3: Uh, New York Rick is there anything you want to say do you want to apologize to Vinny for not betting on him I don't want to
2: apologize but he was number two
3: he was, was number two I was thinking about not, betting on Vinny you know,
15: to be honest he would have won he would have won uh, the fight again I, think, I thought Gil won I thought Gil yeah. won that fight you know? so like he, he was a good pick he was Thank a good you. pick <laughs> um,
3: so are, have we made up now or do you still consider me a troll or are we, are we good
15: you are but you're, you're cool man like, why, you know, why, why
3: am I it. troll though I'm a journalist I take this seriously
15: I know, but sometimes you just post, like, some, like, interesting stuff, you know, like uh, <laughs> Sola, when he got signed to, like, uh, back to the UFC. Who? Oh, like, when over, like, Bob Sapp, like, got Sola back in the UFC, and I just, like, read, like, sarcasm, like, in the post. Well, there's
3: a difference between sarcasm and trolling, right? I don't try to trick people, but sometimes I have dry humor.
15: Well, but some people might think that Bob Sapp is a monster, you know, like, <laughs> that's
3: trolling. Well, those are the same people who are making those rankings.
15: That's true. That is true, too.
3: Well, keep doing what you're doing, Vinny. I, I, I enjoy it, even though sometimes I think you, you take the trolling a little far. But you know what? I'd rather that than be boring. I'd rather that. I, I, at least you're interesting, and it's great following you on Twitter twitter.com slash Vinny M. You got the fight that you wanted. It's going down on Saturday. I can't wait for it. Vinny Magalesh versus Phil Davis, a huge fight at light heavyweight. Good luck, my man. We'll see you over there.
15: All well, right, thanks, man. i see you there.
3: Okay, there he is. Vinny Magalash, he, he called his shot, and he got it. And good for him. I can't hate on that. He wanted it. He probably never would have gotten it. He asked for it a thousand times. He bombarded Twitter with it. He kept going, 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 and they finally gave in to the point where it seems personal for both of them. It's it's a pretty fun thing to see develop, and on Saturday, they're finally going to get it on. One of the more interesting fights on that main card, uh, as I mentioned, the opening fight of the night is going to be Jim Miller... And uh and Pat Healy not his UFC debut. That's one of the interesting fights as well. Belcher, Bisping, Jones, Chill. It's a solid card in Newark, New Jersey. Now, that's happening this weekend. One of the big stories on Saturday night in San Jose was, of course, the dominance of Team Alpha Male. And uh what did he call it? Men Venitas Shaw. And we interviewed every single one of them from TJ Dillashaw to Joseph Benavidez. To then Chad Mendez, all on the FX prelims, all finishing their fights, all looking impressive, and every single one of them thanked their new head coach over at Team Alpha Male, Dwayne Ban Ludwig, uh, and he joins us right now on the MMA Hour. Dwayne, how are you? Oh, doing good. Well, Thanks
11: for having me out, man. I always love doing your shows.
3: Congratulations, my man. This is, I, I, I tweeted um, on Saturday, is Dwayne Ludwig the best coach in the history of coaches, the greatest coach in the history of coaches. I'm not even talking MMA. What you have done with this team is amazing and how much they respect you and like you and keep thanking you publicly. It's an amazing thing to see. Did you think this would turn around? And let's be honest, they, they, they weren't like losing 10 straight or anything, but it seemed like they were missing something. Did you think this would turn around so quickly? Yes.
11: Yes, I did, actually, because I knew... What I'll watch. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say yes because you're never quite sure what's going to happen until it happens. But I had a strong feeling that it would work out this way because I knew what I had to deal with. I had, you know, world-class athletes, easy play to work with. Um, I just never personally worked with them until I did that first seminar last December. And when I first did that seminar, I seen how open, just how open their minds were. And as athletically gifted as they are, I knew if the simple drills that I do, if I just, you know, plug and play with them that they were going to make some great strides and tighten some things up. But like you said, you know, well, you know, they were very successful without me. So now with me, all I'm trying to do is, or all I'm I'm doing is allowing them or helping allow them reach their full potential of athleticism, especially for the cage. So, you know, I'm getting, I think way more credit than I deserve, but I do deserve some of it, but I definitely love the attention that they're giving me and respecting stuff. And it's, it's deserved, though, too, just the things I do here at the gym as well. I mean, there's a reason why they respect it because of the way I carry I myself and handle some things. And it's not – I have no choice to respect it. But I think you'd be an idiot not to just the way I do things. And they're, they're World out athletes, and I appreciate them respecting me. But it's um, – you're super around me, and the way things happen, you, you would understand why.
3: You're undefeated as, as head coach of Team Alpha Male, Right. Yes, sir. Uh, it, and like I said, it's been amazing. When you got in there, when you saw what was going on, when you saw the talent, and, you know, let's also be clear, since you've taken over, they have yet to fight in, in, in a title fight, and that has sometimes been the problem with them. You know, uh, Mendez yep. got a shot, Faber got some shots, um, Benavidez, of course, got a shot, and they couldn't get over the hump. But when you got there, did you see anything around saying, you guys are doing this differently? Of course, you've obviously helped with their striking overall mindset. And, and putting it all together, but did you notice some glaring issues with the way they were training, preparing for fights?
11: Glaring issues, no. I just tighten some things up and just put some ideas in their head and just allowing them to be their own athletes. Uh, I'm definitely not here to show them how cool I am. I'm here to I'm here for these guys 100%. So when I have a classic like I did today, I had like 30 people in class. I just finished. And they got to make sure that there's specific rounds. There's a couple rounds go to this guy who has a fight coming up. Rounds go to this guy fight coming up. And then there's a whole bunch of overall drills that everyone needs to do anyway, uh, what their style or their opponent, regardless. There's things that need to be done, and we're just doing that, man. The other guys showing up, the other guys putting in the reps. I'm just having, you know, just putting ideas in their head and they figuring things out on their own as well. But it's the answer currently. Nothing glaring. Um, there just a few things. Well, the typical guy it wouldn't be glaring to me. To me, there were some, some glaring things, I guess I should say just because it's the way, the way we train. Like um, what? How they were training and how they're training now. There's types some things up as far as just the, the words they use. It's put the ideas in the head when we're doing specific drills, what to look for, what's going on before, during, and after. Combination strikes, you know, fit in, take down shots, the jiu-jitsu game as well. There's just things that go on before, during, and after, and we're just registering those keys.
3: Can we only truly assess how this experiment or experience or just this, this venture is going until they fight in the title shot. Is that fair? Correct. 100% fair. Okay. So you right now,
11: that's that's, that's the uh, hurdle is that that's that's the the whole thing without me being here. These guys would still win these fights. And would they win them how they're winning them? I don't know, but that's the, that's the true test to see if I can get these guys or, you know, and we get these guys the world title. That's my goal. That's what do you, our goal? What do That's you what's think? Happening.
3: What what has been the problem, in your opinion, based on knowing them now, talking to them in those situations? Why haven't they gotten over that? The, habit, hump?
11: the habits, of, the, the habits of what they're training. Some of the things that that were going on. We've tightened up some things, and and I, I explain it to them. They're like, "Holy shit! Okay, I see it." Yeah. So this, there's a lot of things that happen during training with training partners and sparring. There's a whole there's a whole bunch of little things, and so there wasn't one main thing glaring. it's just. A, a whole bunch of little small things that just need to be tightened up as far as when you do drills. Uh, I guess one, one example, as far as the mental aspect, when you're in the guy's guard, you reach up for his throat, what is he going to do, Ariel? What, what do you think he's going to do? If you're in the guy's guard and you reach for his throat?
3: Well, there's a few things he could do. He could try to hit you, right? Because you're well, opening yourself up. You, but
11: primarily what he'll, what he'll probably try to do is go for the arm bar.
3: Well, yeah, okay, fine.
11: Yeah. So if, if, you, guy, if you, Especially if you
3: leave your arm out hanging the out there.
11: Guard, yeah, exactly. So with that, okay, so if you're in the guy's guard, you leave your arm hanging out there, reach the first throw, he's probably going to go for the armbar. Right. So you know what to expect. So with that in play now, we create a whole bunch of drills and scenarios. Okay. If we do this, he does that. We do this, this, and this. So that's all we're doing. We're just role-playing and just working with typical scenarios, situational goes, and it's per individual. And we do a few for this guy, a few for this guy. Okay, okay, you, you're good at these ten things. But four of them are going to work for your opponent. So let's rep those four a million times. Let's make this work. So that's just this is what I'm doing with them. I'm breaking out footage. I'm making sure this guy's good at this. You know, a few of these things are going to work in this particular fight. Putting them in the reps. Just putting in quality reps.
3: Who are your, uh, like, obviously you're the head coach. Who's the assistant coach? Who, uh, who, who else is on the team here? Who yeah, deserves a credit? a bunch of
11: people that are, that's, that's one of the things too, is um, it's not just me, it's everybody. When I have, like, we're doing specific drills. The guy who's uh, holding the mitts or being the partner, he's now the trainer. While he's the trainer, he needs to look for certain things. Here, here, and here, and here. There's openings here. Look for him. So the whole time we're training, like, if if the guy is holding mitts for the other guy, he's not just holding mitts. He's actually training as well because the guy's throwing strikes at him, basically. So he needs to build what I call the counter-eye, looking for openings before, during, and after strikes and combinations, just making sure that when we're finishing, we're finishing in position. Good, good athletic stamp, opposite side angles and just season. There, there's a whole bunch of little small things like that that I've just been, been adding to their, to their mindset, I guess.
3: Have you noticed a change in their mindset in the last couple? Because this has only yeah. happened for like three, four months, right? Have you noticed a change already? Four months.
11: Correct, yes. What, what, yeah, what kind of I'm change? I'm here to remind them. It's just little things. We're well, them registering the openings, registering the gaps, seeing where the openings are. When the guy jabs, typically the opening is here, here, and here now these guys see that they're seeing this now just because you just got to slow things down striking is so fast we're doing split seconds and fractions of an inch and i always say that so let's slow it down so we can register the gaps and openings now okay i see the the gap openings here and here and here what are you going to do now those are openings how do you want to attack those okay you feel better attacking it like this okay good go ahead and go be your own athlete attack it how you feel you want to attack it but this way might be a little bit better step this way No. uh, face your hips this direction. Make sure you're playing over here. Make sure your hip position is here behind the shoulder. Little things like that are, are just uh, what I'm doing here. Just small little piece of the information.
3: Man, this is it's inspiring just listening to you. I feel like going out there and hitting mitts myself. And I don't know if you know this, but I have oh, some pretty perfect. devastating power in these bad boys right here. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a rumor around town. Who has improved the most since you've been there for Lance the last four Palmer. months? Lance Palmer, really? Lance Palmer, yeah. Re- wow and he's a, so so tell us about him cuz uh, some fans who maybe UFC fans only don't know about him but so, he's a guy climbing the ranks
11: yeah lance palmer he's a division 1 four time all-american wrestler and he just knows how to train and he just and he he's made the, the biggest stride from where he was until now and it, 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 he's just shown up and he's putting in the reps and that's why i'm not quite sure what percentage of the credit goes to i'm giving them the idea that they're running with it i'm just sure kind of overseeing the operations and just kind of just playing director on the movie set, I guess. Um, but, you know, the other guy's putting the reps, but he's making the, the strides, but he's a phenomenal athlete. All these guys are freaking world-class athletes, every one of them. So they have no choice but to get better if they're putting in quality reps and so making sure they're paying attention. They're putting in the quality reps. They're showing up on time. They're respecting each other. And there's a whole bunch of small things like that that take into place as well. There's a lot more. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I can't say a lot more, but now we have a – I think I brought some martial art respect to the academy as well so there's a bunch of small things like that just showing up you know not on time but early make sure you're if you don't have a fight coming up the benavides is in here today helping out like that's just what needs to happen we're all family helping each other out and that's just what has to happen or you just got to make some decisions you know you got to be you're part of the team or you're not you're part of the team you are not fight coming up you're still in here still helping the other guys out that's that's why they've been so successful also they've already been doing things like that and we're continuing to do that just a little bit more
3: how does Master Thong uh mesh with all of this? Cuz I His see Name s- is Tong. Come on, tong- baby, it's Tong. <laughs> well, you know. It what I actually it's, hear uh, people I, like I actually hear people say both ways. Which way is it? Is it Tong? tong. It is Tong, but there's yeah. an h there. It's uh well, it's it's
11: what they have to say. It's name is Tong or Tong Lore, but it's just
3: but tongs, in English, like, okay. You
11: know, you know what? Not pronounced.
3: I wish you could see my computer right now because I just wanted to double check. And then I saw the H and I was like, yes, it is. Tong-. Uh, I, I'm an idiot. Um, no,
11: so the way you pronounce it, Tong or Thong, is up to you. So it's just the whole master thing.
3: Oh, right. Oh, that's the what master, you... Master. Yeah, oh, okay. Right. I remember that's this. I, I, I was like, whoa, yeah. I, I remember, okay, so you don't call him that anymore.
11: No, but it's just, as a, it's just as a joke. I thought maybe he didn't understand the, the language. We talked about this before. Yes, didn't yes, yes. He not understand what it meant, but he does. He just, he's <laughs> just being
3: silly. Um, he's well, just a
11: good dude, man. That guy can hold the mitts.
3: But how does he... Ma- okay, so he's still a part of the team, right?
11: Yeah, he's definitely a part of the team for sure. He's still here. He still has his role. He's, he's a really good mitt holder. The guys flow really well with him. We're keeping that. Okay. to make sure that's still here. Well, I want to make sure that's still here for sure. They already have that good connection. Let's keep I'm not here to change anything. Look how successful they've been. I'm just here to add things, add information, and I'm trying. I'm helping them reach their full potential. I'm, and um, like, like Mike Boche said, you know, we have, like you have the potential, let's say it's, it's a hundred scale. And right now, with what you're doing, you are using 95% of it. Well, I'm I'm here to help them the next 5%, because that's the difference between, you know, St. Pierre and some of these other guys. St. Pierre knows how to tap the 100% potential. Some of them guys just aren't, I don't think they're just doing it. Same thing like Anderson Silva. He has the opportunity to uh, to tap into what's called the zone. Maybe you don't know, hear athletes and people say, I don't know, just in the zone. And then Silva has that ability to tap into the zone at will. And for other athletes, some people they never do that. Some some people it happens. It triggers certain certain scenarios or certain situations will trigger that or it'll just come to them. Anson Silva can tap into that whenever
3: he wants. Do you still have your gym in Colorado?
11: Yes, I have an affiliate system, the Bangwood Thai affiliate system. I turn my gym into affiliate.
3: Okay, my, uh, my assistant coach
11: is uh, running the operation for me. So I have, like, I send out detailed video curriculums to uh, all my affiliates throughout the U.S. And I might have one uh, opening up in uh, Birmingham, in England, and um, right, I send out uh, detailed video curriculums of what combination or what drill to do per round, from warm up to cool down.
3: Um, at this point, considering, I mean, I know we're early into it, but do you think you'll be sticking around in Sacramento for a while?
11: Uh, at least one year for sure. Uh, you know, we did a, a, a one-year deal. We actually sign the contract yet. Yeah, we're still finalizing some things.
3: Okay. But, um, Man, you're in a good position now. I'm if you're still, still finalizing. Yeah,
11: I'm in a good position. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, just gotta, just gotta tighten up some, some ends and make sure we're all on the same page with some, some certain things. And that's happening. These guys are fucking love. Sorry, can I swear? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I have to watch them. Okay, sorry. Um, it just starts flowing. Um, <laughs> these guys are amazing to work with, um, you know, business-wise and athletically. They show up on time, they put on the reps, and, you know, what I ask for is it, it's coming, so it, it's good for sure.
3: At what point did you start to think or believe that you could be a great coach, that you could be up there with uh, the guys we talk about so much in this sport? Was it recently? Was it early on in your career? Is this something you've always wanted to do?
11: Uh, since I was a child.
3: Really? I knew, like,
11: this is just what I am. I, I knew as a child I was going to be a fighter. And I've been coaching people since I was 19 anyway, like I've been doing martial arts since I was eight. I've been coaching people like athletes, pro athletes, pro fighters anyway, since I was 19. So it's just something that I've just been naturally gifted with. Like I And not that I'm, I'm the man or whatever, but it does come to me pretty easy. I pay attention to the detail. I know how to explain the drills to people so that they understand that. You know, it's the same English language, but I can translate it differently in the gym, okay, you know, just to step here, maybe this option is a bit better for you, I just make sure that these people can get the drills down, but again, it's easy because of the level of athletes that are here at this gym.
3: So, as as we sit right now, you've got some, obviously some high-level guys, and uh, the talk of uh, the MMA world as far as this past weekend was, Shaw, Benavidez, Mendez, we focus first on Benavidez and Mendez, how far do you think they are away from going for a title again?
11: I think Chad Mendez, could think yeah, he's a number one contender. I don't know what the actual numbers are, uh, how he ranks, and on, 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 on what poll but it would be a safe bet that he could uh, face Jose Aldo, or, or the winner of the next fight between
3: uh, and beat Aldo him?
11: and uh, Petter. Do
3: you believe he beats him right now?
11: Right now, we need to. Work. I'm never happy with it. With like, okay, there's always improvement. That's Hence the whole master thing, especially with the human rights. Everything is always evolving. You can never be a master of anything. It's mm-hmm. always evolving. So, I just want to make sure that when we do Step in the Cage for that title, that some things are, the gaps are just closer together now. There's smaller gaps, And right now we have a few gaps in some certain areas that need to be closed up. And when they're closed up, we will be wearing the belt.
3: So there were some things on Saturday from these guys that you weren't happy about.
11: Yeah, always. Nah, I would say you're happy, just things that I have. I shouldn't say that, I guess. But uh, um, not, not 100%. Just something we have to fix is all. Tighten some things up. What about yeah, ba- our These guys would be winning these fights anyway without me. But um, you know, and like you know, the main hurdle is, is the belt. If they're not getting the belt. Well, let's get the belt. And there's, there's especially with Uriah, there's three things that we're fixing, and he's going to be wearing the belt 100. percent
3: Wow, what are they? Ah, uh, that's the secret. <laughs> so you, you've you've uh, you've pinpointed them. You know what they are. You've zeroed in on them. Now it's just time to make it yeah. happen.
11: Yeah, put in the reps. How long to take a little bit of rest? Yeah, and then putting uh, put him He was in here today. shadow boxing. They can't. They can't stay out of the gym. Some of you guys got to kick. They got to kick out. But uh, it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to babysit these guys. But um, like especially right, we have three things we have to fix. Not this closes gaps on, on a few things, on three things in particular, a few other things as well. And when he does that, when it's done, he's going to be wearing the belt.
3: What about Benavidez?
11: Benavidez, same. Well, he has one thing that he has to fix. Oh, really? Chad has two
3: Two. what about Dillashaw
11: Dillashaw he has he could he could he's for that kid I could take him to Holland right now and he'd put up fights with some of the top pros 100% in Thai boxing really he's very good in all areas just, there's just a few a few subtle things that he needs to fix as well
3: now how many so, guys I have a number down how many guys do you oversee right now
11: 30, there's been about 30 pro fighters, or 30 fighters, not all pro, sorry, we have about 30 fighters, but my main focus is the top guys.
3: Okay, so are when you,
11: are gym you, or like when I, we have the gym going, whoever has a fight coming up, okay, you have, you have these five guys that fights coming up within a month, okay, I'm focused on those guys a bit more.
3: So are are you going to corner them at fights on local shows as well? If the
11: schedule permits, yes.
3: Okay. And was it was it a benefit to you, or was it a little too much to have three guys fighting that close to each other on the prelims on Saturday?
11: It was the first time I had to do that—three fighters at this level. So it was a bit of a it was a bit of a hurdle, but I had some excellent help. With Justin Buckles, Giff from uh, Nevada was out there as well, so that was awesome to have Giff there—the boxing coach for Benavides, mm-hmm. and he works with Meir and Hardy as well. Uh, that guy is that guy is I love that dude. He knows so much. He has so much information in the fight game to warm the guys up. Like He, he knows what he's doing inside now. I, I love having him there. So it was definitely a blessing to have him there. Tong was there as well, the whole myth. Um, Buckles was there. Lance Palmer was there. Danny Castillo, they were all backstage helping out. So um, it, it worked out. I, I should have delegated the roles a bit better, to be honest, just to make sure we're all on the same page, what exactly we were doing, just so there's no like, hey, you know what am I doing? It just, everyone knows up front when we're sitting in the locker room who's doing what at when. And that's one thing that I'm good at, just structuring and, and organizing things. And uh, that's one of the main things here, too, at the gym, is kind of tighten up some gaps, whether it be you know, martial art-wise and, of course, showing up on time and making sure we're here for each other. And that was a, a good you know, case in point was on Saturday. Yeah, I showed up and they helped. And it, was, it wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be, but it, was, it worked out.
3: And now here's a big question. What about your fighting career? Are you still a fighter?
11: Uh, at heart, that will never leave. But we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, uh, I, we'll see what happens come September when my knee's 100% healthy. It's not healthy. Now. I'm not doing any like my own training. But um, when I'm 100% healthy, I'll make the decision then. But right now, I'm a much happier human being, coaching these guys, living through these guys. I put too much pressure on myself as an athlete. And like I, you know, like I said before, if I had this opportunity to do this a couple of years ago, I would have. As kind of been fighting for the money, although I never made good money. And like even off the last fight, you know, I made enough money to last, or to you know, live on for like about three months. So I'm glad Uriah texted me when he did. As far as being a head trainer at Heroes, I was have to figure something else out. Go back to either being like fishing or. I was going to open up a school my open actually go into that's one thing why it worked out good is I don't want to turn my, my gym in Colorado into a pro gym because we already have established pro gyms that I want to be put in the position of where you train there or you train here or I just want to have any of that going so it worked out best that I move actually and just um, leave my gym as an affiliate and just run it for the pro fighters want to go they can go and the everyday people can go as well so I, I wanted to make sure that we weren't just competing too much
3: is there a chance though you may never fight again
11: Oh yeah, there's definitely a chance that I may, may never fight again. Okay, for sure. Wow, I'm not I'm not the 100 healthy or 100 uh, loving the fight game for for myself. Just the way some certain things went down. What do you mean? Uh, you know, with me being a uh, uh so I just I just wish I had more more money at times. I mean, if I you know, blew my knee out, had a year long injury, blew my knee out, I, I was. I'm glad this job came when it did, basically, to coach these guys and make a living because. I wasn't making enough fighting. And when you're the an athlete and works for, you know, dollar Corporate Corporation and you blow out your knee uh and you have enough money to last for 3 months. I just think there should be I got to be careful what I say of course, but uh I just think the fighters should be looked after a bit better.
3: Okay. So you you don't think they're making enough.
11: Correct. Well, I'm making enough and then um, I don't know if there's like a base salary or some kind of union or something just so that there's a an overseeing force, you know, a third party to kind of help delegate some things. Like a union or something would it, would it be a good position
3: Would you would you be interested In getting involved that in
11: that Probably But I, I want to make sure I just got to be careful I know this is all, You know public and stuff And it was, it was listening to it But and I don't want to piss off the UFC But I, I feel I always be you know, A little bit uh, Upset You know I love the freaking knee I just wish I had some Some more help To be honest But I signed up for You know 100% Like you, you, you're a 1099 You know employee you're, you're a subcontractor So You get hurt That's, that's your deal But if I ran a billion-dollar corporation, and somebody got hurt on my clock, I would take care of them a, a bit better.
3: Uh, medically, with the the, the so my medical bills. Medicals, no,
11: I'm sorry. So, so, so we're clear. My medicals are 100% paid for. Okay, okay, I understand. From uh, surgery to uh, yeah, that's that's 100%. But you know, as a fighter, I, for me. I never made big money. I wasn't the title contention either. So, um, you know, the money I was making is enough. I was I just said fight to fight, and you just get caught up in that. That's why. I just kept fighting for the money. I should have stepped away, you know, while was, my heart wasn't into it as much as it, as it should have been competing against these guys. The injuries just, just add up. I was able to do the same things in the gym that I wanted to do in the cage. Like I had the, the last few fights. I wouldn't. I couldn't fall. Well, I could have, but it, it freaking, it hurt. Like, it hurt to spar the snagging injuries and stuff. So my timing was a bit off in the game that I play. I play a lot of counter games and, you know, looking for the openings. And when you're doing that, your timing has to be dead on. And when it's not, you get caught. And that's what happened with me and, and uh, especially with Hardy. Hmm. I, I can not your, your timing gets off if you don't spar so uh, but I, and then I've taken away stuff from hard so I can't do that but you know just uh, you start moving a bit slower I guess with the injuries build up that's for sure
3: okay two last quick things are, are you making a comfortable living now are you able to live off of what you're doing now
11: I'm I'm uh, I'm staying afloat
3: okay so you, you, yeah you, well hopefully they keep winning some big fights that will change and when will you decide your fighting future
11: I'll uh, we'll come in September when I'm 100% healthy. Okay. But um, yeah, I like I, I'd rather keep this keep this role going. I, I really don't really I don't uh, I don't really have the itch to fight right now. I'm much happier human being. I put too much pressure on myself as a fighter. So just coaching these guys and reviewing videos and just coming here running classes for them and just living through them, I'm I'm much happier. I can I enjoy my life a lot more than I used to. That's for sure, 100%.
3: Well that is very good to hear Dwayne. Uh, congratulations on your early success. Really looking forward to seeing what you could do with these guys. So much potential in that gym. So many potentially uh, champions, you know, potential champions in that gym with, uh, with with a lot of who knows, untapped potential and and, and it seems like you're bringing yeah, that out well, in untapped them. potential. So uh it's been sure. a great it's been great to see you. you did it on a very big stage on Saturday and I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck as this thing goes forward.
11: I appreciate it, Ariel. Thank you sir.
3: All right, there he is. The new head coach. Is he still the new head coach? I guess so, for a few more months over at Team Alpha Male in uh, Sacramento, California. The legend, Dwayne "Ban lugwood He's been around uh, in this sport for so long. He's getting a lot of respect now, a lot of attention, and uh, we appreciate him stopping by very much on the MAR. Okay, one last guest to go. We go back to the Skype machine. There he is. There he is. Dare I say, the most beloved man in MMA. Is that accurate? No. (laughs) By
0: far, I don't want to be the most beloved guy in MMA.
3: You don't? Well, of course, we're talking mm-hmm. to Malky Kawa, manager to the likes of John Jones, Benson Henderson, Carlos Condit, first-round management. Why don't you want to be liked? Everyone wants to be liked.
0: No, I want to be liked, but you make it seem like I'm like the most beloved guy. That's not really a good thing either. I mean, it depends on who it's coming from, I'd, I'd have to say. Do you feel... You know, I want to be the most beloved amongst the fighters, but not really, you know, outside of that.
3: When, you know, every time we talk or I have you on my show or whatever, I always get, oh, Malki, you know, I, I always get this. And you know this, I've told you. Why do people not like you? Why do you think people in the sport do not like you?
0: You know what, Errol? I really don't know, and I really don't care. I, at the end of the day, um, I represent the best fighters in the world. I think I do the best job for my fighters. It shows time and time again. Um, and a lot of people seem to have a problem with it, because I say it all the time. I go out there, and I tell people that. And whether people like to hear it or not, it's just the way I am. And I think people don't like it. I rub people, off, I rub people the wrong way, I guess. So...
3: Are, are you cocky?
0: Say it again? Are you cocky? No, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not cocky at all. I mean, you know, when, when I first got into the business, you know, and I was just working and I started from the very ground level and came up doing this, um, you know, no one ever really heard me say anything other than, you know, one day I'm going to be the best. One day I'm going to, you know, try to revolutionize the sport. One day I'm going to help fighters make way more money than they were making, you know, when I got into it. And I feel like I've been, you know, successful on that path. So it's not that I'm cocky. I'm just very confident, and I set these goals on what I want to do and how I want to do it, and I go and tell the whole world about it, and and I feel like when I open my mouth and say something, I have to back it up no matter what it is with whoever.
3: Have you changed a bit, though, over the years? Because I feel like you were a little more vocal maybe a year or two years ago.
0: No, you know what? I'm a little bit more calculated now. Before, I used to say whatever, and it didn't really matter, you know, what the outcome came from it, and I didn't really – necessarily like a lot of the stuff that came with it so now I'm just a little bit more calculated you know I just say things I need to say when I need to say it but I'm still vocal if I feel like you know there's something I need to say I'll say it you know what I mean I I don't have a problem doing that I I just guess I'm getting smarter with it as time goes on I don't want to affect my clients in any way shape or form you know by saying something that maybe you know that they may take heat for some type of So I, I try my best not to you know get them uh caught up and stuff but I'm still vocal I'll still say it I still think I'm the best manager in this business I don't think number two is even that close um and i think it just goes to show some of the work i've done and i think that that's you know the biggest problem in this business right now for these fighters is the management and the people that's representing them
3: what do you mean by yeah, that why is that why is that a problem
0: I, I you know you know remember the other day there was a fighter he wrote like a blog something saying about how you know he's not gonna stand for the money he's not gonna take a, a deal and that's just the right deal and all that type of stuff yeah, chris camozzi and, uh, yeah right chris camozzi so um when you when you think about it at the end of the day this is this is the doing of managers that for a long time didn't know how to sell their fighters and didn't know how to get the deals done the right way so what ends up happening is that you get a guy like me that comes in and i'm, I'm trying to figure out why it's like this and it's really obvious and it's easy and these fighters have allowed it too to happen 500 bucks here a thousand dollars there and then you know if you say no to that now you're stuck with your guy not having anything so I was proud to see Chris Camosi do that. The problem is, is that the manager, he was what is notorious for being the type of guy that, that, uh, takes the worst ch- deals in the business. So at the end of the day, it's like, you know what I mean? It, it just sucks because then, you know, I go in, here's the worst part about it. When I go in and I talk to a sponsor and they say to me, well, you know, you've got Ben Henderson and we're going to do a deal for him. Uh, we want to do a deal. And then I, you know, I turn around and tell them, all right, cool, let's do it. Well, you know, uh, we're getting Frankie Edgar for one 10th of what you're asking for, bro. We're just going to have to pass. It sucks. It sucks because, I mean, at the end of the day, that just goes to show that, you know, one guy is selling it way cheaper and he's in the same title fight. Or, you know, and it goes on with just everything from top to bottom on these cards. So it's been hard. So, I, you know, there's – there's um, I got a lot of beef with the people in this business, and a lot of, uh, you know, just upset with the way they handle stuff. And, and at the end of the day, the only ones that are being hurt are the fighters. And it's almost like, you know, my fighters now are not starting to get hurt by it because there's just so many fighters in the UFC now that if it's like, all right, well, Malcolm, you're too expensive. You know what I mean? So hell with it. We'll just move on to the next guy. So now my guys, you know, are not getting the same deals like I was doing before. And it's not because of anything. I mean, we're still looking for stuff outside the box. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do a deal. Uh, you guys will probably hear about it by the end of this week or maybe beginning of next week once John's fight is over. Uh, on another deal, that another you know move that I make that I think is gonna really change the way you know this business gets done, and it's gonna really benefit my fighters and the fighters that are with uh, that are with me. And that's just you know some of the things I'm continuing. And that's the reason why I feel like you know, I it's just. I'm not settling for what's in this space. You follow me, and I'm going to keep moving into things and into position to do things um, in a much better and, and, and quicker and more efficient way.
3: This deal—it's for John Jones.
0: No, no, it's not just a deal. It's a deal for all my guys. It's—it's a, it's oh. a deal. Working—I'm working on something where I'm going to—I'm going to be doing business with some people that's going to take care of certain things, and you guys will get—you know—all the all the the uh, information about it in the next couple of days and stuff. But it's another big deal because it's going to—you know—I'm going to add about ten guys to my roster of management and you know the marketing is just going to go through the roof for all the guys and we're constantly going to be doing we're going to be doing a lot of we're going to change the way this business gets done and we're going to change the way uh you know just a lot of those sponsorship level everything just in general
3: it sounds to me like like you're 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 merging with someone if you say you're adding 10 guys to your roster unless you're going out and signing a bunch of new guys in the next day or so
0: you have to wait and find out
3: brother wow well Well, i I can't i can't help but think (laughs) didn't you merge with glenn robinson in the past and that go very poorly
0: yeah, but I'm not making the same mistake twice, bro. This is this is a guy who came into the business with nothing and, you know what I mean, had absolutely zero and a bunch of, you know, it's not even worth talking about. It's just not really worth talking about. Wait, it was, the, it was the, something that I should have known better. Who? The idea sounded good at the time, okay. but the reality of it is, is that it was a mistake on my part. I should have never gotten involved with it. It wasn't something that benefited anybody. Um, you know, when you got two guys that want to be cooks, I guess, too many chefs in the kitchen type of thing, right. it doesn't work. It, just won't, it, it won't work. So I'm not, doing, I'm not making the same mistake twice.
3: How are you with Glenn right now?
0: I don't talk to him. I don't, I'm perfectly all right. I got nothing to say to him. We don't talk. We don't, you know, anything. You yeah. know, I think he's doing a horrible job down there with the Black Zillions, to be honest with you. I think that, you know what I mean, his guys are just kind of like, I, you know, they're mismanaged in a lot of ways. I think that, you know, he's in it for the wrong reasons. And, you know, that's his problem. What do you mean it's by that, his, in
3: it for the wrong reasons?
0: You know, listen, he's 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 one of those guys who's a fanboy of the sport and the reality of it is, is that he's, you know, in it to to I think he's got good intentions. I'm not going to say he's in it for the wrong reasons. I think he has good intentions, but I think he's in it, you know, he's he's a guy that came from another industry making tons and tons of money, and he comes in here and he's, "Oh, I need to do this. We should do that. Pop 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 pop." Half of the stuff he says he's going to do, he didn't do. He had to buy a bunch of companies. That's how he supports a lot of these fighters, and then, you know, he's probably going to probably plan on spinning them off or some sort of big sale to to recoup all his money and go from there. So the yeah, reality of it is, you know, he's, he's cool with these guys. He likes these guys. I just don't see the work really being done the way it should be done. I, you don't see anything about the Black Zillions, other negative press. They lose fights. You know, they go sign Kenny Monday, which is great. They sign this Cuban boxing coach, great. But, again, you know, teams aren't made by just signing a coach here or there. You know, you look at, you know, the alpha male, they should be commended because, um, you know, they've had the same coaches, and then they added a guy that they've known that, they, that they've, you know, that they've uh, interacted with in the past that, that fits, and there's chemistry there. You know what I mean and, and they're able to make more you know improve and now look at the team you know they're on a little bit of a tear um finishing fights with with kos and stuff like that I maybe mean, you no know, they just they just look better and you can see that whereas the other side I'm hope you know hopefully for the, for these fighters that you know the uh the boxing coach and the wrestling coach will do better for them but I just think that you know when you get into stuff and you start paying everybody and you're just spending money left and right you know trying to you know make something out of nothing at the end of the day you, you've got to pay your dues man just like everybody else has and when you don't do that I just don't you know do do you, do you, what are are you, are you really get? Do, do you do
3: you take some enjoyment out of their struggles? Are are you rooting against them?
0: No, at all. You know, one thing I I I learned a long time ago is that you should never ever ever uh, have any type of uh, hate in your heart towards anyone because that karma will come back and bite you in the ass. I want to see them do well. I'm actually pulling for Rashad more than anybody in that entire uh, organization because I think Rashad is the is the one guy that this whole thing was based around, and um. I can tell you that when I was there involved with them, you know, I, I, I had given some suggestions on to how to handle the whole John Jones, Rashad Evans thing. And, and I, I really believe that if, if they would have listened to me, that Rashad would be in a much different situation right now. And again, it's just so, you know, solely in my opinion. What did you um, say?
3: What, I, what was your suggestion?
0: When John won the belt and, um, you know, I, and I analyzed the situation and they were just talking about, you know, Rashad doing super fights at 205, whatever that meant at the time. You know, I actually suggested to Glenn, you know, why don't you try to convince him to drop to 85 back then? You know what I mean? He would be the world champ at 85. We would have stayed probably together. And, you know, you would have had an 85 champ and a 205 champ. I really honestly believe that Rashad Evans, up until this last loss to Little Nod, you know what I mean, had to be in the top five pound-for-pound fight list anywhere that you guys had out there. And and my reason being is he only lost to Machida in in a title fight where he got knocked out and to John Jones up until that point. Everything else, he's either won or one draw. And then he ended up, you know, getting that draw back when, when he fought Tito again. So the reality of it is, is that this is a guy who's got 20-some-plus wins, you know what I mean, been in the UFC for a while, um, has, you know, won all his fight, beat Rampage, When you know, it, it, just so much things that this guy has accomplished. Was the world champ, you know what I mean? Um, he knocks out Chuck Liddell. He just did a lot of fantastic things. And I really believe that at that time, had he dropped to 85 and challenged Anderson for the belt, what you saw Chael do to Anderson, I think Rashad would have finished the job. That's just you know my personal opinion. It's something that I saw way before Chael fought him. You know what I mean? It's something that I you know that I said that they should do. And then you know of course at that point everything unraveled and you know it was all types of other stuff going on and you know me and Rashad fell out. But to be honest with you, I do want to see them do well. I want to see Rashad do very well. Um, I think he's a he's a he's a great fighter and you know I uh, you know I wish him nothing but the best um, to all the fighters. To be honest with you, all of those guys down I mean, there. A lot of them have got relationships. I like Vitor a lot. You know he's he's a uh, Every time I see him, you know, we always shoot the shit and we have a good time. So I like him a lot. I mean, some of the guys I, I, I don't care for, you know, um, at the end of the day, if they win or lose, it, you know, they don't bother. It doesn't bother me. But I, I want to see them all do well. I don't really care. It just, it's just kind of in a way it just serves him right because this is what he gets because, you know what I mean, it's, just, it's the blueprint of what he does. He went and bought Jocko, and then he decided to get rid of the guy who owned Jocko. You know what I mean? It's, it's just that's Glenn Robinson. So I got no beef with the fighters, man, or any of those coaches or anything that they do there. I don't have no beef with Glenn either. If they win, they win. If they don't, they don't. That's not you know, up to me. That's up to them and, and what they do. But, you know.
3: You know, you were, you were mentioning the sponsorships and you are saying, you know, I'm going to go to this guy and ask for this much for Benson Henderson. And they'll come back and say, well, you know, Frankie Edgar is asking for this much. Was that an example? I have to ask because, you know, I, 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 you know we, we've known that you had issues with Frankie's manager in the past. Were, were you, was that a specific example or was that just a hypothetical?
0: It was a specific example, but me and Ali are cool. Bro, I don't got I don't got no beef with him either. It's not anything of his. I'm talking role, about I, I, uh, you know,
3: our good pal Ali Abdelaziz, right?
0: No, uh, he's listen yeah. We we we. It's a specific example. I can go down the list, bro. I, I I don't think there's one been one situation where a fighter of mine. Um, I've been able to go in and say hey, I got unless it's a Facebook, or you know, a guy that just got to the UFC type of deal. Um, I don't think there's any guy that I've ever had in any situation where a, manager, a sponsor has been knocking on my door down because the price I gave them has been the best uh, possible. So it's not a knock on him. It's just that the culture in this industry is like that. You know what I mean? Guys are not realizing that people, when they're on Fox or when they're in pay-per-view events, that, that if people wanted to advertise, let's, for example, on Fox, a 30-second ad would cost them X, Y, Z. So just because you don't like my fighter doesn't mean that you shouldn't do a sponsorship with them. Therefore, when you go to sell this stuff, you have gotta sell it. You gotta look at the discount you're giving people already. So if I say to somebody, "Hey, I want twenty-five grand for somebody head to toe," and they're like, "Oh, hell with that," someone sos taking it for seven thousand, it's real. It's, they're not making that up to try to bring me down. I just, I'll pass on the deal. And they'll be like, "Okay, cool. Have a nice day. Love your fighter, but we just won't do business." Then they'll hate me. They'll, you know, oh, I hate Malky. He's an asshole. He will never do deals with us. But the reality of it is, is that I, I find myself having to pass way more often than taking deals because they just, they just don't make sense. But when you know the whole industry is like that, then I understand why. I'm the one then who doesn't make sense. You follow me? Yeah. And that's where the problem is. So it's not anything with one, any one particular manager. I think it's just a, the group as, as a general has allowed, you know what I mean, because this guy says, hey, well, I'll get this guy for two grand. Well, you know, we have to go back to our fighters and show them something. You know, the good thing is, and the lucky part where I come in is that every single fighter I meet with, I tell them, you have to be ready to walk out to that octagon with zero sponsors if you want me to manage you. And they all look at me like crazy at first. I'm like, because I will not do it. I remember Misha coming to me with, uh, with a particular sponsor. She's like, hey, they want to trade me this and that. And the other. I said, no. And she was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, I, I could just take it and maybe, you know, we, we could sell it and, and-, and get one. Uh, Misha, we're not doing that. And she was like, all right, cool. And she gets it and she understands it. She's like, if you go out there with two or three sponsors, it's better than having six that are going to pay the same thing anyway. But then now you've got six sponsors that you got obligations to. You've got to, you know, uh, talk about them. You know, it's just not, it just doesn't make sense So. A lot of them, they understand it. They may not be sponsored up and down. I don't really like doing that anyway, but it's just one of those situations where, uh, you know, I think little by little, you know, I'm going to keep making moves where I'm going to change the way this thing gets done, at least for my fighters. So if somebody's going to want to sponsor my guys, it's going to be different. It's it's not going to just be, you know what I mean? Hey, we're going to do this patch for 500 bucks or a thousand dollars. I'm not, I'm not doing it.
3: You know, we were just talking to Dwayne Love. And by the way, I'm happy to hear that you and Ali are cool. So that's. That's nice that's a nice story there. That's a nice ending to that story. Do you wanna talk about what happened there in Denver or do you not wanna to... the...
0: The... the story is not
3: over. Oh. The story is not over. What? Just yes, we're
0: cool because you know, he's the matchmaker of World Series of Fighting. He reached out to me. We you know we talked oh, about really I mean, okay. touch the subject and, you know did we still gotta we still gotta figure that subject out. It's not over did yet. Did you but, really get into you
3: know, a fight with him up. at UFC one fifty? What happened here?
0: Well he sucker punched me. Let's just be real. What happened was I had my hands in my pockets, he said something, I turned around. I said something and it was, I congratulated him on on the fight. I said to him, listen, don't be upset with me over the fact that the judges, you know, called it this way. I think Frankie's a fucking tremendous fighter. He's a great guy. You know what I mean? And you should be proud of him. He said, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. And as I was walking away, I'm like, bro, there's no reason to be an asshole about it. And he goes, what'd you say? And as I turned around, I said, you know, there's no reason to be an asshole about it. And my hands were in my pockets and he took a swing and Dana's bodyguard grabbed me before I could do anything after that. And that was really the end of the story. I didn't get dropped. I didn't get knocked out. There was none of that bullshit that everybody tried to blow it out of proportion. Nothing happened to me. You know what I mean? He caught me. He swung on me. He hit me dead in the face. I give it to him. It didn't do anything to me. And I just was like, and I got grabbed. And then at that point, you know, Dana came out and screamed at everyone and knocked the shit off. And, you know what I mean? I just, all right, you know what? Just leave it alone. That was it. What is your relationship
3: like with Dana and Lorenzo these days?
0: Uh, The same as always. I mean, it's professional. It's cool. Me and Dana are cooler, cooler than, you know, me and Lorenzo, for example. But, you know, nothing bad. Me and Lorenzo are cool. Everybody's cool. I mean, we see each other. Everybody talks. We're all good. But, I, you know, I've got a, a more of a working relationship with, with, uh, with Dana more than anybody else.
3: So I was mentioning earlier, Bang said on our show that, you know, he would like, you know, he was talking about unions and the guys getting more money. I don't know if you were on hold for all of that. But do you agree with that? Do you think that the, the fighters should be taken care of better unions? Do you think they should band together? This has been talked about a lot in our sport, yet nothing really happens. Are you in favor of something like this, or do you think it, it wouldn't help the fighters?
0: It depends on what fighters you're talking about. The fighters towards the top... Of the, uh, of the food chain, it's not going to help them. Why not? I mean, the guys, because they're you've got to remember, um, reality is that most unions, when they come into places remember, I did this in football. So in football, there's a union, so I understand how it worked. They charge a certain percentage of the guys as contracts. So, for example, if a union was formed tomorrow, guys on my roster like uh, Frank Mir, John Jones, Carlos Condit, Ben Henderson, aren't really going to benefit from a, a lot of the stuff that these guys are going to try and go get, you know, to collectively bargain with the UFC guys, you know, the ones that will probably see more of a, uh, see more of a uh, improvement will probably be guys on the middle level of the card. The, low, the guys on the very lower end of the pay scale are usually there because, you know, at that pay level because nobody knows who they are. So they're, and they're still getting paid higher than everywhere else that, that there is out there. So it's not like you're going to get a guy coming from, you know, 1FC and, oh, I used to make more money, so I'm I'm just going to stay there. Very rare cases does that happen. You know what I mean? Um, But also, you got to understand, like, you know, some of these guys, if you, you know, a lot of people I always heard about, because in boxing and boxing, when you really compare a boxing card to an MMA card, (coughs) outside of, like, the big, big, biggest names, and there's a huge difference between our biggest names and their biggest names, you know what I mean? We actually, as, as a collective, you know, as a whole entire industry, are making more money than the average boxer. I just had one the other day came to me. He asked me to manage him. He's 21 and, and one. He's getting ready to fight for his first HBO card in the next two months and stuff. And he's making 30 grand for the fight. Hmm. I don't have a fighter on my roster. That's got 21 and one record. That's making 30 grand for anything, not even an appearance, but that's the most he's ever going to make in his, in, so far in his, his young careers at this point, um, his next fight after if he wins, you know, he'll be in the top five, you know, we'll probably be uh, six figures, but you know, from my experiences with the UFC, and from what Dana and Lorenzo do is that every one of the guys, and again, I'm speaking for my roster, when they're on the upper upper level or they're fighting you know, in these big fights, are getting paid very, very well. What you guys see reported is not what's going on. You know what I mean? And it's, so it's it's kind of a, a tricky question because, you know, it depends on who you're really trying to um, help with getting a union. At the end of the day, again, let's, let me go back to it. The reason why that talk of union and all that stuff is going on is because these managers are not doing their jobs when it comes to you know, working with the UFC as well. They call, hey, I want need this guy to take a fight. I need him to take a fight, you know, uh, right now, and it's going to be for 10 and 10. Okay, cool, sure, no problem. They call their fighter, and it's like, fuck, I'm only getting 10 and 10. You know what I mean? So what's going to happen is, and what I'm trying to explain to you is that when a union, what you do is you end up getting a guy to go in there and negotiate with Dana Lorenzo on behalf of everybody. And they're going to set certain standards. So, what are you really going to get out of it at the end of the day? You understand where I'm coming from? I mean, there's only so much room that you can really work towards. So, the guys that are negotiating the best deals are the ones that are getting the best deals for their for their for their clients. And that's why you'll see sometimes where you'll see a guy making seventy five thousand dollars and another guy making fifteen, and they're on the same level as far as being in the UFC or being in a big fight and all that type of stuff. And you can just tell that's an issue where sometimes the managers didn't do you know his job, or it could be where they've got some other you know. Uh, Type of deal going on, so we we not, you never really know, you know what I mean. So that's that's the reason why. And and again, so there's pros and cons to it. I just think that at the end of the day, you know, when everybody screams and yells, oh, we should have this and we should have that, the reality of it is, is that it's not going to change the way managers operate. It's not going to change the way the UFC operates. It might give us some standards to go by, um, but the bad managers will still make bad deals, and the good ones will still make good deals. So at the end of the day, you know what I mean. It is what it is. I'm lucky because I have a good and broad base of guys. So I kind of, in my own way, have my own little union. You follow what I'm saying? I know what each of my guys is making. I know what they made before. I know why they were in a deal that they were in. I understand, you know, all these type of stuff. And that's why you always find me asking questions about other guys. Not because I always want to get them. I just want to know what they have because the information is really where the power comes in. So if you've got, you know, you can make cases with the UFC where you say, hey, this guy's getting this and my guy's getting that. And Here's the reasons why. and Here's all the data to, to support it. You'll, you'll end up getting what you need to get.
3: Are you are you against. going into boxing?
0: I don't know. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. I I, I don't know why, but in the last uh, two weeks, I've been approached by two top 10 guys who who've asked me to manage. What's your names? Uh, one kid's name is Joey Hernandez. He fights here out of Miami. He's, he's uh, uh, a 154-pounder. I don't even know how the weights in boxing work. This is the issue with me in boxing. I'm trying to educate myself on it. So he's asked me to, to come in and, and manage his, uh, his career. He signed the Don King Promotions. You know what I mean? And he's, he's fighting for his first uh, fight on HBO in the next two months. And then there's a kid... Uh, named Junier uh, Dorticos, who's uh, a, cr- a cruiserweight, which is a light heavyweight, I guess, uh, for for uh, boxing. Mm-hmm. And he's 14-0, 14 knockouts. He's one of the four Cubans that came from Cuba. Um, I think he's an Olympian, if I'm not mistaken. And the kid, you know, has been fighting on, uh, on, on Showtime and all this other stuff. And he's, you know, they, they say he's ready to go to the next level. And he came to me and asked me to see if I can, you know, sit there and manage him. But the reality of it is that I don't know the boxing game the way I should. And for me to really get into boxing... I'd have to still do more uh, research and study it a little bit more before I, I just took somebody on. What's I don't want to hurt the kid by just saying, hey, I signed this kid. You right. know what I mean? It's got to be something that makes sense.
3: What's your take on all this uh, talk that Jon Jones isn't promoting um, UFC 159? And I don't know if you heard the conference call earlier, but it was a little bizarre. It was like Chael was giving him props, and there wasn't the heat that maybe some were expecting because Chael was involved. I mean, wh- wh- how do you feel Jon has done in, 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 in the build up to this fight?
0: Well, I think John has done phenomenal. I think the thing is that people don't understand is that what John doesn't want to do is, is, is make this more of a circus, you know, make it more of Chael's circus. Because at the end of the day, all it is is Chael talking, 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 all this, you know, uh, I mean, things that just don't make sense. And John's not going to go buying into it, you know what I mean, to, to consider that promoting. John's done promoting it that way. He's going to promote it with the fact that he's already said. And, and, and you guys can go back and, and, and Dana's said this and a lot of people, he said it to me. All right. He's never wanted. He's never gone into a cage wanting to hurt somebody the way he wants to hurt Chill. Why does he, he go? Why, why
3: does he dislike him so much? You've talked to him personally. Why is there a beef there?
0: I don't think that he dislikes him like that. I just think that, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think John's very motivated. You know, this is an opportunity for him to tie the record uh, Tito's record. It's one more fight before him breaking the record. I think he's just, you know, uh, Chael just says things and and, and you know, he's got to deal with it every day. And John's the type of guy that if you say things or you do things to where he's got to start dealing with it, you know, from the media and fans and all that type of stuff, it just amps him up and motivates him. So he's, in his own way, he's promoted this fight because he's letting people know, listen, that good guy stuff and, and the new friendly stuff that you saw on the show, it's not the case right now. The fact that, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not going to talk is because I'm going to hurt this guy when we get in the cage. I'm. Gonna, he said it many times. I'm going to finish this fight in a devastating fashion. And, and... You know, this is not promotion by Josh. It's not hype, in other words. But that's the way he's telling, he's promoting it. He's telling you guys, I am gonna finish this fight in a devastating fashion. I mean, that's all you gotta listen to. He's serious. He's dead serious about this fight. He's He's worked hard as ever. I mean,
3: what is going on there? Come on. Are people calling you about but the fight he, now? Uh, uh, I know you're busy. Uh, just a few more yeah, minutes it, left. By the way, so so he says, okay, he wants to tie the record. That would be Saturday. Break the record in November. Then he wants to talk about super fights and heavyweight fights. What is he talking about there? Well, what's what's the scoop?
0: What he just said. He wants to tie the record now. Yeah. He wants to break the record sometime this year. And then
3: he's done then as he's a light just... heavyweight? He wants to drop the belt and go up?
0: Mm, I, he didn't say that. I'm not saying that. I don't know if that's what he wants to do. That's That's not what, you know...
3: So November? Does he mean? Is he shoot? Like, what would be November? Uh, MSG? Is that what he's talking about? Because they've talked about Anderson versus John Jones' twentieth anniversary show. That would be, that wouldn't be for the belt, I would presume. Don't give me that smile. Come on. I'm just
0: saying. I'm giving you a real smile. I'm just laughing at you because you guys are like, oh, he said. He said what he said. He said he wants to break this belt now. He wants to tie it. You know, break the record by November. And yeah. then he's going to entertain super fights. So, what's the super fight you guys want him to see? In? You want him to fight Kane? You want him to fight Anderson? You guys want him to fight George St. Pierre, Ben Henderson? I mean, make up the super fight. <laughs> Start saying that. I mean, you guys take everything and run with it. Does the because UFC John's is, is UFC on board? I think here's the thing with, with John. John wants to break this record first. This is the goal he set. Once he breaks that record, then after that, he's going to entertain everything else. Okay. Does that mean he's going to go to heavyweight? I don't know that. I, I, you know, you, you got to realize. Let, let me. Try to break it down. George St. Pierre hasn't gone to 185 exactly because he said it many times. I have to put the weight on. I've got to, you know, develop that strength, and I've got to go up there in a weight so he doesn't lose. I'm not going to sit here and tell John, all right, buddy, we broke the record in November. Great. So how about February? We just go ahead and fight, you know what I mean, Alistair Overeem. Why don't we just go fight him? It's, it's not, you know, that's not the way it works. John's got to obviously continue to add muscle. He's got to put on some more weight. You know what I mean? And he's got to get to a point where he's comfortable being at 235, 240, you know, solid lean muscle. Um before he makes a move to heavyweight. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, John would be open to taking fights here and there and doing different things. And, and whether that means he fights, you know, uh, anybody, any other of the champions or, or somebody at heavyweight or whatever, it's something that we'll just have to take, you know, uh, as a case-by-case basis and, and when, when the time comes. But right now, you know, that's one thing people don't really get about him is that he's very goal-oriented. So when you see his Twitter he says stuff that sounds kind of like, you know, off the wall or crazy or whatever, it really is a goal. It's his vision board. It's the way he mentally prepares for everything that he has around him. Uh,
3: Benson Henderson, did he deserve to win on Saturday?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt.
3: Are you surprised that the UFC is doing Maynard Grant winner against Benson next? Were you expecting that?
0: No, I wasn't expecting it, but it doesn't surprise me. You know, the UFC will do whatever they think is best. You, you know, don't... Listen, you never know. You know what I mean? You never know. Gil, Gil might start, you know, getting some support behind him to get a rematch. I don't know. You know what I mean? Who knows? Ben might wake up tomorrow and and, and, and tell me, hey, you know these fans are driving me crazy. Or he can say, you know what, I'm thinking about it. Let's just give the guy a rematch, and then you never know how it goes. So I don't know. I, look, I think he won that fight. That fight, I, you know, Dana had that fight. You know, scored for him. Most people that I've spoken to um, that are not biased one way or another said that you know uh, Ben won. And I got a lot of guys who told me that 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 uh, that Gilbert won. You know, a lot of respect for Gilbert. I think out of everybody, you know, um, in that team, he's he's the he's the most professional. Is the coolest one. He came over. It's like, hey man, you know, good job. Congratulations to him. And, and I think you know what he said in the. And the post-fight press conference was, uh, was very classy of him. You know, he said, look, man, it is what it is. He's a stud. And, um, you know, I just got to go back and watch the fight. And, you know, I have had a chance to go back and watch it. And, you know, I think one of the biggest issues here is that, that you know, I, when I score these fights and when I look at it, you know, I look at did, did, did he beat the champ to become the champ? You know what I mean? Did, did he? And I, I can't say yes to that. Um, was it very close? I think there was rounds where you could have said it could have went either way. Um, but I definitely think two, three, and four went to Ben. And I think you could toss up the other two, either which way.
3: What's next for Carlos Condit?
0: A couple of different things. I don't know yet. We're, we're, you know, he wants to work on his wrestling right now and, you know, get better at that. So that's that's what he's doing right now. So as soon as, you know, he feels like he's ready, um, you know, the UFC's got some ideas. We, we, you know, they've tossed around some stuff. And, um, you know, I, I'm hoping to get him some big fights is really what it is. I want to get him in some of the biggest fights that are out there. What so they, who knows? What are, Maybe
3: we can. What have they tossed around?
0: Uh, certain fights that you know, I don't want to really say anything right now, but I can tell you one that I'd like to see again um, is, is him and Nick Diaz one more time. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that one go. Ahead. I just think that that you know that might be enough to get Nick to come out of retirement. Who knows? But I'd like to see them fight one more time. I think you know uh, uh, Carlos you know might want to take that fight. I don't know. This is just me saying you know I'd like to see him fight that fight. But there's always that Martin Kempin fight you know where he lost it the one time, so you can get that uh, W back. There's there's a couple fights out there I think that, that he still has. There's a lot of. 170 is starting to get, you know, interesting again. So, we'll see.
3: What about Misha Tate?
0: Misha Tate. Well, you know what? We're going to work to get her back in the ring uh, real soon, in the cage real soon. I, in the cage. I keep saying ring. I, I, we'll get, I'm get. i working with Sean Shelby. You know, they've been busy since her fight. He's at that fight last week, and then they got the fight this week. Mm-hmm. So, I'll see them this week, and we'll talk about it. But, you know, she's... Uh, you know, I think she's, she's suspended a little bit for her nose. Once that gets taken care of, you know, I'll, you know we'll, we'll see what's going on. But I think that, you know what I mean? She... Uh, I thought she did very well in that fight, just so everybody knows. Kat Zingano, you know, is a good fighter. She's really good. But Misha, I thought, did really, really well. It was sad to see that, you know what I mean? She was up on on, on their cards, 2-0, going into that third round, and she had that fight. So we'll see. Okay, well, last, I don't know what's next. Yet.
3: Last one, Frank Mir. Obviously, he fought on Saturday. Where do you think he goes from here?
0: Well, here's the thing. Speaking to Greg and speaking to Frank, Greg said to me, you know, he asked me, he's like, how many fights do you think, you know, Frank had left or years do you think Frank had left? And when I I looked at him, I thought, you know what, He probably got a year left, maybe. Really? Maybe two, three fights left. Okay. That's what I thought, personally. You know what I mean? That's what Mm -hmm. I said. And Greg said to me that um, Frank actually improved tremendously from the moment he got there to the moment that, you know, he left there. And he was, you know, there for the entire camp um, up until the week of the fight. So he said he's improved enough. He said for him to get the actual maximum, you know, uh, and best Frank Mir, he probably needs another, you know, by the second or third fight of him training with Jackson's, he'll have the best Frank Mir. So mm. in my opinion, you know what I mean? And then he tells me, and he says, you're wrong. Frank will probably fight for another two or three years, you know, training with me because they've completely changed the way he trains. They've t- taught him uh, some stuff. You know, you, the, the, the thing that sucks is that Frank didn't really get to show it and he didn't have a, a, a good night against Cormier. But I really believe that what we're going to see from Frank in the next two or three fights is going to be so a, a completely different Frank Mir, a more confident Frank Mir. Um, you saw how in, in what great shape he was in. So I think he's going to be, you know, uh, in good shape all the time now. I think he's going to be a better fighter. I think he's going to be better all around. And I think that, you know, we're going to look to get him. Uh, I want to get him back in the cage ASAP. He took no damage in the fight. So I'd like to see if, you know, Joe can fl- uh, flip something around for him to fight somebody uh, fast, get him a win, and then, you know, get him right back in there to fight somebody in the top 10 again and see if we can push for this title one last time, especially when, you know, uh, Greg feels like he's peaking.
3: Does Malkikawa poach talent from other managers?
0: <laughs> Why are you asking me that? I'm does Ariel, Ariel Homani pay for his stories?
3: No. So I just want to know. You asked me, I said no. Do you? Okay. Well, because, you know, people have said that.
0: Listen, but define poaching to me. Let me understand it.
3: If someone signed to another manager, right, mm-hmm. you come up and say, hey, I'll give you this, that, and that. Come with me. That's poaching. Have you well, number one,
0: number one, I don't give anybody anything.
3: Well, whatever. So I that's, mean, that's like you, you give them the pitch
0: pitch do i give them the pitch yeah yeah i probably do i probably give a lot of guys the pitch listen let me be honest with you, you poached a how? lot of the fighters out there, most most of the time i'm gonna tell you 98 of the time um fighters approach me about representing them while they're under contract or not that's 98 of the time um so literally nine out of ten guys will come up to me they'll always be that one guy that i'll run into being an elevator with or whatever and then i'll ask are you you know you, you managed by somebody yes i am are you happy and depending on that answer, if they say that they're happy, I leave it alone. I'm not really going to start pitching somebody. So you don't go happy. like,
3: oh, this guy, Fighter X, is a huge star. I think he's going to be a big star. I don't care who he's managed by. I'm going to sit down with him. I'm going to go take him out for dinner or whatever, and I'm going to get him on my team. You don't zero in on guys.
0: No, it doesn't work like that. I'm not, I don't do that with, um, with just any fighter represented by just any guy. There's a lot of managers in this business I do respect. And I'm not gonna, you know, sit there and mess with their guys. You know what I mean? I would never touch their guys. But there's certain guys that you know that are just, you know, I feel like I'm doing some guys a fucking favor, to be honest with you, because their manager sucks with them bad. <laughs> so that's the reality of it. That's the truth. I'm not trying to poach anybody from anybody that's good. You don't see me going after fucking, uh, you know, Ed Suarez's guys. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to poach Anderson Silva or this guy and that guy. But now I will tell you, I respect Ed Suarez to death. I think he's a good dude. Me and him, are, you know, are cool. But if, if Anderson Silva picked up the phone and said, "Hey, you know, Mark, I'm thinking about, you know, changing management." I'm not going to be like, oh, well, shit, I can't talk to you because you got a contract or some shit. That's just not the way I would do it. At the end of the day, you know, my, my business is to, is to represent fighters, and that's what I do. And listen, Arrow, it's no secret. My fighters, my fighters, all right, are under a contract where they can cancel at any time they want. So if you think that these managers are not doing it to my guys, especially with the guys I represent, then you guys are out of your mind. The only difference is, is that, you know what I mean, I'm the one that everybody sees and I hear, you know, they hear me and all this stuff, so it's, all oh, he's an asshole, he's a, he's a jerk, but if you think that guys are not approaching my guys – being offered money, uh, all types of perks and stuff that I don't do. So you, I never signed. Not John Jones, not a Ben Henderson. There's not one guy that I've ever gone and said, "Hey, I'm going to give you X, Y, Z amount of money to come sign with me." But my guys constantly get offered that. A bunch of them do, and that's where you know that's why when I tell people I'm the best at what I do, it's because I'm not giving guys fifty thousand dollars to sign with me or ten thousand dollars. I'm not giving you a Jocko deal the day you sign with me. You know what I mean? For three thousand a month, just because I'm your manager. It's just, it, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? I'm actually going out and working to get these guys deals. And if they're not happy with me, they can leave whenever they want. So what you guys, you know, when people sit there and see me with a guy for two, three, four years, it's because I've done the job. I've done the work. You know what I mean? There's there's no secret behind it. There's no, you know, 10 year contract. I don't have anybody in a binding, you know, 50 year agreement. There's none of that type of stuff going on. So if I'm in an elevator with a guy, and he's sitting there, and I know who he is, and he's a good fighter, and I'll ask him. I mean, I've done it 100 times, and they've done it to me 100 times. So any manager sits there and tells you, oh, he's a scumbag, and this, that, and the other, fuck them. They're the same shit. At the end of the day, they do the same exact bullshit, and it's, 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 it's done, been done to me 100 times. The difference is is that when I actually go after these guys, I get them. So that's the thing. I don't really go poaching you know, these, the, the, these, these fighters. Because if I did, I'd sign 20 more guys all day. I, I don't want to represent every guy. I, I don't have enough hours in the day to do it. It's a lot of work, and it's a lot of time, and it's not effective to have, you know, 50, 60 guys. So the only good thing is that my brother's on board with me, and me and my brother are almost identical. He's just a little calmer, you know, younger (laughs) version of me. So, you know, he's probably going to, you know, go grab 10 or 15 guys in the next couple weeks. I already told you there's about 10 guys coming on board with us. And when you find out, you guys are going to be, you know, very, very shocked. But like I said, it's, you know, I feel like I'm the best at what I do because of the way I do it. I've got, you know, my contracts are set up the way they're set up. My money is, is put where my mouth is. i got to go out and perform every day. Any one of my guys can leave me any day with no type of, you know, uh, lawsuit, no problem, no anything. It, it just is what it is. It's the way we've set it up since day one.
3: Lord have mercy on our souls. There's another kawa in uh, the world of mixed martial arts. That should be very hey, interesting. Hey, listen, and he's
0: better than me. Oh, this wow. Listen, Ariel, he's yes. better than me. Okay. He's better All than right. me. He's the only guy, I'll tell you, but i got I got to get him there. So once he gets there and he's better than me, then you guys will have him on the show more than me, so...
3: Always appreciate the insight. Good luck this weekend, John Jones versus Chael Sonnen. Thank you very much, Malki.
0: Thank you for having me on. I appreciate
3: it. There he is. Malki Kawa first-round management, as I mentioned, managed the likes of uh, Misha Tate, Frank Mir, Benson Henderson, of course, the UFC light heavyweight champion, Johnny Bones Jones. All right, we got uh, three things to get to before we uh, say goodbye for this week. We're going to look at your pictures. I- I've been really looking forward to these. I saw a couple of them, the big country poses, um, and we've got a great prize for that. We're going to take some questions. Uh, but first, let us go to the phone lines. And on line number one, I believe from the peg, from Winnipeg, is our boy Mike Tyson, right? Are you there, Mike?
13: I'm here. How's it going? Good, you?
3: I always mispronounce your name. It's not Tyson. I say that as a joke now. It's Thyson?
13: It's actually Tyson.
3: Tyson, like... I'm uh going with the Tyson. Like Tiffany Amber, right?
13: Yes, Exactly.
3: What's on your mind?
13: Uh, I'm calling because I want to make sure that you're not going to do something crazy and get rid of Rick's pick.
3: Oh, God. You know, I, I, I figured I, there had to be something weird about why he was so adamant. He kept writing to me on Gmail. Don't forget, we have another caller. We have a caller. It seemed fishy. Why do you yeah, want it? Why? why what, 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 what do you get think, out of it?
13: Well, for me, it's it's my favorite segment in the show.
3: Favorite segment I in mean, the show? Was... <laughs>
13: I was a fan before, before Rich picked, but it, it got better after. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and I like your idea that you had uh, with, with him losing the challenge. Oh. About going up against uh, someone else, and I wanted to do it.
3: Wait, wait, wait. Now it's, it sounds like, it sounds to me like you are, you want to take his spot. You don't really like him.
13: I, I want to go up, I'll, I want to challenge him. I want to go up against him.
3: You want to go up against him. Yeah. New York, Rick, are you there? I'm here. What, what does this mean to you? This man wants to go up against you. What does that mean to you?
2: I don't take it as an affront. I think that, you know, there's there's plenty of people that want the crown.
3: Um, <laughs> well, which crown? Who's wearing this crown right now? Me, currently. The, the, well, for what? For losing? Are you one of those guys who's in favor of, like, every kid gets a medal, fourth, fifth, sixth place? There's no crown right now. The crown is... Not being worn by anyone now. If you're saying you guys want to fight for the crown to regain the crown, perhaps New York Rick, I, I'll be, you know, I'll be interested in that and I'll take it under advisement. But, let's. Well, how should we do this? It, so, Mike, you're saying basically that you can can predict, you can bet on fights, you can make more money than Mr. Rick, right? That's what I'm saying. Um, and uh, of course, New York Rick, you don't agree with him, right? Of course. But it's funny because at first it seemed like he respected you. Now he's almost disrespecting you.
2: I don't take it as disrespect. He's a good guy. We always uh, talk on Twitter. Okay. Um, but now we're now we're rivals. <laughs> I'm throwing down the gauntlet. You can't you can't just come and and, <laughs> and challenge me. What, what was that, Mike?
13: And Rick unfollowed me on Twitter, so now I'm for sure talking. Whoa!
2: You. you
3: unfollowed him on Twitter.
2: True story. True story. Why? I unfollow a lot of people on Twitter.
3: Why? I Who just, are you to unfollow? Why would wait, you unf- whoa, whoa, whoa. What is this turning into? Wait a minute. Why? Why would you unfollow someone? You, fo- you thought he was good enough to follow, and then you unfollowed. There had to be a reason. Happens all the time. Just somebody's tweeting too much. Okay, so um, what was the problem here? Let's let's talk about it. I don't remember. Oh, come on. You do remember. I don't. Um, Mike, what do you think it was? I don't know. When did you notice that he unfollowed you? Oh, God. I, <laughs> I
13: only noticed it yesterday. Oh. I was going to... I was going to DM him to ask him when the best time to call in would be, and, uh-huh. and I wasn't able
3: to do it. You see, now we're building a fight here. Now we've got something. Now we've got a competition. Uh, New York Rick extended the 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 olive branch, if you will. He followed you, and then he took that away. He took that honor away, and I think that's that's incredibly disrespectful. And now you want to take. So what you're saying is you want to bump him from the show. You you want this to be Mike's picks?
13: Sure, I'll I'll go with that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, what kind of what kind of credentials do you have? Like, have have you done this before? Can we can we see how you've well, done?
13: Well, I, I bet on the fights every, every card. I bet on the fights, actual money.
3: Well, who knows? I and, mean, uh, where, where, where's the record of this? How do we know that you're not just one of those people who says, "Oh yeah, I made uh, hundred bucks."
2: Well, I don't. I don't. We don't need well, I, receipts I, or anything. I I can confirm that he bets <laughs> on the fights. He he interacts with me every uh, every fight card.
3: Okay, so you you believe it, even though you unfollowed him? I still see the tweets.
2: He no, you don't. He at me.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, 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 so you're kind of like rubbing it in his face every time you win. So do you think if I would have given you the $400 challenge, you would have won? Uh,
13: I, I, I did agree with Rick that the $400 was a little steep, but uh, I, I think I could have done it.
3: Yeah, yeah. You almost blew that opportunity right then and there. You, was, you should have just said yes. One word there, yes. <laughs> I would have won. I probably would have ended up with $800 just for fun.
13: There's a good chance that I would have. I, I didn't <laughs>
3: like a lot of his picks in the beginning. Yeah, it was weird. I agree. And I don't know anything about this stuff. Yeah, uh, that's that's
2: pretty clear yeah. at this point.
3: Um, this is interesting. I, I think I need... Okay, so this is the situation. I appreciate you stepping up. I appreciate you, you issuing the challenge. Uh, it's a good time to do this because, of course, we have UFC 159 coming up. Um, but then we've got a, a bit of a break, right? We've got the next one... Would the next big UFC would be May 18th, right? That would be UFC on FX8. And then a week later is UFC 160. I may do a mini tournament, if you will, for those two events, see who can come out with the most. But I have to think about it. I have to talk to my people. I have to stew on it. What do you think? Sounds good to me. So you, you, you feel like, what what day is it today, uh, April 22nd? I mean, you basically get a month to train for this, and this could be your big moment. Absolutely. All right. I will confirm next week if this will happen, but uh, I'm thinking about it. How do you feel? Two two week tournament. UFC on FX eight. UFC one hundred and sixty. May the best man win.
13: I'm up for it. Sounds great to me.
3: New are Rick. In. All right. We'll see. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it.
13: Yeah, we'll, no problem. Thank.
3: We'll keep you posted. Sounds we, good. We know where to find you. So there it is. Uh, the. As, as as we lay Rick's pick's challenge to rest, perhaps it can rise again from the ashes in May. I'm not sure. You want to do this? Are I you ready? Or do you need a break? To, I mean, it's no, kind of no, no, like no. a we should take thing. Do you need a break? Do you need a mental break? or We do have you? to figure out a way to do it. Um, oh, this is going to be very easy. What do you mean? Two-week tournament. Well,
2: well, here's the thing. I feel like more people can get involved. Um, it could be more than just a one-on-one thing. Like, every, almost every—because there's a lot of people who, who were challenging but, but, me. But insane. let's be honest.
3: Only one man called up and issued the challenge at That's the right true. time. You know what? At the right time. He That's came a good point. when you were at your most vulnerable state. That's a good point. You know, there's a lot of people talking out there, but this man called up. You're right. You know what? One-on-one with the great one. Did you unfollow Sean Sheehan? He's telling me right now on Twitter. Probably. What, is, what happened to you? All of a sudden, 4,000 Twitter followers, and you, you started unfollowing people. What happened?
2: I unfollow a lot of people.
3: Wow. Wait a second. Hey, Archer. A New York Rick unfollowed tournament he's proposing. <laughs> <laughs> All of us followed, but then unfollow. Wait a second. There's a major controversy that has just come to light here. Um, what, what, is, what is going on? You're unfollowing people left and right? I thought you were a man of the people. This is, and these are the people that are, that are campaigning to have you remain on the show making picks? It seems like you've forgotten where you came from. You used to be one of these people, by the way. You used to just be a fan of the show. Now you're on the show and you're unfollowing people. It's very disrespectful. Who, who am I supposed to follow? Everybody? Well, why did you follow them in the first place? Now, if you tell me, you could say, okay, I had to get in touch with them because they won prizes, DM, and then, you know, I just did it for my job. And then I kind of cleared up the situation I unfollowed. But you didn't say that. That would have been acceptable, by the way. Well, then you, I guess you nailed it right there, didn't you? But you didn't say that. You well, can't go with my, my, my
2: theory. It's not a theory. That's that's what happened. Why didn't you say that? Uh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings saying, like, oh, I followed you and then I unfollowed you. But um, that actually makes sense. Uh, yes. Okay.
3: Um, someone's saying Rick followed people so that they would follow him. Then after he got their follow, he unfollowed.
2: No, it, w- it was the first one. I it, followed people to get their info, to DM them winning prizes. And then I unfollowed after that.
3: Is this <laughs> lost followers gate unfolding right now on the MMA hour? It's horrifying, Edwards Kim saying. You know what? I, I, I agree. So, uh, everybody, I want you to tweet at Ariel Hawani after the
2: show to yeah. make sure you get your follow from him in.
3: No, um, but he's be following I'm not people. promising follows. Oh,
2: oh, I don't remember doing that either. Well, but you did follow. As I said, to get the
3: info to DM. Did you follow people to to boost your followers? Is that how you've? No, they they were following me first, but. <laughs> wow. All right.
2: I think I think uh, we're we're What's turning this into a caper. When. What's uh, a caper? A caper.
3: Yeah, I don't know what that means.
2: They don't have that in Canada. No, like a, like a, a mystery that needs oh. to be
3: sleuth. I thought it was like the little things that you have with the the logs. It also and, is that yeah. it's a homonym, but. Um, <laughs> this is this. It, 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 I, I have to say, this is. This is as big of a Twitter con- controversy as when uh, GSP announced that he is not the whoa, one whoa, tweeting. What's the controversy? You, uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Breaking news from my man, Kyle Haas. Kyle Haas, you know, he makes those great paintings. He made the one uh, picture, the one of me and Josh Barnett. He just wrote to me on email. I was considering following him, but not anymore. That's it. He didn't even say what this was in reference to. I'm heartbroken, but... Um, Will the people turn on you like they did with GSP? Change his name what? to Hollywood Rick. Wow. <sighs> Going to sleep. Wow. Uh, Sean Sheehan correctly pointing out that I didn't unfollow him. Of course, I would never turn my back on people. If I follow you, it's for life. All right, let us move along now as I try to digest all of this. <clears throat> About time. Uh, it hasn't been a. It hasn't been a banner day for the crew back there. Well, you only. I mean, the Rick Picks. And, uh, As I said, get those tweets into Ariel Hawani. <laughs> well, if I say I'm going to follow you, I'll follow you. Um, okay. Big Country Poses. Well, Best we ever? have a caller. Oh, we do? I know I know you're all about, you know, talking to the people, so. Okay, okay, okay. What do we got? We've got, uh, I see right here, Andrew in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Andrew? Hey, this is Eve. Hey, bud, how are you? What's on your mind?
12: I'm pretty well, Ariel. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, I don't want to start any more controversy, but yeah, I'm going take that challenge with New York, Rick.
3: You wanted it to? I'd, I'd take it. Wait a second. Are, are you proposing a three-way dance right now?
12: Oh, man, three-way main event. I'm like I'm TLC all the way, man. TLC, table, chairs.
3: Wait, did you call in for this, or are you just trying to capitalize no, on the no, moment?
12: No, I had... Well, to be honest, I'm actually breaking my own rule here. Oh. I called you guys on episode 100, oh. and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to wait until 200, and then they contacted me. And here I am.
3: Wow. You must have really wanted to say something.
12: Yeah. USD uh, 159 this weekend. Uh, I went to 120, was it 128 when they were back there a couple of years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, great show. Good times. Yeah. I um, actually got to meet uh, Matt, Sarah, and. Uh, Stefan Bonner before the fight, so it worked out pretty well. Um, but I had a question about the future of one Chael Son after his fight on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I don't see him getting another title shot. He's getting up there in age. He just did an interview recently where he said he wants to fight until he's 40, but come on, how much do you believe that? The guy's already got a spot on TV. I mean, he's already got a cushion. Yeah, cush job after fighting. Do you see him fighting after
3: this? I think it depends on how the fight goes. Uh, I too agree that he has obviously a, a job waiting for him at Fox, and they love him. I mean, witness the fact that he was there on Saturday. I was shocked that he was there a week before his fight. I had no idea yeah, that I he was going to be there. And uh, I'm curious to see how he looks in this fight. There's a lot, right? And you know, there there have been a few things like you know him praising John on the conference call earlier. Uh, last Mm -hmm. week at the tough finale where he said, said something very interesting that I don't, I don't think I've ever heard Chael say this. He said, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here. I might go down, but I'm going to go down like a gangster. I might go down. And if you notice in the conference call, if you heard it, the way he talked about Anderson, you know, it it sounded like, you know, I want to see him fight Anderson tomorrow. But then when he talks about John, it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a different Chael. I want to see what happens. I think there are some interesting fights for him at 2 of 5. You know, he was supposed to fight Forrest Griffin, um, you know, like a Machida, those kind of guys. I'm interested in seeing those fights. But I wonder, if he loses this fight, he probably won't get a title shot for a while. What's left for him? I, I wonder.
12: Oh, I wonder if maybe he's typing the, uh, the Jones side of it because Jones won't do it himself. I mean, the guy's a master in PR, so seems to me that he's doing what John Jones won't do. And I know you said you thought it was his best interview ever, but uh, when you look that nonchalant on screen, I mean, Chell did everything he did to hype the fight.
3: You know what? I, I, I really did think it was good because there was... People viewed the animosity as somewhat manufactured prior to that or just non-existent. And in that interview, it felt to me like John wasn't acting. He wasn't faking it. He really didn't yeah. like the guy. He didn't, didn't want to be there.
12: animosity, though. It didn't look like animosity. It looked like boredom. You,
3: you, you, you took it as indifference. I took it as, I want to beat this guy up, and I don't want to be standing. I don't want to be doing this, but they're making me do it. And I will sit here, and I won't engage with him. I'll let my fighting do the talking, and that's okay with me. There, there's a difference between, yeah. in my opinion, someone just kind of being like, oh, in that moment, in that You know, 90-second interview on TV. You know, you get guys like that all the time in these interviews. That's not the same kind of stage as much as I want to think it is. Yeah. But that's life. I I felt like that was him saying, I'm not listening to you anymore. I'm not playing along anymore. We've got two weeks to go at the time. I'll do my talking April 27th. That's the way I took it, and I liked it.
12: Okay. So I guess we expect the same thing then at the uh, stare down, which is a no stare down.
3: Well, you know, actually, Chael had a good response to that one on the post fight show on Saturday. And he said, Yeah, it's probably, you know, a good reason not to look at me. But that's the way he is. And, I, you know, that's, he's always done that. He's done that maybe, he hasn't done that maybe once or twice. But for the most part, John does that. At this point, I just want to see the fight happen. I, think- I mean, they, they announced the fight like in September or something or August. It's been so long. I just want to see it happen at this point, And then let's move on. It, it feels like we've been sitting on this fight and talking about it for so long.
12: I think you're right. Uh, one more question real quick. Do you think that uh, they need to give a week between pay-per-views? Because this Fox card was just hellacious, and it seems like uh, a rather quick turnaround for something that's supposed to be hype, like a pay-per-view. You know mean, the- if you think about it, you only have to pay for five five fights every couple months. Is it worth people to pay for these five fights when they didn't have to the last three weeks?
3: You know, I think that's a very good question. Um, and also, let's not forget about having to be home for four weeks. You know, like you're, you're, you're sitting at home on a Saturday, and the last three weeks they were they were for free. Um, I think the, the the schedule goes like that. You know, the next one after this is May 18th, right? And then the next one after that is the next week. It's just kind of the way the schedule goes. And sometimes you could say, well, it's good to have a, a big Fox show before a big pay per view because you're going to be in front of three, four million people, and you can hype the fight. So hopefully next week they want to pay for it. You, you'll notice that they yeah, always have so, a so. they always have a Fox show, a big Fox show before a big pay per view.
12: Mm. Uh, I guess the last question would be, what are you doing on Saturday, and is there any way I can meet your autograph on the show?
3: Absolutely. I will be there. I'm a man of the people. You find me, I will be uh, at the arena. I'll be at the weigh-ins. I'm very hard to miss.
12: Do, uh, do you do the outside expo before the event? Uh,
3: not really, because I have to be there pretty early doing all the you know, pre-production fuel stuff and all that, but uh, uh, I will be at MSG. Oh, and this is a good time to mention this. I will be at MSG for the workouts on Thursday, but that's uh, that's close to the public. But I do want to mention there's going to be something called the uh, Metro PCS Herald Square Takeover on Wednesday from 11 to 7 p.m. in Herald Square in New York City. Chris Weidman will be there. Uriah Faber will be there. Ronda Rousey will be there. Uh, Dana White will be there. Anthony Pettis will be there. Kenny Florian will be there. And I will be there doing some uh, Q&A, hosting, things like that. So I will definitely be there on Wednesday from 11 to 7. All right, man. Thank you for the call. Thank you. All right. There he is. Andrew in West Virginia. Appreciate it very much. Okay, let's go to the questions. And uh, No, no questions. Let's go to the pictures first. Do we have the pictures? Yeah. Were Give these the best second. ever? Uh,
2: debatable. Wow. Not the best ever, also there weren't a lot of submissions, yeah um, I, f- I figured that, but I thought they'd be good uh they're good by no means am i am I saying they're not good, but it's just um, I don't know. okay <laughs> uh, first <laughs> uh, what, uh what's at stake? oh, that's a good point. let me bring it out if you weren't watching last week, we've got this Benson Henderson um in the likeness of cable from the X Men um, by our good friend Scott Cone. Um, you can check out more of his stuff. As you can see, he does incredible stuff. You can check out him on Twitter, twitter.com slash Scott underscore cone C O H N underscore art. Um Scott dot blogspot dot com and Facebook dot com slash Scott dot cone dot art.
3: Very nice. Amazing. And we have a couple of those left but uh, that that is Highly regarded on our part, and uh, we appreciate Scott for hooking us up with that. So that's what's at stake here. Here we go. Derek Blade won. Big country pose. <laughs> These are great. Pulling out the gut. Very nice. This one's our first one, yeah. What is going on in the background there?
2: He uh, he put some country, I believe, is oh. what he did. Oh, I like
3: that. That's very thoughtful.
2: Into the setting.
3: Okay. <laughs> this is awesome. Wow. You see, okay. Well, you see, I, I, right now, as far as these two are concerned, the first one wins because you got to go with the, the the hands on the belly, right? The rub, the the, the Roy rub. Nelson rub. That is Roy Nelson-esque. So far, yeah. But Jared Harrison, well done. Wow, this is incredible. <laughs> Imagine someone is just like walking by the studio right now and they see this. This uh, one's
2: this one's actually a two parter, I believe. <laughs> this
3: is taken in a Burger King bathroom because. <laughs> Oh, my God. Wow. What does that say? BK Sponsor Roy. Holy moly. Yeah. Just for fun. Rusty Power. The, these guys deserve to have their names mentioned. Poor Boy 101. Um, man, those fries do look good right now, don't they? Yeah. I know you love that. I could go for that. Oh, my gosh. You went back to him. Nice yeah, hybrid. just because
2: I want to show you know, the actual pose, even though he did put the Burger King <laughs> thing. Very impressive. Okay. I think this is a Burger King bathroom, so, so major points for going to Burger King, <laughs> taking the picture, and doing the fry art. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that real? Oh, this
3: is real. Wow. He says it's his time to shine. Holy moly. Okay, if you're listening to this only, this man has yeah. very long hair. A long, the hair seems to blend into the beard. Can we go full screen on these?
2: This is full screen?
3: No, like like uh, full screen on the Yeah, the pl- let me just uh, there's there's a
2: task bar in there, let me jump out for a second.
3: It's all right. You don't have to. Just so in case people are are missing the beauty of it. There we are. So you could get the, like you yep. don't need to see me here. This is all about these guys. They deserve it. Can wow. we
2: take the photo to one? Yep.
3: What's that? No. It, okay. It's up. It's
2: that, on the screen, uh, full screen.
3: That's impressive. Okay, he's got a great beard going. That 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 works in his advantage. The hair and the beard kind of flow into each other. It's it's uh,
2: it's fantastic. It is truly his time to shine.
3: The Wendigo is his name. Wendigo. Yeah. All right. See this guy, you know, I, I give him props. I give you props, Overeem, Patty. Um. Well, here's where he loses points. Where's the face? The face. 100%. 100%. These guys are putting their face out there. You got to put your face out there. <laughs> this one's very good. <laughs> that is a classic big country. <laughs> Dan Devey. <laughs> Look at that. Look at those chops. So far, this
2: and Wendigo are my two.
3: Yeah. My two I got to say runners. Burger King guy is pretty good. Oh,
2: that I forgot about. I for- you see, How th- could I forget?
3: Does, does, does Dan lose points
2: because it's not the belly yeah. rub? I don't think so, just because of how well he's doing this. No, no,
3: no. But does he lose points because he doesn't have the belly?
2: Oh, I see. Not big enough. Right. No. Okay. It's the effort that counts. All right. Wow. Now, he drew in a goatee with, with marker <laughs> on
3: his face. <laughs> What's going on under his head? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Did he draw something in there? I don't know. Um, he's wearing, like, gl- mittens that he cut, or not mittens, like, like, like... Gloves. W- winter gloves, yeah. Fingerless gloves. Uh, but they're not, like, MMA gloves. No. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh, my God. This Very is impressive.
3: This is amazing. This is the best one. How is this not the best one, Rob Hill? Congratulations. Oh, you, this is your front runner so far? No, no, far? no. How is this pose not the best one? Uh... You're not feeling it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's incredible. Oh, my gosh. Now,
2: you can tell that this guy's pushing the belly out, which yeah. I'd give extra points. Yeah. Because he he didn't have it, but he's going for it. You know what I mean? He's really trying. Brian Pian.
3: Pan. It's great. I don't know what else to say. Pushing it out. Wow. Holy moly. Also, another Burger King. Okay. Hey, okay. what jumps out you... The in nipple this, ring, Yes, obviously. it just, like, smacked me right in the face. You uh, wish. Rhino Ridge. Um, only one, two. He only has one. I think we're focusing on the wrong thing. Okay.
2: He's, he's doing a good pose. He's doing
3: great. Where's the face? Where's the face? I agree. Loses No face? No, no face? No, that's as high as it goes. Jeez. Only a half face. Rhino Ridge, I'm disappointed. That's, uh... <laughs> okay. Now, th- this Whoa. is... I just included this because there were so few today. Um,
2: so it, few? It's a,
3: it's a good effort. I already feel like I got my money's worth. Uh, yeah, it's a good effort. It's but a good effort,
2: but obviously you don't have the attributes. Yeah, clearly. You're, you're, you're too you're in shape, my friend. And, and, and I work. believe that Tom won something last week. I'm not sure if it was one of the poses or, or something else. Um, recently, Tom has won something. He's just something. trying to
3: show off his abs right now.
2: No, he, he's really trying.
3: Yeah, I know, I know.
2: Um, Push that thing out. Come on. Yeah, you got to get it out. He's, it looks like he's sucking it now in. Here, the next two are also yeah. people who are... On the slimmer side, but are are going for it w- in different ways. Now, he's stuffed his shirt. It looks like a pillow. Yeah. Um, and he's sitting on the fence, Roy Nelson style.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. See, that's what I'm saying. You got to be creative if you don't have the attributes. Yeah, this is a great one. Okay. Um, also, stuffed shirt. Um, stuffed shirt and uh, apparently a broken wrist or yes, something. Yes, apparently injured. Wow.
2: Um, I think our last one is up, which is our butt <laughs> as usual. <laughs> Our buddy Sean. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Oh my god! And I also like the Red Shock, the Red Sox shirt. It's okay, a nice, it's a nice Boston. I, ha- I had to do
3: it since I have the gut, big country pose, and Boston shirt too. So you know that's legit. Now I will admit, <laughs> one of the reasons why I was so excited for this one was because I actually saw this. I couldn't help myself. Usually I don't like to look, but I saw that he that Sean submitted one, and I had to. So my reaction may not have been as genuine as the others but i mean i i just want to print all of these and put them up in the studio here i just want to look at them every day
2: i think i think we're gonna pass on that but <laughs> that um, let's let's choose a winner uh,
3: so i'm gonna go back through them okay no no okay no 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 in no. the running no 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 face oh good point no, no. he's in there
2: okay Rob Hill is in there.
3: No. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got to win. He wins. <laughs> I think he wins. Yes. When dingo? Or when do you go? Congratulations.
3: That is amazing.
2: Congratulations on everything. Every
3: everything on life. Congratulations Just to congratulations. all of you. Congratulations. I wish everyone could get a prize. Um. Yeah. Wow.
2: The, there were less entries, but they were really good.
3: Well, keep going. Keep
2: going. Okay.
3: You know what? How many more of those things do we have? Uh, I believe we had three left. Okay. Keep going.
2: And I think this is the first one, is it? No, there might be one more.
3: Yeah. I think Burger King guy needs to win. And when did he go? Yeah. We give him two. Okay. There it is. There it is. I mean, come on. They went through the trouble. Absolutely. And 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 we got to give love to our man, our man Sean, although he lives in Ireland. And we and and we hope that uh you live in the US cuz that's part of the rules now that we have to uh we have to abide by, but uh it can only go out to American residents. But Sean Sean's a Hall of Famer in our book. And, but those two were amazing. Those were incredible. I tip my cap to all of you. You have exceeded our expectations. Um, and this, this Fitch, this Fitch pose thing has, uh, this Fitch face thing, I should say, has, it has reached a mountaintop. I think that was the best one. I don't know what he's talking about. Well done. Congratulations. You get, uh, you get the, uh, the, the Benson Henderson drawing courtesy of our man, Scott. And we appreciate him hooking us up with that. One last thing to give away. <clears throat> Excuse me. George St. Pierre, the way of the fight. Here it is. New book. He just kept on coming. It says in the back. Big book, hardcover. Let's answer some questions and then go home. <clears throat> <clears throat> Do we have questions?
2: Yep. Queuing up the website questions first.
3: All right. Uh, wait a minute. Um, I don't know. Is that uh, is that is that public that 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 comment that Will just made, or was that only? Oh, all right. Well, if you if you want to say something, say it to the world, my friend. Will just said in my ear and some of us have to work uh once the show's over. Um this is the work. This is this is all that you need to do. You just have to look pretty with your mustache. Could we get a look at Will's mustache there or is or is the camera not uh not configured properly? He's kinda of far back to get that mm-hmm. mustache. He's very shy. Um anyway, I'm gonna go forty five minutes here with these questions just to piss him off. Well, if we could get the questions up, maybe we could go home. Yeah. It's been a rough day. Oh, here we go. Here question we time. First question from the website.
2: Of all the massive underdog title challengers in the upcoming events, <clears> which is the biggest dog? Um, Chael Sonnen, Bigfoot Silver or Eddie Wineland? And who has the best shot at pulling the upset?
3: You know, I would ask you this because this seems like your territory, but unfortunately you can't play this game anymore. Um, I'm going to go with, gosh. Who has the? <clears throat> it's a tough one. I, I I think as far as the public is concerned, well, Bigfoot got annihilated. But I think as the, as far as the public is concerned, Chael is the biggest dog, and I would I would agree. Who has the best shot of pulling off an upset? I'm gonna say Eddie.
2: I think that would be consensus. I think yeah. you're right. I, I think, have. and I think most people would agree with that.
3: They all have tough uh, tough hills to climb, but uh, uh, I think Chael, first answer. Eddie, second answer.
2: Yep. Our next one from the website. If Sonnen loses to Jones, do you like the idea huh. of having Sonnen face Vanderlei in Brazil in a retirement match for the loser? WWE
3: style. That would be bananas. That would be... Cra- I, I still would love to see... You know, we are talking about uh, Sonnen uh, retiring. I still would love to see him face Vanderlei and Vitor because everything that has been said, both sides... In the past, from from those guys, I I would still think that would be you could you can you could sell a lot of pay per views if done correctly. So I'm not saying I want to see him retire, but I wonder if he will retire if he doesn't win. But you know what? I've been told otherwise, so we'll see. I think it depends on how the fight goes. But would I like to see that? Sure, that'd be awesome. I don't know if it has to be a retirement match. I just want to see the fight.
2: Our next question, is Dennis Seaver a legit contender at featherweight, or will he get found out by a more well-rounded Swanson? I'm German, and I think in order for the UFC ever to come back here, we need a champion.
3: Well, I think he is. That's why he's fighting Swanson. I I definitely think that's why the fight was made. Um, I view it as a bit of a mini-tournament going on, of course. Lama's fighting Zombie, Swanson, Seaver, Edgar uh, against Charles Oliveira, and you've got the title fight, Aldo Pettis. And I don't know if this is going to come up, but don't you feel like now, especially what happened on 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 uh, on Saturday, don't you want to see Pettis versus Benson now? I mean, after something like, like now, would be the perfect time to see Pettis Benson. It kind of bums me out that we're not seeing it. That was actually one of the Twitter questions. Oh, okay, um, I'll get to that later. Then.
2: Well, I mean, you pretty much covered it, but we'll see later um, right. on Twitter. This is our last one from the website. With three out of Benson Henderson's last four fights being somewhat controversial decisions, are his Anderson Silva-like aspirations of being a record-breaking champion a bit far-fetched? What does it say about his reign or skill set, if anything? GSP at least wins his decisions without controversy, which we really can't say about our two-pick
3: toting champion. Whoa. Bill Steinmetz. Um, I don't think it says much. I mean, he's had close, close wins, close fights, but he's winning. At the end of the day, he's doing what he needs to do to win and they're going to be w's on his record. Um so so now we're saying okay, what GSP does is okay. You know, I I would say right now his fights are more entertaining than GSP's, right? His fights are more entertaining. I was I was glued to my seat. I was glued to the TV screen when I was watching him versus Gilbert. And yes, the TV screen. I didn't even step foot inside the HP pavilion on Saturday cuz I was in the back the whole time. Didn't even see the crowd, didn't even feel it. But I don't think it takes anything away from his reign. End of the day, he's winning. Someone needs to knock him off. And I think him versus Pettis, he lost to Pettis. That was his last loss. You show that kick over and over again, it would have been brilliant. Now we're getting Grant versus Maynard, and I'm not sure if there's enough buzz for that. We'll see what happens. If if Grant or Maynard have have a huge showing at 160 next month, maybe it will change. But right now, I think more people would rather see either Gilbert 2 or Pettis 2. Here's our first one
2: from the uh, Twitter questions. Now we've heard this one before, but maybe you have a new take on it. Mm. Do you think there's a legitimate way to fix the huge problem MMA has with judging? Larkin being the most recent BS loss, in his opinion.
3: No, I mean, th- does someone ask about the the judge in the main event, the Caesar Gracie? I believe event? so. Well, there's no there's no real way. I mean, it, it, look, I, I I find it fun to. Score fights based on how I think judges will score fights. I don't even know if that's the right way to do it, but I thought they were going to score it for Benson three to two, and they did. And I usually get it pretty right when I score the way um, I think they're going to score it. I also thought they were going to score it for Larkin, excuse me, for Carmel, and they did. Um, end of the day, let's be honest. I mean, Larkin had his moments, and he was more aggressive, and he was maybe landing more, but both guys didn't have a great fight there. Both guys, I mean, that was uh, if there was ever like a loser in in, you know, in, in on both sides of the coin there, that's that's a perfect example that just wasn't a great fight. And maybe it was because of Carmel, whatever, but I think Larkin had some opportunity to do some stuff particularly at the end. I think it is what it is, but uh, while I bring up the the Wade Vieira controversy, I suggest people go to mma.tv and if you haven't heard, one of the judges in the main event Wade Vieira is a uh is 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 a is a member of the Cesar Gracie team. He has a gym that's a Cesar Gracie affiliate. And of course Gilbert Melendez has ties to Caesar Gracie. And Kirik, um who is the brains and the founder of uh, MMA.tv, The Underground, the UG, wrote an amazing article on why this isn't as big a deal as people are making it out to be and how MMA, especially judging, refereeing, could be sometimes incestuous in these early days. And I think he nailed it on the head. So I just suggest you go out and read that. It's the main story right now, and I think he nailed it. Um, you know, you want fighters, we want ex-fighters and things like that to start judging. And they're all tied in some ways, maybe not as close as this one. He did score for Gilbert, by the way. But I just think, at this point, I'm so I'm kind of tired of talking about the judging problem. It's not going to change and it seems like every fight there's some kind of controversy. But this one, I don't know. I'm not going to cry about this one. It was bad. At the time, I felt it was kind of worse. But after thinking about it, I feel like Larkin had his moments as well. And, you know, it was just kind of a bad fight on both ends. I agree with that. But if we if we keep,
2: you know, getting sick of it and just reserving ourselves to, ah, that's MMA judging, it's it's going to be a bad situation. Because it, it, these, these guys you know, their livelihood on the line every single time. And, and at a certain point, this has to change. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous, um, that somebody, you know, can take it away from you, even if it's pretty clear that it shouldn't be the case. Um,
3: yeah, I guess, but what are we going to do about it?
2: Well, I don't have a solution other than, you know, better education for judges or bringing it. And, and here's the thing. People are so up in arms about, um, the Vieira thing where, um, he has some connections well if we're going to bring in former fighters or former trainers or whoever else to be you know, representing us as MMA judges then we're going to have to be able to accept the possibility that they had some former ties to somebody or some other thing and just hope that they'll be objective um, when rendering their decision yeah. uh, but, th- but that's what I see for the future is, is bringing in people w- and they're going to have ties so you, you can't be up in arms about this and then still also complain about um, judging at the same time
3: Yep, I'm just tired of it.
2: Here's our next question from Gk UFC RFC G Kettle 1983. What happens now with Melendez? A Josh, a Josh Thompson rematch? Perfect hmm. setup for a number one contender spot.
3: I don't know. I I don't think. I think Thompson now kind of. I want to see how far Thompson could go. I, you know, I don't know. You know, honestly, I mentioned the Gilbert two or the Ben or the Pettis two fight. I would have been down to see Thompson versus Benson. Um, I thought he looked amazing in that fight. First guy to finish to finish uh, Nate Diaz in the UFC, that's huge. Maybe, you know, maybe the, the, some, if, who knows, if Healy wins, maybe that fight. Even if Miller wins, I'd be interested in seeing that. There's Cerrone coming up. You know, I I don't think he should fall too far down the ladder. Again, I would be 100% down to see him fight again. And by the way, I really have to give him props for the way he handled himself. Total class. Post fight interview, no excuses. I even saw him uh, hugging Benson's uh, now fiance in the cage after Benson proposed to her. He handled it very well in the post fight press conference. Gilbert Melendez. Uh, and I will admit, at times, I wasn't sure if he was deserving of all the accolades and the rankings and all that stuff that that he has received. He proved that he deserved to be there and to get all that and then some. And he was so close to winning. And, you know, my heart goes out to him. He, he was heartbroken. He said it a bunch of times, but he dealt with it like a total class act. And uh, th- that is how, in my opinion, someone should deal with uh, with a situation like that. And, and, and you know what? In our sport, sometimes it goes against you. If you bang the drum, you get what you want. But I respect him for going that route. And, I, and I, think, I, I think he's one fight, maybe two away from being right back in there.
2: Completely agree. Uh, and, and, and I think the same can be said for Frankie Edgar, too, who also...
3: One th- it re- actually reminded me exactly of Edgar in that same position with Benson.
2: Exactly. It, um, incre- both of these guys, you know, the utmost respect for, for both of them.
3: It reminded me exactly of, of, of Frankie. Good call.
2: Our next question comes from John Wilkerson. Do you think the Henderson Melendez fight should be ruled in no contest due to the conflict of interest with Vieira judging?
3: Well not really because Melendez didn't win and he judged it in, in favor, he scored it in favor of Melendez. Um so no. California, I mean, it's no secret. They had their reasons. Is it weird? Is it a conflict of interest? Perhaps. But again, go to MMA.tv, read that article. He he has his history, he's been around the sport. And uh, you know what? I respect Carrick and if he says it's okay, I agree. Our next question comes from Darren Chung.
2: After two successful showings on Fox, can Henderson headline a pay-per-view or should he still be promoted
3: on Fox? I mean, I think he can. He headlined UFC 150, so, you know, he's done it in the last year. Um, I don't think they should put him back on Fox. I don't, I don't think you want to keep putting on the same guy over and over again. So I think he should go to pay per view. Now I wonder if you know Henderson versus Maynard or or TJ Grant could could sell a lot. But I mean at this point, over almost 10 million people have seen Henderson fight in the last five or six months. And I did think it was very interesting. You know, Henderson was at the press conference, and I have a lot of respect for him as well. And, and you know, I, I have a lot, as I mentioned, as a champion, he deserves everything that he's getting. But it's interesting to see someone sit there and say, like, winning isn't everything, and, you know, there's more to, to this than just fighting, life, and all that stuff, proposing to your girlfriend. And, uh, and then you see Gilbert just heartbroken. And I can't imagine what was going through Gilbert's mind listening to this. When all he wants is that belt, that validation, that gold, and then the guy who beat him very closely is almost kind of not dismissing it, but saying there's more to life than all of this. Very interesting situation to to watch unfold at the press conference. Well, you could almost see that
2: coming. I mean, he did just propose to his girlfriend.
3: Absolutely. But can you imagine how Gilbert felt? Jeez. Well, as we said, you know. Insult to injury.
2: Great class from Gilbert. Yeah. And, and you know, took everything in stride.
3: Yep. Just sat there with his head down. Here's
2: our next question. Oh yeah. Is Benson Henderson's... Oh, this is from Keith McAdden. Is, Benson's Henderson, blah, blah, is Benson Henderson's hair the biggest threat to his lightweight title?
3: That was weird. It seemed like it was bothering him more than usually. Uh, it was all over the place. There were times where it was completely covering his face, and he was kind of looking right through it. That was that was surprising. I think it's actually
2: pretty cool, honestly. It and, is and, cool, but it's, it, it's, uh, got,
3: it's a problem.
2: He, he has toothpicks in his mouth. He has he, hair all over yeah, his that's face. that's true. And just can't even stop him.
3: You know, he puts his own obstacles in front of himself. Yeah. Crazy. But, you know, you notice at times, sometimes he'll do, like, a very, um, you know, a very exaggerated movement with his head, and that would just be to to push his hair back. He's not playing around with it and all that, like KJ Noons did against Nick Diaz, but I can't imagine it not bothering him.
2: He definitely was playing around with yeah. it. Yeah. He, he was pushing it back a lot. Why not just braid it? And, and, and if Gilbert would land a good shot, he'd... He'd brush his hair
3: back and give him a, like, yeah. that didn't really hurt face. And and by the way, sometimes it works against you because if your hair is flying all over the place, it looks a lot more, you know, extravagant. It, lo- it looks a lot more exaggerated than what well, actually happened.
2: Well, he always starts with it ponytailed or, at least, you know, bound at some way in the back. But at, by the end, of the I think it was the fourth round, it had come out. But um, I definitely agree, like, if, if Clay Guida gets hit, it looks like, you know, a mess. It, yeah. it looks like his hair is flying all over and his head got rocked. Um, but I don't know.
3: I think it's pretty cool for I think I think that I have a feeling the next time we see him fight, it will be different. But by the end, like his, his, his ponytail was hardly even there. Yep. Should braid that. Yeah, that was, that was crazy to see.
2: Here's our next question from Matt Pryor. With the mm. winner of Grant Maynard getting the next lightweight title shot, how do you now feel about Pettis moving down to fight Aldo?
3: Yeah, I got like I just said. I mean, I, I really I, I was saying this even before. I was saying this when the fight was announced. I really want to see Anthony Pettis fight Benson Henderson again. I think that fight sells itself. I think that could headline a show. I think that's a fascinating fight for all the reasons we mentioned earlier. And uh, by the way, we don't know if Anthony can make 145. He's never made it before, um, particularly in the WC UFC. So you know, recently he's probably going to do a test cut, and it's it's 10 pounds, but it is significant. And I think there are guys at 145 who deserve a title now. Pettis. Like I said, I I think the world of him, and I think he deserves a title shot. I just think he deserves it at one fifty five, and I think it makes more sense. There's a story there. There's there's an issue there. There's there's a storyline there. Here at one forty five, there isn't one, and uh, I I wish we were seeing that fight next.
2: I also just think, you know, logically, he's he's the best chance to dethrone it's just the most, Henderson.
3: He beat him already. It's the most interesting fight. Sure. And I think after these close fights, now is the perfect time to be like, all right, here's the guy who beat you. Yeah, Avenge this, that. this really set up for, oh, for, perfect. for Pettis. To and beat. plus he just fought on Fox. So all those people saw him?
2: Yep.
4: Weird.
3: Our next
2: question com- comes from Alan Star. Oh, yeah, Stark. my buddy Alan. Doesn't Johnson...
3: <laughs> long day. Yeah.
2: Doesn't Josh Thompson have more of a claim to a title shot compared to Maynard or Grant?
3: I don't know about that. I mean, Grant has been doing really good things in the UFC, and if he beats someone like Gray Maynard at 160, you know, Maynard's top three. You know, Maynard's only coming off one win, and that was the Guido win. He beats Grant, you know, UFC rankings, they have him listed as seven. And isn't it interesting that they use the rankings to to justify this, and sometimes they say the rankings aren't important. That being said, I don't know. I mean, Thompson beat Diaz. I mean, it's kind of a six in one, half dozen in the other. I think Thompson, one more win, he would deserve it. And there's really no one after those guys right now. So I'm curious to see what they do with Thompson. Um, maybe they do the Gilbert fight, but I don't think this is the time to do it. I think how cool would it have been if Gilbert won on Saturday and they would have done Gilbert Josh 4 for the UFC ballot. That would have been a nice story. That's not happening now, but it could happen in the future. But I can't say that he has more of a claim. He has an equally deserving uh, you know, a, a case to make for that title shot, in my opinion.
2: I actually agree with that. Thank you. (laughs) Our next question comes from JD Cook III. Do you think we are a little early on singing praises for Dwayne Bang Bang Ludwig's coaching skills with Team Alpha Male?
3: No, I mean when I say greatest coach in the history of coaches, I'm I'm obviously joking. But he's undefeated. They've looked fantastic, and he's right. He's actually the one telling us to slow our roll. You know, he said, you know, without me around, these guys probably win these fights. Without me around, they're they're beating this competition. It's the next step. That's when we start judging. So I think he deserves it. They're not losing. They're not boring decisions. They're finishes. But let's see when they find those title fights. And I'm very curious to see. So far, it looks like a brilliant move. So I think our, he deserves our it. Our next question is in
2: regard to that. Oh, did bringing Bang Ludwig onto Coach Team Alpha Male do enough to push Uriah
3: Faber and others? Because we
2: had multiple yep. iterations of this question over the top.
3: Well, I, I don't think we can answer that. I think we're gonna we're gonna see. And I think it it actually you know what it does. You know, we, we, we've said, oh, Faber, too many title shots, all this stuff. It, it makes you want to see another Faber title shot. It really does. It makes you want to see that fight to see how he does with bang by his side. I want to see Benavidez versus Johnson. I want to see Benavidez versus Dotson, maybe number one contender fight. I want to see... T- Dillashaw deserves some more love. I can't believe this guy is still fighting on Facebook prelims or, you know, lower ends of the the, the prelims. And Mendez, I think that's interesting as well. Mendez has looked unbelievable. So I, I think it was a brilliant move. I would not be mad
2: at seeing any of those guys get another shot.
3: Yeah, and Dillashaw hasn't gotten a shot.
2: Yep. Our next question comes from Nick Meal or Mealy. Hmm. After his performance on Saturday, am I the only one who's dying to see Chad Mendez fight Frankie Edgar?
3: That seems like a good number one contender fight, but let's not forget Edgar has a fight coming up. He is uh, He's fighting Charles Oliveira in the summertime. But maybe if he wins, I think that's a great fight. I think if Frankie wins, that puts him back in there. And if Mendez wins, can't deny him. And, of course, Aldo's fighting in August, so you think Mendez is going to want to, you know, get back in there. But although he told me in our post-fight interview he, he doesn't mind waiting. But, yeah, I would. we've been talking about this one for a while. I would love to see it, if the stars align.
2: Our next question comes from Mike Jones. Nate Diaz did not look like himself Saturday. Do you think he was feeling a hangover from his title loss to Bendo?
3: I don't know about a hangover. I just think Thompson was on point. Um... And I don't know if this is going to come up after, but I too don't think he should go up to 170. I think that would be a mistake. I, I think Diaz is better at 155. He's hit a, a bit of a rough patch, but you know he lost to the champion. And he lost to a guy who perhaps has been underrated for a very long time, a former strike force champion. He didn't look like himself, but I think that had, that's, that's taking something away from Josh Thompson. I think Josh deserves the credit, and that was his night.
2: Gaz Kuliam. Cool. Did you ever think that you would see the towel thrown in to save a Diaz brother?
3: You know, I I didn't, but it's almost it almost makes sense. They're old school. Who thinks to throw a towel these days? And by the way, it was his brother Nick that threw it. And I don't even think the ref saw it. I don't think it meant anything, but it was symbolic and it was kind of nice, a brother looking out for his brother. They're old school. It was and on Fox of all places, it just it kind of worked in, in a weird way. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't didn't expect anyone to throw in a towel these days. I don't even think you're, it means anything. I'm pretty sure in the unified rules of MMA, you, the, the throwing of the towel, it's out. It doesn't mean anything. I forget
2: what fight, but it was this, it was in like a year span. Um, we were talking about this because I believe somebody else threw in the towel and it actually does not signify anything. It's, it's just a symbolic gesture. I think it
3: was the Aoki fight.
2: Is that it? I don't... I, I really wish I could remember, but I don't. But this, this Against had come up.
3: I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but throwing in the
2: towel actually does not do anything. Um, the ref... Yeah. Is, but it, it, that's what that's why it was so awesome. Well, also... Imagine if you were to come back. Well, he wasn't even out, yeah. which is like the craziest thing is like he wasn't like out cold. He took a lot of punches, though. He, oh, no, no, no. I'm not arguing the stoppage but, by any means. That was clearly um, a TKO. But... To really like knock out cold a Diaz brother, I I don't think it's even possible. Yeah, he no. took three head kicks and and he Those still wasn't even out cold. Did you see
3: when they they showed the uh, the slow motion? Yeah. Oh god,
2: uh, the, was... the the slow mo cam was on fire. It was especially since there were so many knockouts. Yeah, it was. Um, it, Phantom, what, a, what a card! It was just
3: it was an amazing card. Yep.
2: Okay, our next question: Do you think Cormier was impressive enough to get an immediate title shot
3: at heavyweight? <laughs> I don't know if he wants it. I mean, I, I, I predict that Cormier is going to wait to see what happens with Kane. If Kane loses, it changes things. If Kane wins, what is he going to do? But to answer the question here, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think he did enough. What,
2: well, well, who would you put in his place after?
3: Uh, meaning at heavyweight, right? Who should be a number one contender Who's
2: after Bigfoot? Mm.
3: Well, JDS. He I wins? think that
2: Cormier deserves really? it. Well,
3: I mean... Yeah, they one one. I think you'll have a better chance selling... And by the way, he's not going to fight Kane.
2: Well, no. I'm, I'm just saying in terms of getting the title shot, regardless of who it is, assume that, you know... But you have to in this case because well, if, if he I'm, doesn't want to go up. For sure. If I'm Daniel Cormier, what I'm doing is I'm taking... I'm pretending that I'm going to 205, taking that, that cut, starting that cut, um, and waiting to see what happens... With Silva and uh, and Kane, and if Kane wins, I continue that cut and and sign up for the two hundred five. Um, and if Bigfoot wins, I would go right back into into heavyweight.
3: You're forgetting one guy who I think deserved it before Bigfoot for of Verdoom. Yeah, he beats Man, Big Nog. I, I, Everyone forgot guy's about so him. That so good. And, and <laughs> I know. He just kind of been fell on the off. shelf forever because of the, the show. Tough. Yeah. Well, he'll be fighting June 8th, so that's the, that's like two weeks after 160. You're right. So, hey, how about this? Cormier wins. Well, he did win. Verdum, number one contender, you know. I th- Here's the thing. I think if he really wants to stick around at heavyweight and JDS, if JDS beats Hunt, I think he goes on. If Hunt wins, I think you got to give him the shot. So that will happen. And then Verdum versus, you know, Cormier. And if he wants to go down, then I think he should fight Augustafsson. You know that that kind of guy. I, I can dig that. Imagine Cormier versus Gustafson. I just don't know if he can make two hundred five, but
2: uh, he seems uh, confident. I don't like that fight style wise, but it'd be it'd be a good fight rankings wise.
3: Right, rankings wise.
2: Our next question: What is hmm. next for Frank Mir? I thought his cardio was insanely good for him at two at two fifty seven. That's his weight. Yeah. Uh, but he isn't near a title shot.
3: Yeah, and and Maliki's manager talked about it. It sounds like he's going to keep going. Although I was interested when he said that only for a year or so he thought, um, I don't know. I think let's, let's wait and see there. I I don't see him coming back quickly. And I think there are some fights coming up that could make sense for him. You know, you know, someone like a Travis Brown, even though he's coming off a win, I think still kind of makes sense for him. Um, a Mark Hunt off a loss could make sense for him. A JDS off a loss could make sense. And actually, no, that, that was a pretty one sided fight. Um, Alistair Overeem I like that how about that
2: that's a good fight
3: yeah so I think there are a lot of options for him still I think people still want to see him fight
2: our next question hold on one second there we are Rafael Ramirez Matt Brown looked awesome in his comeback against Jordan Meehan where do you rank them both now
3: I mean, he's on the cusp, but you look at the, the top 10 rankings right now, 170. Hendricks. Well, GSP, Hendricks, Condit, McDonald, Ellenberger, Maya, Diaz, Kentman, Safdie, and Lawler. Who do you take out? Maybe Lawler? Although think, he beat Koscheck. I think Lawler can, can drop out. I mean, But who has Matt Brown beat in the top 10? Yeah. He, he's, on, he's on a roll, but who has he defeated? He's certainly in there. I want to see him fight a top guy. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight any of those guys, even Koscheck. Coming off a, uh, you know, uh, a Maya, a uh, Campman, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight any of those guys, even guys who are coming off losses because he needs a top ten win. Mean, you know, means Young, and that wasn't a great showing. He had him with the body shot. Matt Brown recovered, and he told me afterwards that it really hurt. So, you know, Mean took the 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 shot on, on on short notice, and credit to him there. But Brown, I want to see him fight a top ten guy coming off a win, coming off a loss. How about Matt Brown versus Carlos Condit? That would be crazy, and I think that actually makes a lot of sense.
2: That would be an incredible fight.
3: Yeah, and and more importantly, just kudos to him for coming back. This guy was, you know, I remember seeing him in Pittsburgh for the Versus show, that ill-fated one with um, Marquard and Story, and he was, like, on some really bad losing streak. Now look at him. Two years later, he's Mr. Fox.
2: A, uh, similar to Mark Hunt, who was also on a losing streak, yep. and then... All of a sudden, resurgence.
3: Yeah, Mark Hunt had the the pedigree. Brown really didn't. Kind of came out of nowhere. Our next question from Sturkey.
2: With the UFC and Strike Force going four and four this week, and they split their fights, yep. was the gap between the fighters totally exaggerated?
3: And by the way, I predicted that. I said four and four. Did I say that on this show, or you to did someone else? You did. Okay, I did. Um, now we don't know which four and four, but you did. Yeah, of course. Um, oh yeah, that's right. It was on this show. Was it exaggerated? I never really thought there was a gap, to be honest. I never thought there was a gap. So I don't think it was exa- exaggerated at all. And I think Thompson looking good, Melendez looking good. Um, I don't think it was exaggerated at all. I really didn't. I always thought that the top guys in strike force can hang in the UFC, and that's what we're seeing right now. Yep. And there's still more to come. You yeah. See Luke Rockhold. Yeah, can't wait for soon. that. Our next question comes from Michael McElroy. There in I am a, again.
2: In a card full of, oh, yeah. In a card full of impressive finishes, who had the most impressive performance at UFC on Fox 7?
3: Wow. Most impressive? The one that I was just like, wow? Probably Josh Thompson. I agree. But, yeah. I mean, Matt Brown as well. Matt Brown, but I was like, wow. Finishing Diaz yeah. like that? Wow. That was that was impressive. I mean, there were tons. What a card. Top to bottom, it was amazing. Best card of the year thus far, by far.
2: I, it's, it's up there with all-time great cards,
3: in my yeah. opinion. But Thompson doing what he did after being out for so long, Thompson was the guy that you weren't quite sure about. Well, let the record show that I was quite sure about Josh Thompson. Well, not really. The record shows you didn't bet on him. Well, that's
2: because Gilbert paid better odds.
3: Right. But, yes, Josh
2: Thompson. Our next question from Gilbert Martinez is Holly Holm switching to MMA a sign of things to come for wi- uh
3: women's yeah, I, I guess even, women's, women's yeah. boxers. How do you think she will do in her transition? She's been she's done okay. She's 3 and 0, right? Um but she hasn't fought top top competition. Sign of things to come? I mean, I think right now women's MMA is a thousand times hotter than than women's boxing. More people are talking about it, it gets more respect. It's on the big cards along with the men. Um I don't know if it's a sign of things to come that women's boxers are going to go and switch over to MMA, but I think younger women who want to get into combat sports will go this route as opposed to the boxing route. That's what I think will happen. Um, and that's good for MMA. I'm curious to see how she does. I think she should get some fights in Invicta, build herself up. That's what's so great about Invicta and the relationship they have with the UFC. Then let's see. I think we should calm down on the Rousey stuff because she is primarily known for her striking. She is training at Jackson's. Very curious. She has a great background. Women's MMA, like I said, biggest story of 2013. Very interesting. This is our last question. All right.
2: Andrew Vaughn, if Chael beats Jones, will this go down as the biggest main event upset in UFC history?
3: I think Sarah. Don't you think Sarah's bigger still coming off the show? But really, I don't know one person picking Chael Sonnen. It's, it's up there. Yeah, it would be up there. It, it's so funny, people talking about, it, like, Jones is the champ. You know, it's like we, we keep forgetting that Chael is the guy, um, you know, that he's fighting next. It would be up there. I'd say it would be up there with Sarah, but for some reason, I'd give Sarah the nod. Eh. Depending on how it happens. If it's like a squeaker decision, different than an actual finish like Sarah did the GSP. But it will be up there, and uh, it will be UFC 159 this weekend. What's the best question of the day? There have been so many. Uh, we can we can scroll through them real quick. Okay. I'll put them up on the screen. Great questions. Thank you so much.
2: Uh, the Holly Holm question.
3: And I'm sorry if I went through them a little quickly. We're just way over here. It's 440.
2: Impressive finishes. Yep. Strike force split. Yep. Matt yep. Brown. Frank Mir. Cormier. hmm Throwing in the towel for Diaz. Mm. Mm. Diaz not looking himself. Mendez mm-hmm. Edgar. Mm. Total bang. shots for a bang. Bang's yeah. coaching skills. Yeah. Thompson compared to Maynard Grant. Yep. Pettis. Benson's hair. Yeah. Benson on pay per view. Vieira. Yeah. Josh Thompson rematch with Melendez and MMA judging.
3: Let's give it to the guy who, because I feel strongly about this, the Pettis situation. It's a good call. Pettis. Yep. You win the GSP book. GSP, The Way of the Fight. There it is. Enjoy it. Give us a book report in uh, three to four weeks. Let us know how it was. Alright? Uh, Mike, you can my music. There we go. Will's been waiting for it. Dying. Truth be told, I had to go to the bathroom at around like one thirty, maybe three hours ago, but I fought through it. And now here we are, three hours and 45 minutes later. Longest show ever by far, right? I think. But it was a great show. Feels like a while ago when I messed up Pat Healy's UFC career. But I, I like the quote that he gave me. I think that, that actually made me feel a whole lot better about it. Made, made for a nice little story. So I apologize to him one more time, but I wish him nothing but the best of luck in his UFC redebut on Saturday night UFC 159. Jim Miller against Mr. Bang Ludwig. Great card, unfortunately no El Gojito, but there's some there's some solid fights on this card. Catone Head, Siler Holabaugh Garcia McKenzie, Hobby Lob against Medeiros, McMahon, Gaff, Volante St. Prue, Caraway Bedford, Miller Healy. Magalesh Davis, Roy Nelson against Congo. We haven't talked about that much. Bisping Belcher and uh, John Jones, Chael Sonnen. I want to thank uh, Mr. Pat Healy for stopping by. Thank you very much to Sarah McMahon. Good luck to her. Good luck to all the competitors at UFC 159, including Vinny Magalesh. And I want to thank Dwayne Ludwig for stopping by. Congratulate him on all his early success. And Maki Kawa as well, getting me in some trouble, seeing people tweeting and whatnot. Come on. Just because someone says something to me, it's not my problem. Next week, we have a good show already lined up. I'll tell you about it a little later on in the week. If you missed any of the show, check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Thank you so much for all the questions. The poses amazing. We'll see you next week. Enjoy UFC 159. Peace. So many.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart
11: Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.